My name is Thomas Vale, or at least it was. I'm a photographer. I had it all. A wife, Allison. Friends, a career. And in one moment, it was all taken away. All because of a single photograph. I have it. They want it. And they will do anything to get the negative. I'm keeping this diary as proof that these events are real. I know they are. They have to be. Welcome to the Nowhere Man Project. Uh, today we're talking about Nowhere Man. Big surprise. Uh, we're probably going to be talking about two episodes today. But first, my name is Gabe. My name is Steve. And so, like I said, we're probably going to be doing two episodes today, yeah. I think, because both of these could probably be covered pretty quickly. One was actually good. One is is bad in a way that there's almost nothing to say about it. Yep. There you go. So we think that's not going to give you the normal length you're used to. Yes. And instead of giving you two little teeny tiny bite-sized episodes, we're putting them together most likely. Well, I mean, let's wait and see. Maybe maybe we'll get into this and then before we know it, three hours will have passed. That does sometimes still happen, yeah. <laughs> sure. All so right. we are planning to do uh, episode 11. Is it 11? Yeah, 11. Yeah, episode the 11, within. The Enemy Within, and episode 12, It's Not Such a Wonderful Life. And what do you think about that name, The Enemy Within? Well, so I was going to I was gonna save that till the end. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess let me, I'll just get this right out there. Here's, I'm going to ask you a question. I think it's a pretty big question. Why is it called The Enemy Within? <laughs> Who is the enemy, the titular enemy within? I... Is it Ed Durant? <laughs> <laughs> that's the best I can come up with. That's the guy who sells his 40%. The guy who is in one scene yeah. and has a pretty good argument and everybody hates on him <laughs> and then you never see him again. That's the closest I can come up with. It's not Tom. It's not Emily. Is it? It's She's not the Emily. Protagonist, it could she? be. It could be. It could be Tom. Oh, I mean, hold on. I may maybe move this too close. Uh, it could be Tom. Yeah. It could be, you know. That they're referring to Tom's inability to settle down when given opportunities. Is that an enemy, though? Or like a <laughs> character flaw? I mean, it's just, I'm, I could see someone in like a metaphorical sense saying like, oh, man, I've got this enemy within me and I can't. But that is never, that phrase is never used in this episode. It's never used or even come close to. Yeah. I, I don't know. You, where do you want to start with this episode? Well, here, here's how I'd like to do it. I'm going to do a quick summary. Okay. Up front. Sure. Tom gets shot. Mm-hmm. He is taken in by a woman. Yep. Who he then bones. Yep. And promises to stay with her. And then he goes back out on the world because he gets a clue for, you, you know, taking down the organization. Yeah. That's the whole episode. That's the whole episode. In the middle of that, he does also convince her to stand up for something that she cares about. Okay. But... The rest of it is just Tom. It's a, it's another episode where Tom is tempted to stop. Yeah, that's the episode. Technically, the the episode twelve, which is it's not such a wonderful life, mm-hmm. is also him tempted uh, to stop. These okay. these two both have that going on. Okay, um, but I'm not going to contrast them too much. Just sure. Since I'm doing a quick overview here, that does seem to be like you you asked me last night. Uh, <laughs> what is this doing in the in the canon? Of nowhere yes. man, yes. it is actually thematically what what they that it's a nowhere man episode because Tom okay. is tempted, yeah, and he turns away. Okay, I okay. don't think it's executed well. Yeah, I think there's a lot of filler. I think it it sort of just reads like soft pork corn. Soft pork corn, yes. <laughs> um, well, so l- let me. <laughs> Is that what I said yes. Sorry, it reads like soft core porn. Uh huh. 
it, it like the, like all of the shots just look like the covers of romance novels. Well, novels. so so if you don't mind, yeah. I'm gonna do my elevator pitch yep. for this one. Um, it's actually it's technically two sentences, mm-hmm. but a romance novel from 1945 <laughs> fell through a time warp and ended up on the scriptwriter's desk. He changed the names, and here we are. Yeah, there you go. That's that's a lot of what it feels like. But it is it the way that it does connect. Yeah, is that it is Tom tempted to stop? Okay, he decides to stop in this one. And then he does, and then he goes back on that. Yeah, and that's immediately the end of the episode. Yep. In the way that these episodes end, which again I find very unsatisfying as a viewer. Yet I have come to expect it, so I find mm. them, I find it less like the rug pulled out from my from under me. Yeah. Nevertheless, I did write to you in all caps. That's how it ends. And you thought <laughs> yep. I was talking about the other one, but I, this yeah, is, yeah. Because I, I I had expressed that I already watched and made notes on the second episode, and uh, yeah. So. Here's the line. So I'm going to extract a line from this. Yeah. That I think falls in the top 25% of all writing in film and television. Okay. I think I might have it written down somewhere in my notes. Go on. Okay. This woman left the farming community 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And then she came back. And so now she's sort of a pariah in the farming community that Tom has sort of just washed up in. Yeah. And Tom needs to be in this town anyways because he's waiting for a phone call and cell phones don't exist in 1995. Yeah. So... This is where he left his number to be to be reached at. Mm-hmm. So while he is waiting for um, for a PI, a private investigator, to to call him back, he's just got to sort of stay here. And she keeps enjoying having him around, wanting him to stay. Mm-hmm. And because she left and came back, and now there's a big farm conglomerate that's trying to take over all of the farmland. <laughs> yep. She's like, because- that's the conflict <laughs> in this episode. It is. <laughs> Sorry. So, be- because that happens. Mm-hmm. She is, and and she is a pride because she already left. Why should we listen to you, blonde lady? Right. And she's like, it's because I left that you should listen to me. Because when I left, that's when I realized how important this is. I've already lost my farm once, so I'm already a step ahead of all of you. You're going to hate losing your farm. Mm-hmm. So in addition to trying to get the town to stick with their farmland, mm-hmm. she's she's trying to convince Tom to stick with the farmland, even though Tom just got here and is a total stranger. Yep. But as you said... It has the rules of a of a romance novel, yes. <laughs> um, where she is never once actually suspicious of him. Mm-hmm. She is never scared for her life. She is never, she doesn't at all turn down the idea that she has to put this stranger into her house, even though someone else shot him. Right. She just so it definitely has romance novel rules. That's a great. That's actually a very useful framework <laughs> through which to view this episode, because otherwise it has one of those. Wow. So because we know Tom, everybody trusts Tom moments yeah. of just a different kind. But I like that the lens is correct. It's absolutely like a romance novel. So she's trying to convince Tom to stay, even though he doesn't really have a reason to stay. Mm-hmm. But because she's making this strong argument for them to stick together and build their own co-op, yeah. it almost feels like it has this cosmetic link to the argument she's making to Tom where it feels like because she's right about the other thing. Yeah. She's right about this and Tom should listen to her. Sure. And then they bone. And eventually she gets frustrated that Tom hasn't, you know, gone all in like she has. Because, again, romance novel where she's just totally on board. She's like, you know yeah. what? This man who I don't know anything about and has clearly has secrets, um, he's perfect for me. She's like a Disney princess. Yeah. In terms of how immediately ready 
to spend her life with this guy. It's not just her either. Everyone is like, uh, so, you know, there's a there's a man in town. You you better be having a man living in, on your property, lady. You better, better go get that man. Don't let him go. <laughs> and it's every single person is like, so you got that man live with you, huh? Huh? Nudge, nudge. So uh, because he doesn't. I will say this then, yeah. because you said it like that. So it's almost like Tom is a character in her story in this episode. Well, um, if I can interject, yep. I many episodes ago, there was the thing from the commentary where they said that uh, Nowhere Man is not necessarily a story. It is a, a lens through which to view stories about the human condition. This yep. definitely felt like that because this is not a story about Tom. Right. This is we're watching Emily's story yep. through the lens of Tom, this guy who... Uh, got erased and is trying to get his life back. That's an interesting point, and that makes me hate this a little less. I don't, don't, don't no, worry it, about it, that. It, it, it does, though. It makes <laughs> me, I mean, because always I'm looking for, right, what mm-hmm. could they possibly have done? Sure. Right? So th- that is interesting to see it through the eyes of other people. You wrote a, fi- you wrote a, uh, for your, a fantasy fiction short story mm-hmm. for your, for your monthlies, um, where, uh, one of your patrons had submitted a character of his that was a goblin inventor. Yes. And instead of showing his story, you showed three or four different stories of shops yeah. being pilfered P- and people bargained. People in town like witnessing this weird little goblin guy stealing stuff and so on. Yeah. And so because it was all separate stories, you ha- you as the viewer had to pull the through line yourself because none sure. of the actual point of view characters were aware of the other point of view characters. Yeah. Um, so that's that can be done interestingly. I, I, if they had done this well, I almost like the idea of if it was clearly her story. Like yeah. if we started on her and not Tom and they, they were and they leaned into it more potentially. Sure. Don't know. What she eventually says, because Tom isn't going to stay stick around. Mm-hmm. He he never I'm putting that emphasis because of the next episode. He never <laughs> yeah. gives up, right? Yeah. So he says something along the lines of, they took my past from me. And she says, the past is taken from everybody. Mm-hmm. Yesterday is exactly where it's supposed to be. Is that the line that you had written down? I do have it. It is in my notes. I thought I had it in caps or in, in quotation marks, but I don't. So that is, that is, I love the idea of the past is taken from everybody. Mm-hmm. That's a great concept. Yeah. You could get four episodes out of that concept if you did it right. Mm-hmm. Because the idea that Tom isn't the only person who's been dicked over is very, very interesting to me. Sure. Like his circumstances are unique, but the the struggle is not unique. Right. The idea that everybody's fighting some private war that you know nothing about. Mm-hmm. And in the case of we put the lens on her, she doesn't know the private struggle that he is that he is fighting. Yeah. Um, we do, and it's pretty freaking extreme. She yeah. thinks it's something like, oh, you just can't give up those gambling habits or oh, right. you need a cigarette and I won't let you smoke. Or, like she thinks it's something small. Yeah. And she's just decided that because her thing is big and she's mm-hmm. dealing with the biggest thing in her life, that she, he should be able to deal with the biggest thing in his life. Yeah. He has such a peak experience compared to her. Right. Um, the thing that's happening to him, what will happen to almost no one ever. <laughs> yeah. Right. She doesn't know that. She has no way to know that because he doesn't go, listen. Yeah, there there really isn't ever a part in the episode where he explains what he's going through. Yeah. Because it's not about him. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is this is an episode that if it were done a little bit better, mm-hmm. I'd like the idea of it being a stand-in for the number of times. To- I, I I imagine that this sort of thing, not the boning, but this sort of thing. <laughs> 
happens a lot more than we see episodes of. Sure. And so if it were about that, I think that would be interesting. And again, I feel like you could get more episodes out of this concept of Tom's not the only one hurting. Mm -hmm. And that because he does, even though he has this extreme hurt, instead of using that as a way to distance himself from people, Mm -hmm. he could be using that as a reason to be more compassionate towards people. Sure. And we kind of have to make that argument for like when he just goes into the house of the guy who, you know, he's delivering pizza uh, during the okay, yeah, information yeah. superhighway episode yeah. of like, hey, I'm going to come in here just in case, you know, something terrible happened to you. I know a little something about terrible <laughs> things happening to people. Sure. Right. Because realistically speaking, leave the pizza and pay the pizza place with your own money. Yeah. Like, don't go into that person's house that has a special slot for pizza. Right. You're going to clearly get murdered. You are just about to get murdered. Yes. Maybe don't even leave the pizza. Just lose the customer and get a new job. Yeah. But he's like, whatever. I have class levels. That's a Dungeons and Dragons reference. Yes. Means he is he is a fully realized character. With abilities. On a level beyond a normal. He's got more hit points than everybody person. else. Yeah. He's not going to die as easily. He has ranks and skills. He can look up. And notice things that are that are around him. He's aware of his, his surroundings. He's not yep. just head to the floor, do my job. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I think this episode could have been interesting if it, if it talked about Tom. I wish Tom had moved an inch. Okay. Not the boning, but well, that's the thing. Like the, I, instead of instead of caving on the let's have sex, the way you I know that, that was terrible. Is... Word. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. Instead go on. of caving on the let's have sex, yeah. I wish he had caved on the thing that she says. I wish he says, you're right. You know yeah. what? You're right. And maybe he does. Maybe that, I mean, he does eventually say, okay, I'm going to stay with you. I don't even remember the, the the line because at this point I had another tab open, was doing other crap <laughs> because I was just waiting for this to end. And yeah. then when it does end, I was like, what? Yeah. It, it so quickly drops off. And, and the... Not just like it and I mean, it ends abruptly. Yes. But also like even within the like the character beats are very sudden, too. I mean, should I just jump to the end or should I should we go through the episode? I did see because I've watched this episode a couple times now. Sure, yeah. And I, I I didn't want to do this episode a disservice because, hey, maybe other people out there feel differently. Than me. Maybe you were going to feel differently than right, me. I wasn't right, sure. Right. So I I did take like a full episode's worth of notes. And because because so little happens, I had I, I felt like. I had to focus more on like the the dialogue and such. Like a lot of my notes for this episode are dialogue. Okay. Maybe with some snarky stuff thrown in there. Sure. But uh um uh I don't know. I, I do kind of still want to go through yeah. through the episode, yeah. like scene by scene, but I, I probably won't read everything I have. I might just uh jump around. Okay, cause it, cause I cause truly I have seven <laughs> notes and one of them was that quote. Yeah. And other ones were just frustrations <laughs> about okay. the concept. Well then uh let's go through this and I'll I'll try to make it Fairly quick. Yep, you know. absolutely. Um, so we start off with our usual intro stuff. And mm-hmm. then, of course, Tom's monologue. <clears throat> Steel, glass, and concrete provide an urban refuge, a shelter. But as much as I cling to that protection, I find myself trapped, suffocating, needing new air to fill my lungs, needing open spaces, a clear vista where I can stand up and touch the sky and maybe, just maybe, not be seen. Okay, I got to tell you, yep. I hated this when I first listened to it because <laughs> strategically, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard him say. Like, yep. if I take this at face value and I don't I know the episode. I want to be out in the open where people can see me. Well, well, 
the, the idea that he I, I actually have in my notes camping makes sense why don't you do that more Tom because yeah. he can be around not people so the idea of an urban refuge actually for me was the dumbest thing I've ever heard yeah being around people that's where you got caught 100% of the time <laughs> yeah being in cities is where they find you just learn to live off the land just take six months and learn to be a trapper just live off the I land mean, really yeah that's yeah. what you do so so the idea that like he was like, sometimes I go camping to clear my head. I was like, go camping more. You need yes. to clear your head more. It should be. Sometimes I go into town because I have to to get supplies. That's what it. Sh- that's where I'm at. That's yeah. exactly where I'm at. It's like, no, Tom, you should pee out of cities most of the time. And then you have to go in where you know you can get caught. Yeah. That all being said, reading that intro yeah. in the lens of this is a romance novel, that is sure. 100% what the man in a romance novel is going to do. Right. He's from the city. It's so suffocating there. (laughs) He needs to get out to the country. And in this romance novel, it's just not a happy ending because he does go back to the city. That's what she thinks. Like she is reacting under the assumption of he needs he thinks he needs to get back to the city. He needs to be within walking distance of a target. He needs to be able to get Taco Bell. This is, oh, he's so dumb. Not to jump ahead, but like there is a point in this episode where she makes this comment that if you are not viewing it as this is a romance novel, is like one of the jerkiest things she could possibly say. <laughs> we'll get to that. Okay. We'll get to that. All right. So that's um, the intro is and, this premise of, of camping. Yeah. And sorry, one more thing, actually, not to give the show credit, but um, <laughs> Tom's mom lives out in the country. If I recall from the first episode, like that it's like out in the boonies kind of that's true that's true yeah yeah yeah. so maybe he is maybe he spent the first portion of his life living out in the country and then he moved into the big city and became a big shot photographer big shot photojournalist and then i don't know but we don't see that yeah at no point at no other point in the series does he act like you know oh well you know i used to have an accent but uh living in the city for those (laughs) two years or whatever i don't know Photojournalism is also a profession that almost exclusively takes up place outside for the kind yeah. of journalism that he's doing, right? Sure. Where he's got to, he's going to be, he's not, he's not inside. He's not like doing a window washer, like rappelling down the side of the building, taking photos. Right. So it feels like he should be more at home outside now that you've brought his upbringing into the, sto- yeah. into the story, which, you know. To be fair, his mom lives out in the country, but he actually lives in. He some, lives in that small that town, that, that, that suburbs town where his Missouri dad, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, nevertheless, it would be nice to see him knowing exactly what to. And he does. He does put up a tent really well. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not a tent from Sharper Image. It is just you know some canvas and some stakes, and he does it really well. Yeah. The only thing I would do is not get shot. That's the it's good good advice. <laughs> that's the only thing he did wrong with his camping. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So Tom's walking the rails. He uh, passes a sign for Collective Foods Incorporated. Um, he stops into this general store with the oldest timey looking guy I have ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. And I I did write down, I do have some notes somewhere. Somewhere in my notes I have about about this this particular guy, like the actor that plays him and such. He's from Flint, Michigan, oh. if you're not aware. I'll, I guess I'll get to more on him later, but uh, this guy, he just, he looks like, let me actually, I'm asking you a question. Steve. Okay. Okay. And this, I'm going to, it's probably going to come up a few times. Okay. Because this is an important question. <laughs> what year is this episode supposed to take place in? <laughs> Not 1995. Not 1995. Maybe 1895. 
So Tom mm-hmm. goes into this general store, yeah. and you know we've got uh, oh, welcome to this here general <laughs> store, Mister Vale. How you doing today? Oh gosh, the old switchboard's down because uh, Collective Foods is trying to run us all out of town, but they can't. They can't uh, stop our spirit. So <laughs> anyway, so he goes into this, this. He tries to use the phone in this uh, this this general store yeah. because we find out it looks like the general store straight out of Hello Dolly. Okay. I've never seen Hello Dolly. Well, but. if you've seen this, it, Hello Dolly looks a lot like this. Yeah. And uh, let me ask you, what what year did Hello Dolly take place? That's a good question. We could Google that. 1895? <laughs> I'll Google that while you tell them okay. details. So we, we learned pretty quickly that uh, Tom, he's gotten in contact with a private investigator because he has, he's got a photo of, in his in his pocket, he's got a photo of one of the guys from the Hidden Agenda picture that he is doing. He's having someone investigate. So he's he's got a lead. You know, he's he's waiting to he he wants to hear from this private investigator, mm-hmm. but Tom doesn't have a house. So, he, you know, he's been going from place to place calling this investigator to see if they have any information. So he gets into this general store. He asks if he can use the telephone. The guy behind the counter says, oh, well, the, you know, the regular telephones are down, but the post office, which is the other the other half of the building, like five feet away. Oh, the post office still has, uh, they've still got a phone over there because uh, they can't take down, I think he says like Ma Bell or something, which I think is a euphemism for like, they can't actually stop the real phone company, but the collective foods can do whatever. Anyway, so Tom goes, uses the phone, calls the private investigator. Private investigator is, he's like in a lot of hot water. He's trying to get this information for Tom, but it's going to be real touchy, like, Tom can't really be calling him. He's going to have to call and talk to Tom and give it to him once he gets the information. So Tom asks the general store guy if, you know, hey, can I give him this number? If he calls, can you leave me a message? The guy behind the counter, which I, in my notes, I kept putting him as uh, Olden Dazer. <laughs> and uh, I think his name is Toby. I think I think they say the his general name. general store guy? Yeah, they say yeah, his name once. That sounds right. So um, anyway, so yeah, the guy behind the counter, he says, yeah, sure, you can... You, you they can leave a message here and I, I guess I can give it to you. So um, he has them leave a message there. At one point we see somebody was in the store and leaves and we, we see the door open and the camera lingers on this like, oh, there's a fundraiser dance at the old town hall and in on Thursday to, to raise funds to stop the old collective from buying up all the farms. So there's a moment in this episode, there's a crash that distracts Tom. You know, I think it's while he's on the phone because they just keep doing that. In this episode. Here we go. Um, so Mr. Olden Dazer is played by Ray Burke, who has a bunch of TV acting credits from the 80s and 90s. He played a character, the same character on both Cheers and Frasier. Okay. Not this character, but I'm saying like no, he, was, he was on Cheers and then played the same character on, on Frasier. On Frasier, which is a spinoff of Cheers. Spinoff, yeah. I thought, thought that was a No, that's, a, that's fascinating. Detail. That's a weird character to be in both of them. Yeah. Usually it's just the main cast. They don't usually do callbacks. Sure. For, for minor characters that you, <laughs> that you would have to really scratch your head to go, was it in Cheers? <laughs> right, right. So, so he leaves the general store and then, did you have anything else? From the general store, yeah. yeah. Okay. Hello, Dolly takes place in Yonkers, uh, New York. Okay. And in New York City in, in the 1890s. There you go. So literally 100 years later, like okay. you were right. Okay. I, I really didn't think it was that far back, but it completely was. Yeah. The PI, mm-hmm. he says, listen, you know, Tom's talking to the PI when he's yep. on the He's like, listen, I, I I can't leave a number for you to call me. Yeah. I'm in freaking nowhere. And he's like, listen, man, the PI says. Yeah. You told me this was a matter of life and death. And he's mm-hmm. like. Uh, he's like, well, you're not wrong. He's like, uh, you're too, uh, that's, I, I mean, it is. Yeah. All right. And then he imposes upon 
Mr. Old Timey (laughs) to take his messages. I think that's important because we're going to come back around to the ending where the guy finally shows up with the information. Yeah. And he does kind of. It is life and death. He does give up on a life in order to to do that. So I I just wanted to interject that because that that is part of the ending is, is there is a guy who reminds him. Hey, you told you told me this was life and death. Yeah. Certainly farm girl isn't going to tell him, hey, this was life and death. She's saying it's not life and death. It's just the city. It's just Taco Bell. Stay <laughs> right. in the country. Um, The other thing. So number two of my notes, one was you should camp more, Tom. What the hell? Yep. Two is so he hires a PI and in an era without cell phones, then goes camping. If camping yeah. is a thing that he doesn't do often. Wait until, and maybe that's what he was saying. Maybe that's that's what he was saying. Oh, the, the, the concrete and glass of the cities allow me a phone that a PI can talk to me through. But sometimes I can't sit around waiting for my PI. If that's what he had said. Yeah. If Actually, if that's what he had said, it would have been less like the romance novel opening. If he was like, I talked to a PI who is helping me out. Yeah. And because it's 1995 and I don't know of cell phones yet. Mm-hmm. He couldn't have said that, obviously. Right. I I mean, there were there were cell, cell phones. phones, but I mean, they were, you know, the 80s ones with a massive battery. Sure. That all being said, why doesn't he have a cell phone? That's a very good question. If he can break in and steal shit. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. If he had said I, if the if the opening was about the P.I. and mm-hmm. he just couldn't wait anymore. Sure. And so he had to get away from the city. May, maybe because the city is where he always gets caught. Okay. If yeah, he had yeah. said that, sometimes I have to get out to the, you know, to the wilderness, to the place where it's less likely I'm going to run into someone who's going to ID me. Yeah. Then at least he could have set up, gee, audience, I get it. It sure is stupid what I'm doing. Yeah. It sure is inconvenient and risky and dicey that I am leaving where there are phones right. during a time when I need phones. That drove me crazy. Yeah. Um, because it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It's only there so that he has an out at the end of the episode. And so, th- so that the episode can mean nothing like <laughs> so many of the episodes so that the episodes can reset to zero and that it can sure. be an anthology. Sure. All right. And I'll uh, have more thoughts on that concept when we get to next episode. Okay. So, uh, we then see the collective foods property. There is uh there's like change of guards or something. There's a, a night guard that's, you know, change of place with this, another guy. They, it's tried really hard to establish that it's like getting cold outside, like it's like late in the year. Probably because spoilers, next episode is a Christmas episode. Oh. But nobody really acts like it aside from the first two scenes. Like there's a couple comments about it being cold outside. Yeah, this is completely new to, news to me. This is this is new information. Yeah. Like they act like it's fall. If anything, they act like it's right now, like it's August. Yeah. They don't. They're like, they're like oh, it's jeans and, and a flannel shirt weather. That's, yeah. That's because but, that's what will look right on the cover. Right. And because Tom is always wearing jeans. And sure. Shirt, except sure. for one noteworthy scene. Never mind. I'll get, to, right. get to that right. later. All get right. to that later. Um, so, so this, I'm a bit perplexed about some of the circumstances around this, this scene. Yeah, me too. Uh, Tom climbs over a fence or something. Yeah. He like basically breaks onto this property. Yeah. Which, Okay whatever we see the guards <laughs> my attitude is not whatever but please go ahead the guards are like at a gate like a fenced gate yeah that when they're sw- swapping places they're like going in through the gate and closing the gate or whatever yeah um i guess i'll get back to that thought in a second so tom sneaks onto this property to start you know to camp 
He sets up a little lean-to. He goes and gets some wood, some wood for a campfire. We see the guard that came on here. He's got a shotgun. He's like, he hears a noise. It's a young guy. Young guy. He's talking to the other guard about how how they basically pay us to walk around in a circle. Yeah. You know. Um, He hears a noise. He points the gun, fires. We then see a shot of Tom's bloodied hand falling dangerously close to a fire. <laughs> yeah. And then camera pans over. So Tom is has been shot, is unconscious, cut to credits. Yeah. We come back from the credits the next morning. Yep. Tom is uh, still alive. Somehow his hand is not incredibly burnt because, whoa, boy, his hand was so close to that fire. <laughs> the protagonist of the episode, Emily, is just riding her horse around on this property. Was right. this not blocked off, fenced off property that belongs to her worst enemy? Why is she just riding a horse around on this property that has armed guards? Right. That makes no sense to me. It makes no sense. That's because, Gabe, it makes no sense. It's not you. It makes no sense. Okay. They have not decided where Tom is. Yeah. Here's one of the possibilities that half makes sense. Not the whole way, though. Uh One of the possibilities is Tom was climbing out of their private property, and now he's on the regular property. If that doesn't sit right with you, here's a thing. Yeah. We never established that he was in there. And also, that means a guy shot someone who was not on their property. Yes, that so- means the guard was... <laughs> I guess it could make sense if they were paid to literally walk around the outside of the property. Sure, to keep but people yeah, from getting to the fence. Right. But sure. they didn't... But that means the guy that he traded places with, who very much sounds like he's coming off a shift, was going into the property. Sure. I mean, no, exactly. It doesn't yeah. make sense. It does not make sense. I have a th- my third note is private property seems like the safest place to camp. Yeah. That's my third note was, God damn it. God damn it. This show. It was the stupid, like, Tom learns that there is one place in town that will be unfriendly and puts his <laughs> tent there. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I really like the idea that you have presented I mean, you said that it traveled through time. Right. I like the idea based on something you said last week of just, you know, sometimes these episodes feel like maybe they were pulled from earlier material that was written at a different time period because we had talked about that. Yeah. And the way you said it has now lodged into my brain of like, yeah, it's not necessarily that the episodes were written ahead of time. They could just be pulling stuff from – you You and I are both writers with a bunch of stuff that either we haven't finished or haven't actually gone to write yet but that is on deck. Right. Right. Tons of stories. So if you're under the gun to get an episode out, Mm -hmm. it's not inconceivable that you take something and sort of try to shoehorn it in, especially in a show that doesn't seem to mind that much when it doesn't make any freaking sense. Sure. Um, So I like the idea that, no, it doesn't make any sense because it wasn't originally this. Um, I also I pretty strongly think that when they shot the scenes of Tom camping, Tom getting shot. Tom being rescued, they did not know what the plot was going to be yet. So they didn't know there was going to be a a fenced off collective. Sure. They didn't know who was going to be shooting him or why. They just knew, well, Tom is out camping. Someone shoots him by accident. A woman shows up and saves him the next morning. Because that's the main plot. Yeah. The collective really is a small part of... Uh, the the collective is just a, a wrinkle. We'll get to how small the part a little <laughs> bit later when we bring some uh, numbers into the equation. <laughs> 
So, no, I love that idea, though, because we do know sometimes you write a piece before you have the rest of, of the thing figured out. Yeah. You and I, I think, plot a little bit more than, than – but there's plenty of writers who just – they it's they're, they're called pantsers. They write by the seat of their pants, and they prefer okay. not to plot it out ahead of time. I've heard a lot of different uh, terms for that. I heard pantser fairly recently, and the whole time I'm like, what does this mean? <laughs> so I think it's like pantsers versus gardeners. Oh, gardeners! I haven't heard. Gardeners is the opposite, where like you're you're you plant you plot out everything. Yeah, you like set out the rows and the you plant. I want this thing to be here, this thing to be there, and so on and so on. Okay, because I've heard plotters versus planters, but when you said you set out your plot of your garden, yeah, maybe that is the full version. They're not saying plot like the plot of the story. They're saying people who plot out their garden. Maybe don't know. That's interesting, but yeah. So so this this really does feel like. Because of the constraints of, and I've been listening to a, a podcast um, of all the people who work on The Good Place. Okay. And because of that, they talk about how sometimes, you know, if you're editing, you have four episodes that you're editing at the same time, or, mm-hmm. you know, you have such an amount of time to to shoot a thing and, and, and it's entirely feasible. Yeah. Especially because, like, this isn't the era of 13 episodes. They have to do 24 episodes or something. Sure, sure. 25, I think. Yeah. Um. It's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love, I love that. I love that idea. That that makes me able to stomach this episode a little bit. <laughs> but because, correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe it's worth going to check the thing. But is he not also by like some giant railroad tracks, like big old wooden things? When they, is is that? Oh just, shoot! Just I think because, so. I, I think, think that's that's how he gets onto the property. He like climbs over that or something. Yeah, or some. And I feel like they were like, okay, we got this, <laughs> we have this physical structure. <laughs> yeah, let's use it as best we can. I don't know. It's very. Yeah. I feel like also yeah. they should make this show about camping more because you can always get an outdoor set. True. So there are times when it would have been better for him to be camping than in a hotel room with a chandelier. Right? Yep. I think just from Well, a but he had to be in the hotel because then they tracked Dr. Bellamy's credit card. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. That was a wonderful memory there <laughs> yes. because I didn't remember the circumstances. But I it does seem like – it, when I thought, oh, he should be camping more and, oh, that would cost them less money. Yeah. They can still screw up outside location. Yep. <laughs> that is amazing. That is, you are working hard at that point. Come on. But I like the idea of, no, the constraints were, we had to shoot this because we knew the cr- the crux was she's going to be tending to him. So he's got to get hurt while camping. Sure. We'll figure out why later. Maybe figure out why with less of a fence since there yeah. wasn't a fence and you can't put it in and post because it's 1995 and there's <laughs> right. basically Toy Story costs a million freaking dollars a minute to make. Yeah, really. The only fence we see is in that one shot of the two guards changing changing places. All right. Let's go back to my favorite idea. Yeah. This show as a play. Okay. It, the only reason we don't see the fence is because, you know, we're supposed to put that there in our mind. It's theater oh, of the okay. mind. I was going to say yeah, that's the backdrop. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Exactly. Like just just because there's fence somewhere sure. on a backdrop that was ordered from a company and shipped to be the the hanging cloth that this whole this whole scene takes in front takes place in front of. Yeah, it's not even that. There's just this, the whole episode, and there's just there's some fence, there's some thing, there's a, and you go, oh, okay, I can picture it in my head because <laughs> the show doesn't confine itself to reality. Yeah. So it's morning. Um, I I wrote in my notes some woman. <laughs> But then I, I went back and I put okay. the character's name is Emily Noonan, played by Maria Bello. I also looked her up. Uh, she's done a lot of stuff. She's a little part. She was there. familiar to me. She's been in a lot of stuff. She's produced a lot of stuff. Okay. She was on a lot of show. Like she was she was has a lot of self credits, okay. like 70 self credits on wow. IMDb. OK, so she's been on a lot of like talk shows and stuff for. I saw that she done. was in Coyote Ugly, which okay. is that the movie about the, the bartenders. 
Gotcha. I, I know of it. I yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, I Maybe I know her from it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, so she stumbles across Tom for some reason. She sees he's <laughs> wounded. She calls out for help. There's nobody around. So she... Uh, no, it's because she's... Cause because she's on a horse on random ass property. I didn't even realize how stupid it was that she was. Because what's she doing? Yeah. What's she, what is she even doing? Not even. Let's take away the idea that this is private property. Yeah. She's riding for fun. I mean, I guess you do that if you do horses. But what the hell? I guess. What the hell? And isn't it convenient that she shows up? Yeah, hang on a second. <laughs> she is the sole operator of a farm. <laughs> how does she have free time to just be riding a horse? <laughs> She's got, not only is she an operator of a farm, a farm that's under siege and wants to be bought out by a collective that is going to produce more food. I mean, as the strong female protagonist of a romance novel, okay, she's good enough to have free time. Sure. (laughs) Well, because it's a soap opera. They don't need to have day jobs. Yeah. That's part of it. And it's important that she rides a horse because that's good for the cover. (laughs) Yeah. So... Anyway. I'm picturing Tom shirtless with like her with her arms wrapped around him and like the dog or something. But then like off in the distance, you see like a man with a cigar or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so she 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 pulls Tom along on like a plow or something. I don't even know. I think it looked honestly, it looked like she made like a makeshift gurney from from some sticks and maybe his, his tent. Okay, may- maybe that's and what she it was. was maybe using his tent, I guess. That's so, maybe giving them too much credit. Yeah. And there is actually an answer to this. Not a satisfying one, but an answer. An answer nonetheless. Uh, but I'm going to ask this question anyway. She doesn't take Tom to the hospital because. <laughs> and then I have the first instance in my notes, at least, of. Uh, Steve, let me ask you a question. What year does this episode <laughs> take place? <laughs> now, um, she draws some water. She puts a blanket over him. Oh, sorry, you're raising your hand. Yeah, yes. yeah. Sorry. Just just. Okay. I will say I have a friend from Canada. I think I may have talked about her on the show. I don't remember, but she's from okay. the she's from the prairies of Canada. Mm-hmm. She, her brother is a fourth generation rancher. Oh, okay. So she has a very different sense of hospitality than we do. Sure. And so, and, and like even today, she lives. Um, she lives in the U.S. She she married someone in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And they live out on on an acreage. Okay. And so your neighbor is someone a mile down the road who you probably don't speak to. Yeah. But through the grapevine, she heard that, you know, there there had been a catastrophe or something and, and she brought food because that's what you do. You take care of the other members of the community. Yeah. So even in present day America, mm-hmm. apparently there are people, you know, who have a different sensibility of taking care of one another than, than we have. Yeah. So I will say that. <clears throat> um, that being said, there's a huge difference between bringing food to someone who you have seen but not talked to, yeah, and bringing a strange, unconscious man into your With home. A gunshot wound. <laughs> That's my concern right there. Gunshot wounds are serious business, and he had that wound f- untreated for hours. He's yeah. lost probably tons of blood. Yeah, I'm surprised he's still alive, but whatever. He's the main character of the show, right? Um, so. She draws some water, puts a blanket over him. She says she she she's like talking to him while she's doing. I, I thought it was a nice touch actually, because like you know she's panicking. You know, you know I'm sure I would I would talk to a corpse if if that was you know if sure. I had no idea what I was yeah, doing. Yeah. Um. So the, she mentions the phones are out, so she's gonna go get her truck. So uh, I have in my notes. She has a truck, but she doesn't use it to transport Tom. Um. She goes to get the doctor. Doctor takes care of my guest, gets him patched up. He then does have a line here where. 
because Emily is like, oh, yeah, I can take him to the hospital. And the doctor's like, oh, no, no, the oh, the co-op, they tore up the road from here to down to whatever. So, uh, you know, if you took him down that road, that road would kill him. <laughs> and OK, that explains why she doesn't take him to the hospital now. Right. But in a couple days when he's up walking around, driving, doing whatever, get to a freaking hospital, get that bullet out of your side and or make sure there's no internal bleeding or what like there, there there's no reason for him to never have gone to a hospital at any point in this. If it was his choice, okay. But get this guy to a hospital. Like if it's a matter of he's gonna bleed out on your floor or he's gonna bleed out in your truck on the way to the hospital. Let him bleed on the truck on the way to the hospital. Yeah, because then you could give the dead body to the hospital. Yes. And he does say, like, you you if if you take him to the hospital, you might as well just keep driving past the hospital straight into the right. morgue. And I, be... I like that dialogue, <laughs> but it's it's just bonkers. No, it's it's absolutely a stretch in terms and again, it 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 did have this feeling of if this were episode two or three of the of the show, yeah. I would just throw my hands up and be like, this is the stupidest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Sure. The benefit this episode has is I've seen stupider in this <laughs> show. It's not the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Yep. So I sort of was just like, mm-hmm. The next two notes I have. So, so my, my note number four mm-hmm. is, yeah, you don't just keep your someone in your house like that sorry no especially when you are just you know she's not worried that he's gonna wake up and have problems she's not worried that mm-hmm. he has that it's just no it's 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 absolutely if if it's written as a romance novel fine that makes a lot of sense we're like in romance novels men are not threats yeah unless they are the threatening character who's to be punched and, and replaced by the guy who isn't a threat sure she has not a threat radar that goes this is one of the good ones, right? That only exists in romance novels. In in real story, this was clearly written by a man and clearly written, you know, like, uh, no, you wouldn't keep him in the house. You would go, sorry, mister. Yeah. I am going to take your body to the morgue. Um, I don't even know if you necessarily move him. But again, I don't know from rustic hospitality. I don't know from, from taking care of one another. And again, there's a difference, though, between some stranger in the town yeah. And pe- if it was a member of the town, absolutely. Yeah. Right? If they had shown that he had, like, been around delivering pizzas in this town, she'd be like, oh, no, the pizza guy. I've seen him. He's not a psycho. Yeah. But, like, I have relatives who live in Arizona and keep guns, not because they're, you know, gun fanatics, but they're like, because you have to be able to keep crazy people off your property. Yeah. Because there's no one coming to save you. Yeah. It It would have required a lot of changing of the rest of the episode, but what if Tom got a job at the general store? And yep. that's why he was able to have them leave a message for him. Mm-hmm. And then people know, you know, maybe people people know him now because he's not the, the del- pizza delivery guy. That <laughs> no, sounds that a little, would, that, little funny. That was but, a joke. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yes, the guy that works do in the something, store. Exactly. Do, do anything in town yeah. so that that so we can alleviate the bonkersness of him right. being just kept in her house. Yeah. My fifth and sixth note the number seven is the quote of the pass is taken from everybody i like that uh-huh. but fifth note and sixth note are at different times going is this a fantasy and he's bleeding out and then could have been is but this wasn't a fantasy and he's bleeding out <laughs> because it, it just kept escalating in ways that made absolutely no sense to reality yeah and like you're right about they super didn't tend to his bullet wound nope. i didn't directly have this in my mind but there was this sense of like Gee, your bullet wound is certainly better real quick. Yeah, in a couple days, he is 
fine. It perfect. never comes up again. He just, he just, yeah, he's he's got superhero healing and just sort of whoop. Now, yep. as long as it doesn't kill you, it heals itself. <laughs> you know, it's just, there's there's nothing in there that you need to worry about in yeah. your flank. What, like, was it just a flesh wound? If so, had the doctor be like, you're lucky it was just a flesh wound. He probably just passed out from shock. That's nice. That would be great. Yeah. But he didn't say that. <laughs> so, okay. So what we need yep. is he can't. What if it was even that he, it wasn't like, oh, I got to get, I got to get out to the country sometimes. <laughs> what if it was someone's on my tail? Yeah. I have a PI working for me, but in town, someone's oh, on my tail. Snap. So I have to come to this place that's off the grid. Yeah. In fact, I came here because they don't have phones. They have one working phone. Maybe he knew that in advance or something. Uh-huh. He knew that they wouldn't be able to, you know, easily call for help. I don't know. Yeah. But he's definitely right. That's why he's, cut, why he's out there. He needs to be there for a little while before getting shot. Mm-hmm. Doing a job there so that people are used to him. So that if he's working in the store, she can come into the store. He can say something stupid to her. She can dislike him. Then he can go get shot. And then he she can go, oh, all right, this guy from the store. Right. Sure, I'll take him in. And then the doctor has to say, you're lucky it was just a flesh wound. Okay, we have brought this back into reality. We've, done, we've patched up all of the, the, well, the bottles. Okay, so the doctor has a line here. He's like, well, you know, once he gets better, he's your responsibility. And Emily's like, I hated that what so does that much. mean? And then he says... It means if he pulls through this, you might end up with a man on your hands, to which I wrote giggity. Um, There is, they are treating Tom like he is a commodity. Yeah. There is an episode of the show Sliders. Do you okay. recall Sliders? Yeah, I mean, I know of it. So the premise of that show is a dude and his girlfriend and his college professor and a random guy that was driving by the time get caught in like an interdimensional wormhole. Yep. That every episode they go to a different alternate reality. Yep. One of the realities, men are a, are a commodity because there was some sort of a weird virus or something that killed like 99.999% of all of the men in the world. Okay. So the only men left are like living in facilities designed to raise and breed men okay. so that there is stock to then keep the species keep going. The species going. Yeah. Well, so when they these three men show sure, up, sure. they're not in the facility uh, and then people, they run into people, people start treating them like well okay i need to secure this commodity so that nobody can take it from me and so on and so on that's what this feels like but it this isn't that this is not a dystopian alternate <laughs> reality where men don't exist this is it's an episode of no it's an episode of an ongoing show in the same universe as itself i, I do like the 1890s concept yeah. of just we are you know it's it's a it's an era where you know you got to get husband up yeah um, it really does make me think of Hello, Dolly, uh, which is literally about she's finding husbands for people and she's yep. going to get a husband for herself. Um, it's it's just weird. <laughs> it's just it's just something that it's just one of the many things that's not making sense because of whatever the genesis of this idea yeah. was. So one more one just a little detail. I don't remember when this comes in or maybe. Um, I guess I made a note of it in just a little while. Um, so this disc that I was that I was watching, uh, the it's really scratched for yep. some reason. Yep. So I, I've had to watch the the YouTube ones, yep. which have the commercial breaks. Oh right, yes. And this made me realize this show has some of the most bonkers commercial <laughs> break. Like the the part where it chooses to go to commercial, it'll be like there will be a dramatic scene, cut to black, come back from black, a shot of like a person walking, cut to commercial. <laughs> 
it's it's real weird. So um, so when you're watching these on the DVD, you don't even notice the commercial breaks. It's like one continuous thing. No, there like are a parts. There show. are parts where I assumed it was a cut to commercial because it feels like a cut to commercial, yeah. but it just goes on immediately to the next scene. So okay. I, I'm not always correct. Um, so the next scene is Emily tending for Tom, tending to Tom. Uh, he's clearly feverish. He's having a rough time. He's talking to sleep. Keeps saying the name Allison. Um, she goes to the general store. Uh, with uh, with Mr. Olden Dazers, and she buys some men's clothes. Who the the uh, Olden Dazer guy? He he is very suspicious of this because there can't be a woman buying clothes for a man if uh, if it's not something romantic. And uh, he would know if there was a you know romantic interest going on with uh, dear old Emily here. So he's prying quite a bit, asking why she's buying bandages and men's boxers. And uh, I guess this is this is. A small town in the 1940s, so what else should I expect? So let me ask you again, Steve. When does this episode take place? So Emily is outside hanging clothes to dry. She's picking berries, taking a bubble bath, going through Tom's things. Uh, she explains later, like, she was just trying to see, like, is there somebody that is looking for this guy? Mm-hmm. You know, if he has, like, a driver's license or something, she can maybe try to contact whatever. So... Uh, she fi- she she has found his negatives. Like the Which negatives is, are just laying out on the bed. That's that's a fascinating aspect to this episode. First off, why aren't they in his belt? And second <laughs> off, like Tom, what are you doing? Why are you walking around with the negatives somewhere that anyone who found your bag could just oh here's Tom's negatives. The thing that sure, ha- they've yeah. been trying to get <laughs> right. the entire series. Like, well, I wasn't you, planning to get shot. <laughs> good point. Just you think he'd be a little bit like they would be hidden somewhere. If right, they were on hid- his person. Right. If I mean, even if they were hidden somewhere on his person, like in his belt. Right. If there was a shot of her, like, I don't know, she's got like a, she holds up one of his shirts to like the, you see, like she can see th- the sun through it. And she realizes there's like a oh. weird shape sewn into the fabric. Yeah. That's one thing, but. Because you're doing outside laundry. Yeah, exactly. That, the country. that could have been it. <laughs> but no, they're just, they're just there. Yeah. So she just found him. Uh, so I put, you done goofed, Tom. <laughs> So, uh, and then here's where, here's where it's a real weird cut to commercial. She's like downstairs. Um, she's like making tea or something. I think, I think it's soup. Cause in the next scene she's making soup and she like, hears Tom like rousing upstairs. So like she goes up the stairs, cuts commercial. It's not like oh, t- Tom is about to wake up. It's just like, she's doing something. She hears a noise, leaves, cut to commercial. It's just real bizarre. I'll have to watch for this now because I never really thought about I've not thought about the commercial breaks too much. So I, I focus more on like the, the technical stuff I feel in this. Anyway. Um so we come back from commercial and I titled this scene Tom's Armpit. Um so Tom wakes up, he's he's having a hard time moving. Cause like the whole scene, he's shirtless, he's holding on to the bed frame with one arm above yeah. his head, and so the whole scene you're just staring at his armpit. Okay. So anyway, she, uh, Emily comes in, she helps him like, you know, get up to a better position. We get a lot of footage of his armpit here. And <laughs> this is just sort of fascinating to me. Yeah. I feel like this is like the amount of, I don't know how to properly put this, the amount of cleavage or skin you see on women that you don't notice most likely in in, in television and film. Yeah. Because I'm just like, I, I, I have no thought or problem <laughs> with, with this armpit. I'm not saying it's a problem. It's, no, just, it's just like... It, I don't know. Well, that's it. what I'm saying is that it didn't at all stick out to me. I have sure. no note about like that. Sure is his armpit. 
I guess I I just don't like armpits. Well, that, well, that, that yeah, it was, it was just it was an interesting because I'm I'm indifferent. I'm like whatever. It's it's a top half of a naked man. I've seen those before a lot. I guess. And so I think that was interesting that that super stuck out at you that it was. So weird tangent to sure. go on. Um, my wife Lisa. Yeah. Uh, she will often go to go on Reddit and go to r slash celebrity armpits. Now that is <laughs> that is. Primarily intended to be a a a non pornographic fetish subreddit because some people okay. enjoy looking at particularly females but also males uh, looking at women's armpits okay particularly celebrities armpits okay but she goes there because she loves looking at jewelry and clothing and these photos are all close up very high resolution photos of <laughs> celebrities wearing fancy clothing and jewelry. <laughs> So, you know, as long as you just don't get off on looking at the armpit, they're actually pretty good pictures, uh-huh. according to my wife. Uh-huh. So sometimes I'll just, I'll, we'll be laying in bed, I'll be watching TV or whatever. I'll glance over and I'm just like, what are you doing? Anyway. So Tom wants to know what's going on. She asks who he is. He doesn't really answer it immediately. It's been a few days since he was shot, apparently. Tom asks if there's a general store here. He's trying to get like a bearing for, am I still by where, you know, I, I, had that message right, dropped right. off. The only landmark he knows, except for the private right. property that he was sleeping on. Right. And uh, so he says, like, you know, I, I got to get to this message. It's it's important. And she's like, well, I mean, if you if you bled to death, the message would still go unanswered. So, you know, chill out. Pretty, it was pretty a good retort. Good retort. Yeah. So she made a strong point. Yeah. So she she asks who he is. He says. That's the, that's the closest thing this episode has to strength. Okay. Outside of its plot is that she is good at talking to him. Sure. It makes no sense what's going on in this episode, <laughs> but she is actually pretty darn good at talking to him. She's sure. not she's not D from the other episode. Right. This is this is someone who is self-possessed. <laughs> Minus the fact that a man told her she had to keep this other man that she doesn't know in her house. And she was like, I guess you're right. Oh shucks. <laughs> and then she tries to. <laughs> so um, but no, she does a really good job of of delivering um she holds her own really well sure if d had been had been this kind of performance i think that or this performance or writing wise i think that episode would have been measurably better yeah i agree um so she asks who tom is he says his name tom bale and a little moment here she's disappointed because she thought he was a craig or a richard or something i uh, i could be wrong about this yeah she's not disappointed she's flirting with him is that not oh, clear? Oh, I, I mean, okay. That's, that's okay. a flirt. She's teasing him. She's going, oh, and here I had gotten all my hopes up that you were a, you know, gruffly named man because that's, she's flirting with him. Okay. Well, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here, Steve. Yeah. I don't know how to recognize flirting. Oh, yeah. You've talked about this. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. The teasing that she's doing, the whole thing is her flirting. Okay. There's not a, okay. There's not a single moment where she's not <laughs> flirting with him. I mean, I did notice some, there is there is quite a bit of flirting later, but I I did not recognize that. I mean, flirting. we can watch specific. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah I don't either. I'm sure so. you are right. <laughs> All right, all right. So, um, she explains that Tom was shot on collective goods, private property. Again, why were you riding your horse there? Yeah, she's. It's not just right. It's not just bold face flirting though. It's it's it is. She hasn't made up her mind about him okay. yet. It's that. Okay. It's 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 it is a period of them feeling each other out. In which she is keeping the upper hand by teasing him. That's okay. that's what this that's what her whole deal is. Okay. Um, so she says that uh collective goods has been really there's been a lot of tension lately, so they've hired a bunch of Yahoos with guns, and that's why that's 
why why he got shot on on you know because ostensibly they're not bad guys. Or, right, there's a know, corporation. There's a corporation, but who have hired hired whatever, armed, yeah, what, right. whatever armed guards were available at the time, which was just locals who were like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll walk around in a circle, and then shoot my gun and not check up on it. Yeah, <laughs> how about that? He fired his gun at something, and I was like, hmm, okay. I'm just going to walk away <laughs> because he just didn't check. I mean, nothing came after him. Here's what they should have done. Yeah. Had had a like five second shot where he sees he has shot a person and then runs away. Yeah. And then that's it. You, yeah. don't, you don't need any more of that. He just didn't tell anybody. And that's what I think happened is that he didn't tell anybody that he discharged his weapon. The show does not need this credit. But here's here's what I think happened. Okay. He shot Tom and then he was like, oh, crap. I got to get this guy off of collective property. So he dragged Tom, set up a campsite off the property. Okay. Specifically to hide the fact that he done just killed a guy. <laughs> and that's why Emily found him. Okay. Head cannon resolved. <laughs> that's good stuff, really. You did it. <laughs> all right. All right. That's the only problem with this episode. So, um,. Uh, so she was making some broth. She gives, she feeds the broth to Tom. And I'll say uh, whether this is intentional or not, good on the writers for having him on a liquid diet, having <laughs> having you know just been shot. I love your medical background, man. It just comes <laughs> in in such strong voiced ways. Good. Um, Tom asks what she had to do for him while he was out, and she says everything you would expect, I guess, which is to gloss over the fact that you know she would have had to wipe his butt and yeah. stuff. You know, because um, it's a romance novel. So uh, Tom's having trouble eating soup, so she leaves it for him. The next morning, we see her out getting eggs. We then see a shot of Tom eating eggs. Subtle thing, but I thought, okay, that's a nice transition there. I can I can see the the progression of the scene here. It's a very visual. The reason I said this is like softcore porn, yeah, is because it's very it's very visual. Okay, it's it, it it more so than other episodes. It wants to be a music video in terms of how much it is just shots that mean feelings. Yeah, um, very little happens. Yeah, it is things like okay, she gets eggs, he eats eggs. Like that's part of a montage scene that should take four <laughs> minutes somewhere in the middle of a plot heavy thing. Yeah. It's most of the episode. Most of this 50-minute episode is just her getting eggs and him eating eggs. It's more than that, really, but it feels like, wow, they did that shot for, like, that's, that's 20 minutes. I, all I know is at some point I looked over at the different times and I was like, 13 minutes in, huh? Yeah. That's how much has happened 13 minutes in? All right. Um, I'm actually going to try to make this a bit quicker because we're an know, hour we're, into this recording <laughs> yep, and yep. We, we are still hoping to do a second one. So they um, they do flirt a little bit here. And uh, she asks if Tom's a photographer. Like he's a bit taken aback because she has information. She has on information him. on him. And usually, and when someone has information on him, it's because they've been they they're from the organization. They're, they're or looking whatever. for the recipe for concentrated dark matter. There you go. So uh, she explains, like you know, hey, I was just looking through your stuff. I wanted to see if anybody was looking for you or whatever. Uh, he doesn't answer, but he's he apologized for being suspicious. Thanks her for helping him. Some guys in a car pull up. And uh, Mr. Daniels of the Collective is here. They and in case you know, just to, just of the Food Collective. Yes. Right. When people show up in cars in this show, you think, oh, the organization. That's oh, not sure. a different word for. Coll- it, no, it's no, no, the no. Food they collective. are called the organization, Steve. <laughs> as we will learn in I a know, little while. I know. 
Uh, so Mr. Daniels of the collective shows up. Uh, he makes some veiled threats. You know, he's like, Hey, you know, you better sell your land. Cause if you don't sell it, somebody else is going to sell it. And then you're going to go under because you're the only place left and we'll have all the land and they're all going to be rich. So, you know, better, uh, do what you gotta do. They make some veiled threats. Then Tom makes some fail threats. Oh, snap. He shows up with a gun. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so another right. guy, another guy is with Mr. Daniels and he has like, some sort of a court order or something saying that she has 30 days to prove that she isn't blocking progress. Yeah. To a, to a judge. She has to go to a circuit court judge. And is this a thing? I have no idea. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know as much about law as I know about medicine, but like, can you just go up to someone's property and be like, Hey, we want to buy this property. You have 30 days to prove that we can't Not buy someone's property? property. The idea being that there, there may be, I've seen like on law shows, yeah, other situations where like, I feel like it was in an episode of The Good Wife, which is a law show mm-hmm. with Juliana Margulies as, a, as goes back to being a lawyer um, that was about farmed salmon. And they were trying to figure out what to do with the land. Like it was it's not okay. a criminal court. It's a civil court where one group is suing the other for, you know, they're, they're not there just trying to get her house. Yeah. They're, they're trying to get all of their stuff so that they can own own the land or whatever. Um, I would not remotely be surprised if there is legal precedent for, I'm I'm sure it's not right Mm -hmm. in terms of, of what we want society to be, but I would be amazed if there's not some legal precedent that people use for this sort of thing, because this is a thing, at least, at least I've seen it in plenty of other television shows where some big company is trying to muscle out the current inhabitants so that they can use the land for their corporate, you know, machinations. Um, so I don't know if it's a thing, but it didn't bug me as much as it did for you. I mean, if it was a different show, I wouldn't question it. I wouldn't question whether they did their homework, <laughs> I guess, is what I'm getting at. All right. That so. I will definitely <laughs> absolutely grant. I will say this also. Yeah. It is absolutely something that would happen in a fantasy romance novel. Okay. Because that there makes sense. does need to be, you know, just this outside pressure of, oh, no, I'm going to lose my house. But at least I gained a man. And now I gained my confidence. And now I'm not going <laughs> to lose my house. Because you want things to work like that. Yeah. As a very real story thing, you do want the internal thing to cause you to have the emotional thing, which gives you the support to do the physical thing. Mm-hmm. If at all possible, that is how you end a story sure. because that will be the most satisfying thing is you find the courage within you because of someone who was altering your life. And then that allows you to go and do something amazing and people go, ah, the hero. So th- that does need to be there. I tell they did their own work though. Yeah. Um, so the lawyer also makes a comment about uh, her being a pretty girl and she shouldn't be living out on her own anyways. <laughs> WTF nowhere, man. Yeah. My nose. Uh, so Tom comes out. 1890. Which, 1890, exactly. Speaking of which, Tom comes out with a gun. Right. And he tells them that one of their toy soldiers almost blew him away the other day. So if they leave now, they can leave in one piece. They ask if he's threatening them. He says no, but sometimes people don't hear him. So this is a hearing aid, which I thought was uh, thought was pretty good. I thought it was decent. Um, there's some some good dialogue in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they they leave. The guys leave. Emily drives Tom to the general store. So Tom's up and walking around. Yeah. Like, go to the hospital, dude. <laughs> uh, so Olden Dazer remembers Tom, asks if he found a job because uh, Tom was at. Sorry, I forgot to mention earlier, Tom was looking for work. And oh, the, that's right. The guy, he, he made a comment about like, well, there's a collective, but if you work for the collective, you don't shop in my store. He did say a nice thing also with that. He said yep. the farmers don't have enough work for themselves. 
Oh, okay. That was a nice... So, like, the idea in this town that they have canonized is there wouldn't be enough work for Tom. Oh, okay. But undo that, give him work, and solve all the problems. Sure, sure. Well, because I I had said earlier, like, she's a farmer so why does she have time to ride around a horse i guess i guess they did their homework i don't know on that one. what that even means though that they don't have enough yeah work for themselves like what are you even talking about what does that mean all right yeah so um anyway he remembers tom asked if he found a job and he says he hasn't gotten any messages for him and then uh he says he hopes those boxers he sold emily fit okay what the heck dude <laughs> come on so Tom awkwardly says thanks and leaves. Because what else are you going to do? They go to this town meeting that is happening, I guess, because uh, we will find out in a moment that Ed Durant, the owner of the largest farm in the area. 40% of 40%, the farmland of the area that they're yes, trying to get. Is, uh, so he is, um, he is thinking of selling to the collective. There's a little moment here when they get to the town hall. Emily's talking to this guy who then introduces himself to Tom as Will Thomas. I thought it was noteworthy because his last name is Thomas. I was like, what if his name was Vale Thomas? Wouldn't that just be funny? And I thought this character was going to be a bigger part in the episode. No, this is his only... He's a named character that introduces himself (laughs) to Tom. Never seen again in the episode, unless I'm mistaken. Unless he's one of the several people in the town hall scene that has lines, but... No. (laughs) I only find that fascinating because you have pointed out... In your notes, because you take these very detailed notes mm-hmm. and you have to come up with names for people because they only say their names. Sometimes they only say their names like at the very, at the end, very of the end of the episode. So I love that you were like, oh, someone's name. Yes. And then you're looking at your notes going, this guy never came back. Well, afterwards, I was like, well, wait a minute. Was that guy ever in again? And so I had to go back and look and no. So anyway, everyone's mad at Ed and they're asking why he's Ed Durant. They're asking why he's selling to the collective. And Ed says it's, you know, he's got a very good argument. It's that. If he does this, he's guaranteed, like, the farms are all doing poorly. He has a guaranteed buyer if he sells it to the collective, and then he won't have to worry about his mortgage. They say, oh, that's not all that matters, because you'll still have to make ends meet. And they they make a comment about if the crop is bad, they can boot him out. I, I guess I'm not 100% sure what is going on here. Is it that... They're going to buy his land and then pay him to work the land. That is my assumption. Yes. Okay. I guess I don't. I don't know much about buying or selling farms. I don't so. either. But that was my assumption was that they're going to buy the land and keep you because when you buy a company, yeah. If you there there are times where you buy a company and you need to keep the CEO, you need to keep the founder on because it's a it was a close to lone wolf company where you're actually buying someone's talents. Okay. And if you were to remove them from the company, there's no company. It's just a bunch of people who yeah. do support work. There are other times when it was someone who built a system. Mm-hmm. And actually, you very quickly want to phase out the person who built the company because then sure. there's a two kings problem. Yeah. And so this is they're buying your land and they could easily staff your land with somebody else. Mm-hmm. But they'd rather have you they'd do it. They'd rather you do it because then they do don't it. have to staff someone else. It's sort of – that's also why – um, this is not legal advice. I have been told a bunch of different times, you don't have to worry about non-disclosure agreements when you're talking to serious investors. Okay. Because serious investors will not steal your idea and then go implement your idea because implementation is, it's right, it's 10% inspiration, 99, 90%, not 99, 10% right. inspiration, 90% perspiration. Yeah. Execution is the real thing. Mm-hmm. So if you have some idea for a new business or system or, or gadget or app or something, 
and you're the one who can implement it, yeah. they're not going to spend their already limited time going and finding a different person who can implement the abstract new idea that you actually understand how to do. Right. So I think it's like that where the easiest thing for this co- for this collective is to just buy up the land, become mm-hmm. the landlords – you're and, and and now you're and now you're an employee for them, okay. and they're making money off of the off of the margin of of uh, off of what you're. And, but you have you have quotas that you have to make, yeah. Because it, you can't just sell your land, live off of it. You know, oh sorry guys, I had, <laughs> I had a bad crop this year. They can they they can, can be like, all right, we'll get somebody else then that who will actually do actually the work. Do it, yeah. So yeah, that's what I'm pretty sure is going on. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I think it's funny that you got uh, some percentages wrong because we will see how this episode deals with their percentages <laughs> later. But speaking of percentages, he's he's being offered so much money. He's, he says he's not worried because like, you know, hey, uh, yeah, I'll have to make ends meet, but they're giving me so much money for this land. Like, I'll be I'll be. I set. can live off the money. Yeah. I can be booted out and live off the money. And then they say that, that he's only be, being offered so much because he owns 40% of the land. And then like another family's like, we only have 2% and right. so on and so on. So... Basically, they're saying that by selling his land, he's going to be screwing over everybody else. You know, there's there's more to consider than money. There's the heritage and so on. And he's got a really good point. Like, my boy can't eat heritage. Right. We can't live on history. He wants to give his son a future with college. And it's, you know, again, it's a great argument. It sucks for everybody. There really isn't a good answer. Yeah. But I... It, if he is supposed to be the enemy within, I don't think he is because the episode paints him pretty well as like he's just trying to do what's best for him. I'm pretty sure the enemy within refers to Tom's incessant need to go and dig up the past. That's okay. that's I think what the enemy within. That's that's where make, my head is at. Make his opening dialogue <laughs> about like sometimes I have to get out of here because when I'm in the city, I feel like there's an enemy within me. <laughs> Or something. Yeah. Something just to make, because otherwise it's it's just, they thought up a good title and then just went in a di- whatever direction I'm, they I'm wanted. With There's an episode of 30 Rock I cannot stand. There are two episodes I cannot stand the names of. One mm-hmm. is episode 210. Okay. I don't know what happens in that episode because it's called episode 210. There's nothing that I can remember that links that name to what happens in the episode. Yeah. The other is the, is the Ballad of Kenneth Parcell which happens to have a song about the page, Kenneth Parcell, at the end for no reason. And I only <laughs> vaguely remember that it's probably this or this or this or this episode. Gotcha. Um, so there are times when, yeah, these freaking names that don't mean anything. And here's for the thing. For stuff I've seen like five or six times, I can't remember what's in it. There's probably been five episodes in this series so far that could have been called The Enemy Within. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Not this one, anyway. Absolutely. That would have been a good one for Paradise at Your Doorstep. There you... That would have been great. Ah. <laughs> uh, so... And then this could have been Paradise at Your Doorstep. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. So, this is important. Yeah. Titles can, can matter. Yeah. Right? A thing can get successful despite its title, but you title something correctly, mm-hmm. and it can genuinely... Add oomph and leverage to whatever it is that you've written. Sure. It does matter. It's not just a throwaway thing. That being said, yeah. no one new titles in 1995. That's true. That's like, true. Like they were kind of around if Unless you had the there TV was a guide title channel. card, which yeah. not all shows did. This show didn't. Yeah. So, you know, that's why, if I'm not mistaken, the reason Friends episodes are called the one with this, the one with that is because mm-hmm. no one was ever going to see those. Yeah. Except for maybe when you were, again, on the TV guide channel. So, uh it is a modern consideration to have actually good titles. That being said, modern TV shows 
This isn't 1995 where no one's looking at your titles. Get some better titles, modern TV shows. All right. Yeah. So they try to shoehorn in some character backstory for Emily. They expand on it later, but like, I mean, I just don't care. <laughs> she she says, you know, she's telling yeah. everybody like, hey, you know, we need to stick together. We worked hard for this. And then Ed Durant is like, we, you left here 10 years ago. And, uh, and then like, and then when she came back, it, when you came back, it was too late. Too late for what? We don't know yet. We'll find out later, but it's dumb. I saw it within 24 hours and I don't even remember what what was too late, honestly. <laughs> she moved away to... and then her parents died. Oh. Or... I don't even think they, oh, they, they died in a farming accident. They died in the field is the is way that, that it is it? worded. Okay. Yeah. So they didn't have enough help. She was the young person. Yeah, and then there's a line later about how, like, uh, you know, people people say uh, farmer values family more than good weather or something. It's like, (laughs) come on. Anyway. Next up. So so the point is they they think of Emily as as much of an outsider as the collective. Yeah. She Maybe she's the enemy within. (laughs) Except spoilers, no. (laughs) Transition back to the house. Tom is pouring tea for Emily. She's rattled after what Ed said. She doesn't want to talk about her folks. She will later, but not now. This is actually important. It's dumb, and I don't like it, but it's actually important. Okay. She is not forthcoming about the things that bug her. Okay. Therefore... You and I have had many conversations about how much you have to work to remember that other people are going through different shit than you. Yeah. She is under the assumption that Tom is having the same level of problems as her. Sure. So it is important. Like, there's even a line where she's like, you keep your secrets, I keep mine. Well, they're like bailing hay or some crap. Yeah. And so it is important that her not wanting to open up about her world is what she will be using to justify that Tom is not a psychopath and that Tom is not someone with a psycho life. Sure. That he's just somebody with the same level of troubles who doesn't know how to open up about his feelings. And so th- that's what I think that is. Yeah. I do think that's important character development for her. <laughs> Go ahead. So um, Tom wants to know some stuff. She's He's trying to, you know, get her to talk. She won't tell him anything. He wants to help, but she says she doesn't want his help. Tom is like, okay, well, fine. You know, I guess I'll just leave. And she says, okay, he goes to get her stuff. And then Emily says, fine, just like a man. Yeah. A man that just got here does not know you, is wounded and should go to the hospital. Yeah. A man who clearly has stuff going on himself. Yeah. That made me angry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, It, again, when it is a fantasy novel. Romance movies are generally, in a broad sense, Mm -hmm. about a guy who's not taking himself seriously and therefore can't take love seriously. Okay. Who most likely has had countless other relationships where he did not take responsibility. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, we capture the final relationship where he finally accepts, I'm going to take some responsibility. Mm -hmm. And... Part of the reason that that is the fantasy is because the men and women I know arrive at prioritizing their relationship at different rates. Okay. And so women have – the women I know have had more time to invest it in thinking about how they want their relationship to go than the guys that I know. And that creates an inequality in a lot of of cases. Mm Mm-hmm. 
where the guy is just not prioritizing the relationship. Yeah. He's got one. He's happy. He's excited. Woo. And so the reason romantic comedies exist is because that's the fantasy is a guy who catches up with the amount of time you spend thinking about your relationship. Yeah. So it's a crap line. It does nothing to help the situation. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense inside of a, a romance setting mm-hmm. because it's the it's it's from the protagonist's point of view. It's from her point of view. The reason you're mad yep. is because it's from her point of view. Okay. There are plenty of other times where the woman's point of view is not at all considered, where, where terrible stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And it's not at all it's and 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 the men are never castigated for it in terms of the story. Like the story characters never go, "Hey, you did a terrible thing to that woman." Yeah. Um. This is what the opposite of it feels like. Where absolutely she is a protagonist. Oh, I see what you're saying. And so this is this is absolutely yeah yeah. It's a really crap thing to say that didn't help the situation at all mm-hmm. and doesn't give Tom anywhere to go and it yeah. does suck. And um. But from a purely pulp fantasy concept. If this is actually taken from a previous writing mm-hmm. that was shoehorned in into this, yeah. it's actually genre appropriate. Okay, because it because it's 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 acknowledging for the audience member that that, that Emily is a stand-in for a man not talking about his feelings, overly trying to help instead of having put skills in being a listener. Okay. Most guys I know, again, this is anecdotal, but mm-hmm. most guys I know don't know that listening is an active skill that you can like be good at through practice. Sure. Right. So, and and that that is where most of the women in my life are frustrated is the guys they're able to listen and be supportive and help and help and contribute, but the guys that they would that they would date um, or or in relationships with are are unable to match that level of. Um, contribution and support. Sure. They think their contribution is is you know monetary and providing and all this stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's so the, the, that's absolutely an annoying line, but it's totally meant to be catharsis if we're only looking at this episode as a romance novel because it's supposed sure. to be. It's all one of the things that was pointed out to me was if you open up romance novels, a lot of the time, the protagonist is very plain. Yeah, so the reader can project themselves onto. Well, and that if you're someone who is super, super attractive and has men falling at your feet, mm-hmm. you're probably not someone who needs to read romance novels sure. to live through that fantasy. Sure. So it being this sort of, that's the thing she wants to say, right? That's the thing the reader wants to say to, to men, right? It's it's not actually, uh, as many things are in this show, yeah. it's not actually appropriate to the circumstances. It's more just something a writer wanted to say at some point. Because, like, let me ask you a question, Steve. Um, is Tom married? <laughs> we have to come back to that every every time there's We're a woman. We're really going to have to come back to that a little bit later in this recording. Yes. Yes. And he doesn't. Or he does say Allison is his wife, doesn't he? Because she asks him who is Allison. Have we gotten to that? She does. I don't know if he directly says it's his wife. I don't know. I, I'll see when we get there in my notes. But yeah, the, the thing is that there's lots of things that Tom could say in that situation to not mm-hmm. elicit that response yeah. and to respond to that. And one of the things he should respond, if, the, if, that's, if that crap line gets thrown down, the right thing in a world that's not f- clearly biased for one person or the other. Yeah. He should be able to spit back with, I'm married. Yes. <laughs> That's what should come out of his mouth. Yeah. The only two things that he cares about are the organization and 
I'm married. Those yeah. are his two character traits. That's a very good point. So he, it's not just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am married. No, it's like that is what he's holding on to is that I still have a wife that loves me. She only did what she did because she was forced to. And so there's lots of times where he brings that up. Now is a great time for him to bring it up. But yeah. I really, really am leaning into the idea that this was that this was adapted from something where Tom is just being plopped in because it isn't. And again, it isn't written from his point of view. It's not yep. written, and it's not written from an equitable point of view. It's not written. You know, we have this character, Emily, and then we're going to bring Tom's character in and make sure that they have perfect balance of, you know, of power. Mm-hmm. Now she's got the upper hand. Now he's got the upper hand. It's not written like that. It right. is absolutely. That's why I kept thinking. Is this hallucination while he's bleeding because it doesn't read like a real story? Let me toss an idea out here. Sure. Something that maybe could have fixed this episode. What if instead of having Tom's monologue at the beginning, which we've agreed, we agree, is stupid. Yeah. Emily has a monologue. Ooh. And then she has a monologue at the end. And so we realize this whole episode is her point of, is her telling the story. Yeah. I would love to have seen that if it, if you're going to do this episode. Sure, like it, sure. If, if, you're, if you're looking for the least number of things to change, <laughs> I feel like that is one of the quickest ways. And always a voiceover is the least expensive way to do things, yep. to the best of my knowledge. So yep. that really... So you can w- do it months later if you have to. And they don't have to be with the other actors. They can do it from any soundstage and send the footage in. Yeah. I've so, even heard of, like, I've heard of uh, pickup audio done for movies where they just had someone call in on a cell phone. Yeah. So, well, sorry, this was 1995. Uh, <laughs> maybe she could have taken a horse-drawn carriage. She could have gone to the mail to the to the post office, which <laughs> yes. is attached to the general store. Her nearest post office attached yep. to the general store and phoned in the voiceover. So anyway, uh, she she makes a comment about like I remember why it was nice not having a man around the house. And then Tom is like, "What do you want?" And then she kisses him. And then he says, "I see." In my notes, I put. WTF is this show, all caps, and then in all caps, and when is this supposed to take place? <laughs> Cut to commercial, and then the bumper the on YouTube, the little bumper is Tom armpit, you know, holding onto the holding the, the rail. thing. Yeah. Um to the to the headboard. This is another this is another like little bit that I think when I watched on the DVD, they I did not realize when the commercial was. So there's another monologue from Tom. Mm-hmm. Sweet Ridge has been living in darkness without electricity for the last two weeks, but the people here have joined together. They cook by fireplaces now and read by lamplight. Unlike my own struggle, theirs is a darkness where one can see that they're not alone. They know what's pursuing them. It's nighttime. Tom's getting ready for bed. Emily's reading a book. That's the scene. Yeah. Like it goes, it like fades out, fades into another scene. I... I swear I thought this was where the commercial was because why would you have that scene be like, okay, we're back from the from the commercial break. There was just like an emotional catharsis that just happened. Tom's getting ready for bed. It's, it's uh, again, there there was the oil lamps. There's, there's glances between the two of them. It's yeah. low romantic lighting. The reason the power out is not a plot reason in this scene. Yeah. The reason the power out is for the setting of this being a romance novel. It's perfectly fitting. Sure. It's more romantic that, oh, we have to read by gas lamp. Ooh. Well, yeah. we're not boning yet, but we're well, thinking yeah, I, about it. Well, because I put in my notes, did they bone? <laughs> question mark. The answer is no. We There's a very strong indication later on that they have not yet. If you haven't read romance novels, yeah, there is a great amount of suspended payoff. Okay, 
there is a great deal of not boning in a romance novel. Yeah. They don't just get to it. There is not enough not boning in this episode. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. Especially considering what the next episode is. <laughs> yep, yep. Anyway. So, it's next scene, it's morning. Emily goes to Tom's room to apologize. He's not there. He's outside milking the cow. Right. Giggity. Um, she walks past. She, no, he is actually milking a cow. He is cow. actually milking a cow. There's a real weird bit of blocking here because the way that the scene is shot, he's in front of this cow. There's like an opening in the fence that the camera is shooting through. Okay. She walks past the opening in the fence so that she can get to the other side of the fence and then lean on the fence and talk to him. So that she can be in frame. So that she can be in frame. She could have just walked into the enclosure yeah. to talk to him, but she didn't. She walked past the opening and then leaned on the fence because it looks better. <laughs> so anyway, um, she apologizes. Tom says, you have nothing to apologize for. Um, he says, like, the, what he's doing, he's, he's working to pay off a hospital bill. Um, That's a nice concept. Yeah. That's a, I, it would have been wonderful to have prefaced this whole thing with yeah. that, that that's why he sticks around that like, that's good. Right. Okay. Um, should have gone to an actual hospital. I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> I know that he should have. I know that he should have. He's but, out doing farm work with a gun, with a less than a week old gunshot wound. Again, if it was, he's lucky that was just a flesh wound. Right. He passed out because of the shock. Okay. All right. Just like you're supposed to be able to knock people out and bring them back and there's no concussion in stories, yeah. this is on par with this. this is on this is at least a, a close cousin of that where this is a plot bullet yes. that didn't do real physical damage. It dealt debilitating and need-to-be-bedridden damage so that he's already in a bed. It dealt romantic damage. <laughs> it dealt romantic damage. What comes next? So this is a real, real weird thing that's about to happen and okay. i i think i know what they were going for i'll say afterwards because i like complaining a little bit better yes sir so emily asks who allison is yeah it then suddenly cuts to nighttime like it very much looks like you can see the stars and everything in the back yet they are picking up the conversation immediately like it is who's allison and then cut to them taught them answering who is who Allison is at nighttime. He's kind of avoiding the question. I don't have the actual dialogue written here, but I'm almost positive he doesn't actually say okay. Allison is my wife. Yeah. Um, well, that, that'll certainly kill the boning mood if he decides sure, to bone later. Sure. So there's they are talking. There's a bit of flirting going on. Suddenly it's daytime again, and it is yet still the same conversation. I don't know if that middle part is meant to be nighttime because it looks like a backdrop, but the okay. backdrop very much looks like nighttime. It could just be that they had a scene that was indoors and for some reason it had a backdrop that looked like nighttime. But, like, it really looked like nighttime. Well, I think it's probably just the Rob Roy effect, right? From the Rob Roy episode where, like, it was daytime, it's nighttime, it's daytime, it's nighttime. I guess. Where, like, they're but driving cross country and it's poorly done to show like, – they should be fades. I mean – It should be fades to if, show if time If it is was passing. that they, they, they are talking over the course of a couple days, then that adds to them getting closer and right. talking and so on. But, like, it's literally the same conversation that they're having across a day and a half. It's real weird. So we just we just looked at the, the scenes in question. I don't think it's much later at, at night, but obviously that is a jump cut to... Because it was morning. I don't know that it was morning. She had just woken up. Had she? she went into his room to go apologize, and he, and he wasn't there. Oh, that's that's he was outside milking the cow. So you we went further traditionally back, would milk was, the cow first thing in the morning. the morning. Okay, 
Well, there was an oil lamp in the barn. I wasn't sure if that was just to illuminate the barn or if oh. it was because it was getting to be nighttime. No, because you can even see the sun shining in through the... Um, I mean, I see the sun. I know it's not like nighttime. Okay. I just thought maybe it was near sundown that, that, that this was happening. But you're right. Yeah. I, I, everything I know about farms is they do it in the morning. They well, do. so I do have a theory. I have, a, I have yet another theory about this. Yeah. They shot one long scene two separate ways. Okay. And then they realized the middle of the nighttime version is way better than the middle of the morning version. And so they just kind of slotted it in there, hoped that nobody would notice because it's a romance novel. Who cares? <laughs> well, it's possible. I, I, it, The way that I interpreted it, because I was not that invested by this point. I, I'm always looking for technical stuff. So <clears throat> this always catches my eye. Um, the the reason it didn't bug me too much is is I don't know that it was meant to be. Again, it if you if you take this show and especially this episode in terms of a play, okay. If you revisit that that entire thing as a play, so like it's just them doing farm work and in the background, like a big old wheel with yeah. the sun and moon is spiraling. Yeah. That's what I think this is meant to be. It's done. It's not done well. Sure. And I, and I don't think and many people were paying that close attention, but. Um, that, that's, that's how I, I, I think it's meant to be interpreted because it, it is still a nice scene. I didn't dislike their interaction. I mm-hmm. just didn't believe their interaction. Sure. But, um, it's actually a nice, the thing is when he says you're nosy, you know, that like, it's a good flirt. That's him flirting back. You catch that, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I, I do think it's, it's meant to be like, a look at this conversation that happened over, you know, hours as and, and days as as he is working there. Sure. Um, there's a... Just having it... Plotting it out like it is the same conversation feels real. Because it goes from, she says, who's Allison? Cut to nighttime, you're nosy. Yeah, it's messed up. Let me, let me, I'm going to describe a scene and then I want to go show it to you. Okay. And then I think it's meant to be like this. Okay. But they didn't have the budget for it. Sure. In Notting Hill, have you seen Notting Hill? No. Yeah, it's Hugh Grant mm-hmm. and uh, Julia Roberts, and it's set in England. Mm-hmm. So Julia Roberts is a famous actress in that in their world. Oh, okay. And she stops into his store. Uh, outside of his store, she gets um, orange juice spilled on her on her shirt. Yeah. He says, "If you need some place to clean up, I live right across the street." It's set in 1890, so she says yes, uh-huh. and just goes into this man who owns a shop's house. Uh, and, you know, goes and removes her clothing and, and cleans it up. <laughs> sure. Um, eventually, there's the third act hitch where where things aren't going right for their relationship and a year goes by. Yeah. And the way that they do it is this big sequence where he's just walking one continuous time through the Notting Hill market. Mm-hmm. And you see the same people over and over again in different clothes. Sure. As 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 the, the weather goes by. I think this is that. Yeah. I think this is this conversation is happening and you watch them, you know, change their outfits like that guy who came and, and changed all of his outfits while he was doing a presentation about pop. Oh, sure. Yeah. Guy, yeah. Where like he was very subtle. Right. <laughs> yeah. He would he would be talking and he would change his hat and it looked like he was it was like, are you changing your hat for a reason? What's going on? <laughs> he would never he would never punctuate that he was changing a hat just so that like when it happened. Boom! Now it's time for me to be fully in this outfit. Sure, would, sure. So I think that's the scene that they wanted, but there's no chance they had the coordination. Yeah, for I mean, it. if if you just go in with the assumption that this is a romance novel or this is very heavily a different genre than the rest of the series, okay, just it is going to catch my eye when it when it happens. So 
Steve just showed me the clip from Notting Hill, and I think that was that was really well done. I think that's the difference. That that is right. clearly stylized. <laughs> yes, and this feels like just just part of the episode. Exactly, and and I, the the I rewatching it. I haven't seen that for a while. I really, really do feel like mm-hmm. that's what Lawrence Herzog wanted to do. Okay, that given the choice. That sort of, and I don't know, not necessarily for this episode, I'm just saying for the whole series that like having the budget yeah. to orchestrate cool crap like that yeah. is what he wanted. But you need you need so much money. That's such an yeah. expensive scene. Yeah. I haven't heard what the breakdown is, but like the number of extras that were in that. Huge. Huge. And, and you know, I know from my sister doing extra work, it's like a hundred bucks a day. It's not a ton. Mm-hmm. Even when you multiply it up by all those people, you're still paying Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant more than <laughs> thousand all of times them. that. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, there's there's a line in BoJack where where Diane accidentally interrupts the director and she's like, "Do you have thousand dollars for me? Because every minute you talk to me, that's how much you're costing the studio. Because just you know, that's spread out amongst all of the crew and all of the yeah. the skilled tradespeople who are there. So, and anytime you do something on a long shot like that, there's tons of ways. And there were a couple of places where they probably were able to do a cut. Mm-hmm. And there was probably some special effects involved. Sure, yeah, yeah. But it's not easy. Yeah. And I a do lot of coordination. A lot of coordination, which the, the writers of this show are not known for, you know, being <laughs> able to have that level of 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 I was recently introduced to the idea of when you're embarrassed, instead of feeling panic, mm-hmm. acknowledge I mean first of all, you know, check and make sure there's not real danger. But if there's not real danger, that then use that feeling of oh my god, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. As navigational information for this really is something that I care about. Okay. This is something that really matters to me and I do want to do it well. And I'm going to have to get some skills to not be embarrassed in the future. And I feel like a lot of the stuff in this show is embarrassing. But I say that in the sense of meaning you're trying to do some cool stuff. You just keep constantly biting off more than you can chew. And it just ends up being wonky. Sure. I also wanted to say of that montage. Yeah. That is not the only time in a romantic comedy where an entire year goes by. Okay. If you haven't seen um, When Harry Met Sally, that takes place over 12 years. Okay. Uh, in. I've definitely seen romantic comedies where they like pan over to the calendar and then you see right. the pages falling off. Exactly. Because, because part of the story is actual change and growth happening, which mm-hmm. you know can't happen quickly. Yeah. We want it to – it doesn't even happen at the speed of romantic comedies. Yeah. But at least there's a nod to this is going to take time for for them to to know one another, to trust one another, to learn to change things about themselves that they are going to need to change in order to be able to be equitable partners in a relationship. Sure. So the reason that I think it didn't, you know, send anything off for me was, one, I was on the other screen. I had some crap going on. Where I'm doing my notes and I'm like, just keep going. I'm not yeah. even going to pause. But – also, it does make a lot of sense to me that, that they would need – we said this about Paradise on Your Doorstep. Mm-hmm. If more time had passed, it would have been less jarring. Sure. If there was a sense of like two weeks even had gone by in yeah. in that one. We said six months, but even two weeks like they have here. And that's the thing is like he says they've been without power for two weeks. Like granted, he could have been there on day, you know, 12 and 11 of <laughs> and, and, and 13 and 14 of the two yeah. weeks. Um, or they're just trying to, you know, put that idea in your head of like, oh, time sure is passing. Mm-hmm. My, my walls are coming down. My bullet wound is all healed. <laughs> it's all healed. And now my emotional wounds can start healing. And that's what, that's what we're meant to look at. Okay. Okay. 
It really is a trope of the genre that time would pass. Yeah. That if it's not just a Bonin novel, if mm-hmm. it's a if it's an actual romance novel, yeah. it is about them not trusting themselves to be okay in a relationship. Sure. And that's why she says, just like a man, you know, because yeah. in that scenario, it is uh, you're not trusting yourself in the relationship like I'm maybe going to do faster than you. You need to and the thing is The reason she's all upset is because she doesn't know he's actually in this, like, CIA-level problem. Yeah. She's just assuming he's got regular-style problems and just can't get over his fear of commitment. Well, now, here's the thing. Sure. I'm sure, because, spoilers, in this whole episode, I don't think he ever tells her. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm sure he would have if she had psychic powers. (laughs) (laughs) You had me. You had me. I thought you had some new revelation that was going to make this make sense. Nope. Oh, boy. I have a lot of those jokes in the next episode. It's a good okay. episode, okay. but there were so many times where I was just like, oh, no, don't. She's going to chloroform you and give you a house. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. no, wait. She already did give you a house. That'll make sense in the next episode. Yes. All right. So um, they are talking. They are flirting. Tom is giving some information about himself, but not really about the facts of his life. He's giving information, giving emotional information. Sure, I guess he says he can't trust anything, and the minute something becomes familiar, it becomes suspicious. Surely you can't understand that, right? But she does understand, <laughs> and she assumes this all has to do with the photograph of a soldier and his negatives. Tom gets suspicious again, but uh, she says the only things he had on him. So what else? You know, what else are they going to be about? Yeah, it's all you got going for you, Tom, and it must have to do with the message he's waiting for as well. Uh, he explains a bit. She asks how it feels. She beginning. wants him to to be focused on her. Yep. He's just focused on his, on his messages. She is super neglected right now. Yep. Uh, she asks how it feels beginning to trust her. And uh, I do have a note in here. They are flirting quite a bit in the scene. So yeah, I, yeah, I, am, yeah. I am acknowledging it. <laughs> uh, Tom thanks her again for saving his life. They are also healing each other. Okay. That's part of this kind of, of, of pairing. Yeah. Is that they've both been... Screwed over by something in the past, and they are by being together, healing together. Which is yeah. why when when she, when he's not in it, she is reacting so stupidly aggressively. Sure, sure, is because I thought we were healing together. I thought we were. I thought we were going to put the past behind us. And he's like, my past is fucked up, lady. But he, I'm but he married he currently. Right, right, exactly. He doesn't say either of those very real things that would shift the tone. Here's the thing. In the episode of The Amazing Derek, he talks about how he sometimes likes to pretend that he has a real life. And in yeah. this episode, he actually says, this is so normal. And she's like, is that so weird in your life? And he's like, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. And that's yeah. true. Yeah. He is definitely also leaning into the fact that this is healing him emotionally a little bit. Yeah. Right. We talked about this in Rob Roy. He needed someone to talk to. He's got this sort of father figure, him him 40 years down the line figure that he can talk to and open up to. Mm-hmm. He does need to open up to somebody. If it were done a little bit better, she's a great character. Yeah. She's great. She's the thing we keep saying. We need someone for him to open up to. Yeah. It's just bonkers everything else. So actually that part is is really the heart of what I would keep of the character and I would change the everything else sure um so tom kisses her at this point like he, he thanks her for saving his life and then he kisses her yeah uh i'll probably revisit that and what comes of it next episode or next episode of the show of of nowhere man of when, nowhere we, man. when we get into episode 
Uh, uh, 12. Episode 12. So they go back to the general store. Tom is buying some shaving cream and aftershave. She asks, like, you know, well, you got a, you know, got something going on? And he says, well, he, you know, he heard someone say something about a dance. And she says she doesn't want to go, but he says, hey, you know, I'm the doctor. You're the patient now, so we're going. She makes a comment about bedside manner, and then he says, do you want to just wait and see how the dance goes first? Is that what he says? I think it's a good joke. I didn't actually catch that. And this that. this indicates they have not boned yet. Yeah, yeah. Whatever indications there were earlier, they have sure. not boned. Sure. I think that's a good joke. <laughs> uh, but again, hey, Tom, you're married, right? <laughs> you still love, like, not just you're still married. You still love your wife and are convinced that she is basically giving up everything to save you, right? Right. Anyway, um, Olden Dazer asks if that's everything. And then he says, any more boxer shorts? <laughs> <laughs> what I think he was expecting to hear Tom say was, oh, yeah, let's buy this extra large box of condoms, too. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Oldie says Tom didn't ask about his messages. Right. Not that there are any messages, but he didn't want Tom to think that he forgot. Right. Um, Emily is very visibly upset when this comes up. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously she she is uh, upset that Tom is still clinging on to this because, you know, he should be setting aside his entire life to stick with this woman that he literally just met. That's right. That's right. But that uh, is what her purview is. Her, that is absolutely where she's at. Let me ask you a question, Steve. Sure, sure. When is this episode <laughs> supposed to take place again? <laughs> So the next scene, uh, they're getting ready for, uh, they're getting ready for the dance. This, you know, fundraiser dance to stop the collective goods. Um, I There's a part where Tom, I think, is looking at a photo of Emily's family, which feels like, oh, this could be a good part of the story. No, never, never comes up. Um, Emily's dressed up nice. They go to the stop the collective fundraising dance. I noticed in this scene and this scene alone, every single guy in this scene is wearing a flannel shirt. <laughs> okay. Except Tom. <laughs> The one time he isn't. <laughs> um, so they, they they start dancing. Emily says that it feels like everybody's staring at them because, again, this episode can't get over how this woman needs a man like yesterday. Yes. Of the, tea, of the shirt thing. Yeah. I am told that in the making of Crash Bandicoot. Okay. <laughs> Go on. That Crash Bandicoot is a, I don't know what he is. He's like a dog thing. He's a bandicoot. He's a bandicoot. There you yes. go. Uh, Which is an Australian he, dog thing. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and he's red. Yeah. He's like an orangish red. He's like a tomato red. Yeah. They didn't put in lava levels. They didn't put it like, like I was told oh. at college that the, that they brought in someone who had worked on it. And he was saying, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We very specifically didn't put any red in the level so you could always find your character. Sure. I wish other games Took that advice. Absolutely. When you are the one who has to move the story forward, it's very important to be able to identify your character and have it mm-hmm. and have it stand out like that. Yeah. Um. So it's possible that that was the costume designer, if there is one's um, logic behind. Hey, everyone's going to be dressed like Tom. Tom still needs to be distinguished. Sure. So they so they remove like what would people wear to this dance? Well, they'd wear what Tom wears all the time. Well, Tom can't look the same as everyone else. Yeah. So. That is what immediately went into my head. I have no idea if that is true. I guess, I mean, depending on how much credit you want to give the the you know, the, the director and the, the costume designer, like, 
there are some explanations. I just think I just thought it was funny. I yeah, absolutely listening to the Good Place podcast. Um, one of the episodes was with the costume designer, and I was amazed at some of the stuff that actually went into the costume design because you know if that's all you do, yeah. If your full time job is costume design for film and television, um, there will be the same sometimes the same level of thought that goes into us when we're writing or editing stuff Mm -hmm. just with the ability to sew instead of the ability to write yeah there was some amazing stuff in there so that also does make you know we've i've never had a reason to doubt the costume designers (laughs) nowhere man there might be the most professional people working there for all we know yeah uh so that's why i'll give credit in that area (laughs) there you go uh, so Tom and Emily dance for a little while. They kiss when suddenly, boom, the lights come back on. The oh, town no. has power again. And uh, Tom asks, what do you suppose this means? Cut to commercial. <laughs> like, was that? the? I mean, was, <laughs> was that where they? Because I understand they established earlier in the episode they don't have power because of the collective. Right. But it hasn't been such a such a presence in the episode that you're like whoa power coming on coming back on that can't be anything good <laughs> no like you're like oh cool power's back on bam commercial <laughs> i mean because because this episode feels like it takes place in 1895 sure you just get used to the fact that they're having oil lamps and whatnot yeah, yeah. you don't it's not a big thing when the okay cool the lights are back on it's not an ominous event. The thing is, I had forgotten about the concept that, like, the bulk of the episodes you've seen, you're not seeing the commercial breaks. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Is, um, it, is this what the whole series is like? <laughs> well, that's it. Is that, like, they have to cut to commercial on a on a gripping note. That's how cutting to commercial works. And there's nothing. Gri- <laughs> okay, go on. Go on. Sorry. <laughs> And there's nothing gripping in this in this episode. That's the closest thing to suspense is <gasps> something changed. <laughs> it's the lights came back on. Because here's the thing, Gabe. Yeah. This is not meant to be a challenge. And I don't want to spend too much time on this. But yep. is there something you would have liked them to switch to commercial on? No. <laughs> That's all. Is I that... would want them to not go to commercial so this episode is over fast. <laughs> exactly. So Put them all at the end. I'll watch all of them to say thank you. Also, from the thing I'm hearing about editors working on multiple shows at the same time, yeah. it's entirely – this show is so bonkers different. And mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest, mm-hmm. all of the episodes are from one another. Yeah. If you just got done with like him choking somebody with a belt, yep, it's really it could be really hard, especially if you're stressed and under time pressure, to separate the lights coming on is not the same cut to commercial energy as the belt choking. Sure. So, but but that like you're looking for that, right? Like if yeah. that's all you do, if that's your job, is to make cuts suspenseful so that people watch commercials and come back afterwards that's your job you're a network television editor like i imagine you're not you don't even have the sound on you're just like oh wait the entire color palette just changed (laughs) boom cut to commercial i am told that uh when you when you write for whatever network shauna rhymes writes for okay um they have it down to a science and i think it's abc but i'm not sure but it's they have it down to a science they have it down to if you want people to come back to commercial this sort of thing has to happen and this sort of thing has to happen sure. and it's almost completely based around the commercial breaks okay you start with the commercial breaks and work from there a lot a lot of tv actually not just even just tv a lot of broadcast anything is based they start with like we've it's not even necessarily the commercial breaks, but it's like we've got this sponsor. Mm-hmm. Let's make this show to accentuate that sponsor yeah, and so, then so on. So, I, you know, I don't <laughs> – now, now I don't want to take a tangent for this, but I'm very 
academically curious what the hell commercials aired during this freaking show. If we can find that out, I think that would be that would be a very interesting dive. We have to find someone. If you are a listener who has VHS tapes of Nowhere Man from UPN in 1995. Who, what sort of person could this be? But if you have that with the commercials intact, because that's how recording worked, unless you're one of the people who stopped and started the recording. We would love to see those commercials. Please send them to P.O. Box Noah Wizard 2601. I was one of those people, and it burned me so many times where I would forget to start recording or, like, something would go wrong with the video because we kept starting and stopping it. Anyway. If and, we were, and now you can't even send your VHS tapes into podcasts who are looking for the commercials of the Darn. Year. Well, anyway, um, so so come back from commercial. Apparently, Ed Durant, who is not seen in this scene, right. just referred to. So I'm fairly certain I, that like the um, they didn't have to pay him as much. <laughs> I guarantee it. I guarantee because it. by not having like if ever there's a character, it feels like they should have said something or they yeah. didn't come back. I'm fairly certain that is a fiscal choice. Sure, that is if they spoke, it was going to cost way too much for what they were going to gain. Yeah. So Ed Durant sold to the collective, and Tom says that. That's why the power came back on to break their resolve. The idea being that now that the collective bought this big chunk of land, they can, they're not going to pay anybody else as much because like they've got such a huge amount that they, they only need they only, 11%. Exactly. Well, we'll get to that in just a second. Okay, Steve. Sure, sure, they sure. only need presumably 11% more. <laughs> right. Um, so, so they're basically like, fine, have your power. We are about to control all of this land. This yeah. is essentially what it's Tom is saying. Move. But it's just it's, re- it's just weird that like, yeah, have your power. You will hate it. <laughs> Such a weird conclusion to come to so quickly. <laughs> anyway, so now everybody's resolve is breaking. Everybody, Everybody's immediately like, well, we better sell now. And... Uh, Emily is telling everybody like, well, we still, we need to stick together more now than ever because, uh, now the collective, they now have their 40, they have 40%, which means everybody else has together have 60%. Right. Let me ask you a question, Steve. Okay. What does 60 plus 40 equal? 100. 100. So 100% of the land. Yeah. What did the collective have that made everybody so upset if they had 0% of the land. Why was everybody upset at the collective when the collective didn't have anything? What what was the collective if not on the brink of owning enough of the land to force everybody out? What is going <laughs> on here? It should have been they had 40 they had 30% at the beginning of the episode. Uh-huh. Ed Durant had like 19%. Right. Everybody else together had 51%. Sure. They bought his 19%. Yeah. Now they have 49%. They're a hair away from having 50%. But no, they had zero. <laughs> what were they as a threat if they had 0% of the land? Why were they the, the, the <laughs> this this conglomerate villain? If they're just a person on the sidelines being like, hey, I'm going to buy your land, (laughs) everybody else could just say no. Why? What? What? (laughs) I didn't do the math. Yeah. But doing it now. uh, Yes. 
<laughs> they they sure do. Um, they are. It could be that they're just talking about the land that is still owned by them. Okay. If you want like a very simple hand wave. Okay. I, I mean, hey. I thought about that. Okay. okay. My, so my first time, because I've, I've watched this twice yep. since we started this yep. podcast. Yep, yep. I, I watched it once and I had this like, well, wait a minute. Hold on. That sounds real weird. My second time through, <laughs> yeah. I noticed that in the earlier scene, when uh-huh. in the, the town's uh, town meeting, the exact wording is Ed Durant has 40% of the land that they want. Okay. So I was like, oh, whew, that solves it. That It's not that he has 40% of the land. It's that of the land collective is trying to buy. Sure. But then right here, she is like, we still have more than half. We still have 60%. Therefore, but why does the percentage matter if if that 40% is now part of something else? Okay, let's say this. Yeah. Maybe it's this. I don't know. Okay. Maybe the 100% of the land that they want okay. is 51% of the surrounding land that they, if they get that amount, can go to a circuit court judge and say, we own all this land and these people are stopping progress. And under the Progress Act, we need to <laughs> The Progress it. Act of 1893, <laughs> two years ago. <laughs> Maybe. I will say this. Certainly, this is not a new company. Okay. I mean, obviously. Obviously, yeah. this is not a new company. This is not the first place they've done this. Sure. So it's entirely possible that like one county over, yeah. they own all the land. And then that's where... They're talking about that, like they maybe maybe even every county in other directions they yeah. own the land, and so this is one little you know spot of you know it's, it's Vatican City basically. They're Italy. Sure, this town is Vatican City. That's stopping their ability to but like collective land is so close that Emily rides her horse on it for fun. <laughs> unless, unless, yeah. The guy who shot Tom yeah. dragged him off of the collective okay, land okay, and right, back right. into town. Okay. Right by the railing that is right by the general store. Set up the tent <laughs> and everything. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. What's so, next? I, anyway. <laughs> um, so. You make some interesting math based points. Yes. So anyway, um, nobody wants to trust Emily because of whatever happened 10 she years left, ago. And she, she abandoned she left. her she, parents who were their friends died because she wasn't there to help them. Yeah. I mean, they haven't, they haven't really said that yet. But but anyway, yes. Uh, so. Oh, I see. You're saying for some reason I, I, we, the point, audience, this, don't know. Right. Got right. it. Uh, so anyway, she convinces them to stick together. She says like, hey, we can band together. We can go down to whatever, I think she says the name of a town, either now or later. She says, we can go down to this town. We can get a lawyer. We can start a co-op. We can make ourselves into something more than just a group of people that, you know, they can just come and buy, pick off little bits of land everywhere. Right. Um, and then Olden Dazer pops up and he's like, uh, well, Emily, you just uh, nominated yourself to be the two, the, be the, the leader. And so she's like, okay, you know, she, she steps up. She's going to be the leader of whatever this thing is. She's going to. Go get this lawyer, so on. It's unsaid, but with Tom by your side, I think is the assumption. Right. Well, Tom yeah. is trying to leave, right, which stirs up all these knowledges that she has of yeah. don't leave. It's perfect here. It's perfect. This is the good place. This is where you want to stay is right here. Yeah. In the this middle the, this of is, this. This is a good attempted life. Attempted coup. <laughs> this, is, this is where you want to be. Yeah. So they go back home. Uh, Emily says she was not acting like herself ever since Tom arrived, you know, stirring up all these whatever. Um, 
she says it's like someone left her a gift in the woods and she just wants to open it up and look inside. <laughs> I put in parentheses an exclamation point. Because what in the world is that supposed to mean? I mean, I know what it's supposed to mean. Yeah. Anyway. How in um, the world is it, are we supposed to believe a person said that in real life? Exactly. That's what, exactly. Yes. She, she <laughs> is talking like a person in a romance novel. I wrote right here. Yeah. But, of course, she realizes that Tom isn't going to stay. He's not finished running. He can't give up on his life, which I then put, no, duh. And she says it's so stupid for thinking he might stay. But then Tom says that he loves it here. But, I mean, come on. He had a life. He, he can't give up who he believes he is. And she says, I know who you are. He says he doesn't have a choice. She says everyone has a choice. It comes down to priorities. He says she doesn't understand, but she says this is the same way it was 10 years ago. He says his past was taken from him. She says everyone's past was taken from them. Quote that you said at the beginning. Yesterday is in the past like it should be. He needs answers. But she says those answers are right here. And then she asks how long... This is actually something she says that I think if you are to look at this as a part of the whole series, okay, this is maybe a mission statement, not necessarily the mission statement. The quote that you read earlier is very apt, but she says, how long do you think you can do this? How far are you going to get when the only feeling you have is doubt and the only emotion you can trust is fear? Yeah. And hey, I, I understand. Yeah. I totally, like, I can see that as a direct commentary on Tom and especially with the previous episode was with his father. Like right, yeah. the whole episode, he is dealing with the fear and the distrust of everything. Yeah. Spoilers. The next episode deals with that a lot, just as much, if not more. Yep. So it's a really good point. That's a really good line. Exactly. If we started from this scene and worked backwards into reality, I think you'd have a good episode. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, he says he can't give up on his life. She says he already has. She's giving him the choice to start living again. Now, I get it. Some of this is true, but there is no possible way she could know all of this. This is a guy that she just met. Yeah. She knows nothing about him except that yep. he has a photograph and some negatives, and he's waiting for a message that might have to do with Allison. That is all she knows. This is just, this feels like just typical dramatic romance novel dialogue. Well, th- it also falls into a trap that this series in particular has, yeah. which is that because you have to write new people every single episode, it's yes. very hard to remember they don't know who Tom is. Yes. Just and because we know as the audience. You also, it's not interesting to have a show where every episode the characters are like, so hang on. So who are you again? What's your whole deal? And what are you, what's a list of your fears? Yeah. There's... <laughs> In Kingdom Hearts, one of the things that 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 is annoying is like every time they show up to a new world, because a new world every single time, new different planet. Yeah, I'm Sora. This is Donald. This is Goofy. Yes. Now I sped that up. <laughs> yeah. Because it's actually much slower, yes. and they have to introduce themselves every time, and it's boring. It's it's one of the boring parts of that otherwise game that I enjoy, minus the endings. Right. Um, I've listened to a lot of video game related podcasts and the Final Fantasy series is a series that I've listened to podcasts on so many times Mm -hmm. and several of the games in that particularly I want to say Final Fantasy 4 like 10 times throughout the game everybody's like hi we just met you I'm so and so this is blah 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 that's dude over there and then the next person they meet hi I'm so and so this is (laughs) that person that's the dude over there and it's just like we as the viewer we get it so at a point in the series they stopped doing that Okay. Instead, it would just like fade to 
to, to darkness right, right. and then come back and like, so that's our story. Right. And I've seen that done a lot of different times. And that's what they would basically have to do yes. here. But instead of doing that here, they just have this person immediately know it all. Yeah. And this isn't the same thing where it's it's not – it doesn't even read like, oh, she actually knows what she's talking about. Yeah. It reads like <sighs> – Men. Her, well, that's it. It reads like her assumptions are correct yeah. and don't have to be checked. Right. And again, in a fantasy, that oh, you are right. If this was a story she was telling, then yeah, obviously she was right. And actually, if it were her doing the narration, mm-hmm. they would have had more opportunity to show her having her guesses about what's what's going on with Tom. Yeah. And being wrong. And us being able to check what she thinks is going on versus what we know is going on. There, would could have been be interesting. Scenes, there could be scenes where she is talking to someone else about her feelings about Tom. Tom about wouldn't her be in the, sh- in the shot. Exactly. I mean, I know you can't have that. But <laughs> I, I'm just, that would have been a great, that would have a been great, great version of this episode. There's so few times where Tom isn't in a shot. Yeah. I've never really thought about that until now. That basically we don't see other people talking to each other yeah. too much. You see the guards talking about how cold it is. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there are these little asides, but it's very rare that we ever get a break from – there's very rarely an actual – like, the, it's it's got an A and a B plot line, but the it, the but the, the, the B plot line is always – well, it's it, it, depending on whether or not it's the organization. If it's an yeah. organization episode, it's the A plot line. But if it's not, it's the B plot line and some other freaking thing is happening. There's rarely a third thing like, yeah. oh, we got a dog. <laughs> there's rarely, you know <laughs> – Oh, no, they're shutting down. I mean, this has that, I guess. I don't know. Ugh. Ugh. So um, anyway, they go through all this dramatic romance novel stuff, and then they hold each other and start kissing. Cut to commercial. Cut to boning. Cut to boning, yes, because we come back. They just boned. Like, no question about it. Hey, Tom, you still love your wife, right? (laughs) So um, she then goes into her backstory here. Let me me say. The the reason I went to the trouble of getting the Notting Hill thing, yeah. if in this episode, if we were going to canonize the, the romance story, you mm-hmm. have to have time passing. Okay. Because then in addition to the brush with death, yeah. it is a more believable and should have been dr- addressed directly. But it is more believable that he would w- be willing to let somebody else in his life. Okay. Right? He just had a near-death experience and time is passing. Yeah. And they're up against a common enemy or whatever. Sure. Th- that's part of it. It's never addressed. You never hear him go... You know, oh, Allison, but also, ooh, this chick. You never hear him, you know, talk about it. You never hear him go, yeah, maybe. Yeah, fuck it, you know. <laughs> right. Um, but there is at least – that. that's that's my take on the reason this show this, – this one has all of these weird-ass little bits where it's like, did anything happen other than time is passing? No, because we're going to need time to pass <laughs> exactly. for the boning. This yeah. was in service to the boning. Yeah. Um. So she goes into her backstory and – she, it, it all happened when she was 17, she says, which I think if they say it all happened 10 years ago. Yeah. So that means she's 27. Did they establish in, I think it was the previous episode, that, that Tom is 40 at this time? I think. Okay. I mean, that's not unheard of, a 13-year age difference between them, especially in a romance novel. Younger woman, sure. older man. Sure. It just, because they did establish, yes, Tom is supposed to be 40 years old, felt a little... Strange, like, why didn't they just have her say she was a little bit older or sure, something? Oh, sure, not a, Not a big deal. So. Well, the thing is, I, I you've never been a 27-year-old woman, but, like. <laughs> not that you know of. Not that, <laughs> but I've been a 27-year-old gay man, and I'll tell you, like, there is definitely a, yeah, 
if I found a guy who was in his 40s, mm-hmm. I'm really tired of showing up to parties alone. Sure. Like you sure. have no idea what that's like because you've always had, you know, you've been, you've been married since 21? Um, 23? 23. Or no, uh, yeah, 23. My wife, she was not yet. No, I was 22. It was right before I turned 23. Right. Because because it was October. October. And, uh, yeah. Birthday's so, so, yeah, it was just... Right. I, 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 at 20, by 27, um, th- th- do we have time for an excursion that doesn't go. go for it? Okay. Uh, can you go Google, uh, Garfunkel notes 2931? Um, I can't find the clip, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, it's the same woman that the, the, it's, it's, it's a comedy duo. Mm-hmm. It's the same woman, uh, at age 29 and age 31, sure. basically singing a duet with herself. Sure. Right. And so like, it's all about how like at age 29, like I've hit my stride. I'm in my prime. This is great. I got all these options. This is wonderful. And then when they cut to her at 31, it's just her going, there's nobody left. <laughs> I'm all alone. And they do this big duet of the 29 year old version having <laughs> be totally oblivious to how the, 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 her options are about to drop off significantly. Yeah. And, and it's it's just it's a very nicely done juxtaposition that made okay. me go, oh, okay, that's interesting, and I hadn't really thought about it. And there's some biological aspects to it in terms of you know the 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 how many um, for legs do you have left, and yeah, if you're yeah. planning to make a family and so forth. <clears throat> so um, you know th- there are there are considerations that that w- would factor in. So sure. so at 27 you are going. Well, there's there's rarely and that and to be fair, yeah, not, not like this is great, but if you are someone who people knew, like if they had established if it was her, she had a monologue about how she has been looking for a man, but no one knew has come to town because no one knew ever comes to town, and ooh, yeah. there's a new man in town, then it makes it slightly less terrible. Sure, Everyone sure. going, got yourself a man, eh? Well, and well, and here's the thing. Yeah. Um, like you said, I've never been a 27-year-old woman. Sure. So I don't know how much how much pressure, societal and biological and emotional pressure there yeah. is for a 27-year-old woman to settle down. But if she were, say, 35, it would make a little bit more sense that everybody is like, oh, you better find yourself a man. Don't want those eggs to dry up. So, uh, I mean, again, maybe that's already a thing even at 27. I don't know. I've never been a 27 year old woman. I've seen on other shows that yes, that like, like you, you, there's a rapid drop off. Like as you approach 30, there's a rapid drop off of fertility. I mean, I guess I should mention, cause like we said, I got married when I was 22. Um, there has always been people saying, oh, when are you going to have, when are you going to have some kids? Right, right. Um, so I guess even back then there were people saying we should have kids. Right. It's just, it's just, especially for a small town before there's like anything to freaking do. Yeah. Ooh, there's some, there's some salacious gossip. There's something new has happened to the town. Right. Ooh. Right. I, I guess it's just, I, it always is jarring to me when they, when they, like they act like Tom is 40 years old because I feel like the rest of the show doesn't act like he's 40 years old. He's a spry 20 something that can do anything. The, the you plot think requires of Tom him. as a 20 something. I'm not saying I think of him as one. The plot does. The plot does. He okay. is always doing all this stuff Fair that enough. it's like, 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 okay. Cause I, I burn notice. I watch burn notice. Uh-huh, I've, yeah, I've gone yeah. through all of the last two seasons and like the character in that, I want to say he's in his late twenties, early thirties. And he is, he is physically fit and able to do whatever is required of him. Okay, just from the posters, I don't think the guy. I don't think he's in his left late twenties, early thirties. I mean, I will take a look real quick. No, I'm curious. Okay, so he is presently fifty-one years old. Okay, 
when was burn notice 2007 so So that was 12 years ago so he was 39 seriously so unless i'm doing my math wrong holy crap okay well i guess i was wrong about that i've always i always i (laughs) i'm terrible at judging people's ages apparently uh i I take back what i said (laughs) any complaints about tom's age never mind i I mean the the complaint is there it's just it's just all media wide yeah like tom cruise eventually settles down in uh mission impossible 3 okay and from then on has a wife yeah um and then like she's in hiding and she's you know got her own life and he's moved on yeah but i'm i'm pretty sure there's a a 15 to 25 year age gap between them mm-hmm. and you know it's just tom cruise has a ton of plastic surgery or great scientology results and yeah. so he's designed shot by shot to look really really young it's part of but the reality is tom cruise is at least like 110 or something i am so shocked that jeffrey donovan is so old he does not look or act that old i'm like i've even seen it i mean okay i guess this is hollywood but like one of the things that i saw him in first was uh book of shadows blair witch 2 in which case in which he is supposed to be like 20 years old if not a late teenager Probably not a late teenager, but like 20 years old or so. And that was not that much before Burn Notice. That was maybe maybe five years or so before Burn Notice. But I guess Hollywood often casts, you know, people in their late 20s, early 30s to be teenagers. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I just see that as an industry-wide, like, you know, yeah, that is a little messed up. But it's not messed up per this show. That That no. was messed up long before this show. All right. Tom Cruise is 57 years old, by the way. That's he's going to be 60 in a few years. That's crazy. That's that's, you know, and I, I haven't he does not look it. He does not look like someone who's about to turn 60. If you watch the most recent Mission yeah. Impossible, I feel like tomorrow I'm going to wake up and find out that I'm 33 <laughs> years old and I don't want that. So I'm going to try try to power through the last. Yes, there's, sir. There's so little of this episode <laughs> left. It is ridiculous. Well, it's amazing you might how be thinking much we yourself, have out of this. You might be thinking to yourself like, oh, yeah, this is rearing up for right, like it, a it, big climax. <laughs> no, we just passed the climax. It was when the power comes back on and it goes to commercial. So um, basically her story is that she left when she was 17 uh, to go find herself or whatever. Her parents tried to get a hold of her, but they couldn't find her. Um, they ran the farm without her. They ended up dying, I guess, in an accident. They don't really say. And so guilt based accident, a guilt based accident. <laughs> guilt she, she finds out they're dead. She comes back. She tries to sell the farm, but she can't because it's so it's in debt. So she works off all of the debt by herself. And now she has a farm that, you know, she's proud of and she wants to, you know, wants to keep keep at it. So and as long um, as she keeps the farm, she keeps her family. Exactly. It would have been nice exactly. if a third party had said such a thing to like explain her fervor. If it was said in exactly those words, that that would make a that would go a long way in this episode. So she felt guilty. And so she say worked off the debt. And now um, and then Tom Tom has a line that it's another like, oh, that's a cool line. Maybe could have been a better episode was it's amazing how far you have to go to be back where you started. Mm, yeah, because that's an amazing Tom's yeah. ultimate goal is to be back where he started and yep. he's had to go through so far 11 episodes worth of of hell in order to get there. Yep. And it's a nice thing for him to say right before the next episode. Yes. And so it could have been a really nice actual lead up to the next episode. That's a good point because this whole time I've been thinking to myself like, you know, this was probably meant to be in a different spot compared to the next episode, but I don't know. I I honestly don't know. Yeah. It 
fits. Like you were saying, that line makes it fit with the episode that's about to happen. But I don't know. A lot of these episodes could be in any order. Yeah, I don't really feel like there was a ton of foresight. It's entirely possible that, like, because they said that line, they were able to choose the the release order and go, oh, that works. Yeah. But it could have also just been random chance. Like, well, we need a, a show out in, in yeah. six days. So uh, that's true. Hey, hey, is that a, what's that book on your desk? I don't know. <laughs> it just came through this weird portal. Change the names. Get it out there. <laughs> came through this weird portal. <laughs> it's covered in, in, in dust. Is the idea that women like historical romance not on your table because because it's not on your radar because like the idea like right until just right now when i thought you were really saying colloquially it came through a time portal but now i'm worried that you don't know that like modern day women will read historical romance as a massive money-making genre i'm sure that's true it's just that like there's no way that this was written in the 90s. Okay, is is, is what I'm is what I'm getting. Okay, at. okay, fair sure. Enough. Maybe it was deliberately written to feel like 1895, but sure. But but even then, I don't think it was written in 1895. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure <laughs> okay. it wasn't. Okay, but it's just like this episode is so old timey. Yeah, as evidenced by the fact that you said it's just like the one in this thing, and I was like, "What year is that from?" <laughs> yep. It was from the exact from Hello Dolly, the exact joking year that I that I said. Yep. So anyway, um, the next scene is in the general store. Old and Dazer answers the phone. They ask for a Tom. Oh, no, there's no Tom. What's that? A message. Oh, yeah. So he writes down a note and then he gets called away for a moment. Tom and Emily arrive at the store. I thought he was going to get like killed. I thought it very much feels like like the organization is setting him up because like then the immediate next time you see him, he's like in the back and he's like. Oh, I don't remember ordering this. Right? You expect the guy to be like, oh, you ordered it all right. <laughs> you had it coming for a long time. Pulls out a shotgun a and shoots him. gun and just <laughs> yes. blows him down. Pulls out a bow and arrow with a stone arrow head. <laughs> so, um, so he goes into the other room. Tom and Emily arrive at the store. They're, uh, they're getting stuff together to leave and go talk to a lawyer. Um, that's what the trip was. I was so that's, I that's was what the so trip is. out of it by this point that <laughs> and, I didn't even know. And so, like they they're talking about how long it's going to be. Tom is like, "Are we going to be back in a week?" And she's like, "Why are you in a hurry?" And then he's like, "You got the boxer shorts. I got the time. I don't want to hear any more about Tom's <laughs> boxer shorts, please, writers." So Olden Dazer's in the back. He doesn't see Tom and Emily. They grab some stuff. They leave some cash. They start to drive away because the camera even pans down to the note that's like, you know, Tom, urgent, please call, whatever. Um, but he runs up to the car right as they're about to pull out. And he's like, oh, my goodness, I, I almost lost you. You were almost four clicks down the road. And uh, and so he, he says, like, hey, I got this message for you. And there's this moment where, you know, the camera goes back and forth between Tom, Olden Dazer, Emily, and you can see the... Tom's trying to trying to make the decision. Emily already knows he's made the decision. Olden days are old. And then he's trying to make the decision whether to go back to his old life or stay with Emily and put it all behind him. And he gets out of the truck. Emily is very distraught of it, very visibly distraught. She slides over into the driver's seat, drops off his bag, drives away. Drops off his bag is not the motion. Okay. Throws his shit on the floor is the motion. Okay. I mean, okay. that's, that's definitely, I mean, certainly it was fine. I'm just saying like, she very... Get this crap out of here. I'm done with this guy. He's dead to me. So uh, Tom goes inside to call call back Bert, I think was the guy's name. 
Um, we hear that. Sure, Bert, it's the end of the show, so now we can know the guy's name. That's when we there, learn people's names. There you go. I think they said it earlier, too, right, fair actually. Enough. Um, but uh, Bert has some good news. So we hear Bert say he has some good news while yep. we see Emily speed away. Yep. Uh, the final shot is Tom walking down the train tracks, cut credits. Now, what if Tom was going inside to tell Bert, forget about it. I'm leaving that behind me. I got a woman that loves me. I'm starting a new life. And then he goes outside and she's gone. That's that's an interesting ending, actually. Yeah. And then he ha- and then. No, I, I mean, I meant it, it as in like. I know you meant it. But I'm saying like, <laughs> I would almost like that ending. And then he's like, well, I best be, be leaving then. I screwed this one up. And then it would leave him in the same spot he's in every episode where he has nothing to go off of because, oh, crap. I just told the guy to forget about it. Yeah. And I can't call him again or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, he was like, "I'm on a burner phone, Tom. You can't can't call me back." Um, which back in the '95 was actually a, a, a wooden phone that you would light on fire. <laughs> so, um, all right, yeah. So anyway, that's that's the episode. Yeah, what was the silliest thing, Gabe? Y'all need an extra large box of condoms. <laughs> <laughs> Just this line that is this, not in the it's episode. not it, but that's but, the attitude. But it's, it's, that is clearly what he wanted to ask. Is done with gestures and whoa, I look. Yes. Okay. Uh, what about your silliest moment? I I need a place to camp. Let me climb <laughs> over this barbed wire fence. Or I have to be near a phone to talk to my PI. Now sounds Let like me a go good time camping. for some private property camping. Yes. Um, Anything smart? Well. I had one. I want to say now the guy dragging Tom's body off the property and setting up a fake campground. If I'm going with things that were not actually in the episode, that's what I want to say. Sure. Um, but no, I, I wrote down uh, Tom referring to the shotgun as a hearing aid. I thought was. Yeah, that was, was uh, good. That was a, a good threat. That was nice. That was that was what Tom thinks he sounds like every time he <laughs> yes. opens his mouth, whether or because not he actually that is Emily it. telling the story. So she had him say something clever. Oh. <laughs> uh. Goodness. Is there anything I thought was clever? You can say no. It's, it's all right. No, I, you know, I liked the stuff that you said about um, that. It's it's a nice thesis for the show of how, how long can you keep this going, given yep. the thing that's going to happen in the next episode. So I did like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, that was uh, that was the enemy within. I did have my, my notes. WTF is that title. But uh, yeah. I, I guess it's whatever's inside of Tom. <laughs> Now we're going to move into uh, episode 12. It's not such a wonderful life. Mm -hmm. And I guess I forgot to write an elevator pitch for this one. Uh, Steve, what you got? Tom gets everything he ever hoped for. Or did he? It's pretty good. Um, I mean, I didn't write one either. That's my best. Yeah, I I guess. (laughs) Uh, It's Christmas and Tom's safe. Everything's good. Yeah. It's all great. Tom. Not. (laughs) Sorry. Tom is walking and finds a newspaper. And hidden agenda is in the newspaper. Yeah. So a couple episodes ago, I made, I made a reference. I was like, you know, it was when the episode of his father. I was like, okay. what do you think would happen if Tom was just walking down the street one day and saw on a TV or something? <laughs> oh, look, it's all over. Tom Vale, come back. You're safe. Uh, I was referring to this episode. <laughs> That's I, great. In my mind, though, I was actually because there's a part later in the episode where it is he's just walking down the street and something relevant is on right, TV. Right, on TV. Yeah. I mistook if I had recalled. <laughs> the details a little better. I would have been like, what if Tom is just somebody throws a newspaper at his feet and it's like, oh, hidden agenda. Come, come on, Tom. You're fine. 
So uh, that's, that's basically what this episode is about. Uh, Tom finds out that uh, it's all good. Like they've been captured. Th- they, they've been captured by the government. The they the good have been co- have been captured. Yeah. Well, uh, let me get the the, sure. the voiceover out of the way because I don't think there are any. I think this is the only one in the episode. <clears throat> so it's it's Christmas. It's Christmas. It's, it's Christmas. It's not necessarily snowy, but you can tell it's cold. Yeah. <clears throat> the days are growing shorter. I begin to feel like I'm living in perpetual darkness. The holiday lights, the family's rushing to finish their last minute shopping, the sound of music in the streets, all seem to be taking place in a world I'm no longer a part of. A world that, having grown so dark, is no longer a part of me. It's, as usual, pretty dramatic. Yeah. But I wonder, uh, I wonder how many 13-year-olds they got to write that. <laughs> but, as is not uncommon, there, there, it makes some interesting points. Yeah. If you if you if you suspend the writing and listen to the point, it is an interesting point. It would totally suck mm-hmm. to if you're used to being included in the holiday season. Yeah. Be on the outside. That's gonna. That's gonna. It's. It, if it sucks on a regular day, it's not gonna get better. Definitely. During the holidays, most likely. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, it's Christmas. Tom, even though he's living out on the streets and no past, still finds the heart to give money to the Salvation Army. He's walking along. There's they got one of the Santa guys ringing the bell. Tom puts some money in. There's not too many times where it feels to me like Tom is hard up for money. Yeah, I feel like he just has some money. He just does these little jobs. He has, he has to go money do the, the jobs. Yeah, but. whatever money the the series needs him to have. And I mean, that's if you're gonna make a conceit, make that one. It's not. It wouldn't be fun for every episode to be like, oh, I can't. Can't look for hidden agenda stuff anymore because <laughs> I'm out of money or whatever. Like I, I can understand that being the thing they gloss over. Like Burn Notice does the same thing. Okay. Um, they, 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 they always make a point in that that the main character does not does not take money for helping people. Okay. Yeah. But money is almost never an issue. Okay. He, he always, you know, there's a little bit of like flavor text where it's like, oh yeah, he, uh, something, you know, he's gonna have to. Sell a something or other to pay for whatever after this episode is over. But like, you never have to worry about. They never have to worry about money. It's it's always that's always an afterthought. Okay. Um. So so this show, um, I don't I don't blame them for for not. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but just just the fact that he did, I think, is they could have not had that scene. They could have had. That's a great else. point. That's a great point. That's a nice that, that that's that's good use of yeah a, a really small little exposition shot. It didn't really land for me. I don't mm-hmm. remember it being in there, so yeah. it didn't do anything to me. But it's it's definitely it's a, it's a it's a good notion. I do definitely want to see more scenes of Tom being a good guy. Sure, that is my wish for the series. I want it to be less about him being aggravated and mm-hmm. more about him being compassionate. For other people have terrible things going on. That's what I want the show to be. I want the show to be because he's got this extreme thing going on. Mm-hmm. Other things which are more extreme than the like. So you got Tom and the person for the episode. Yeah. And that person for the episode's peers. Okay. I want the thing that happened to Tom to be more intense than anybody else. But for him to interact with someone who has a more difficult situation than their peers. Yeah. So that he's still able to solve their problem with some uh, some amount of relative ease because he's cultivated these skills. Okay. Um, and he's the only person who understands how difficult it is for, you know, someone who's 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 having a hard time. Yeah. I would love to see that more. So so 
I'm glad he gave money to the Salvation Army. That's at least, <laughs> yes, you know, yes, a, it's a small detail, a small little hint in that direction. Yeah. And about um, as good as I should expect it to get. So sure. Now, I have a question that we can keep in or not. Yep. Is he in San Francisco and also Washington, D.C.? Is he not in San Francisco at the base? Is he not obviously on slanted roads oh. with a trolley and then. Wait, is there a trolley? I thought there was. I did. I should have gone back and looked. I mean, there's the truck that's like chasing after him, but that's no, not No, but trying. like I thought like at the very beginning, he's like getting off it. Can we go go yeah. look at it real quick? That Just... would not surprise me one bit. <laughs> so I I feel like the whole, I was like, oh, he's in San Francisco. I, he's plainly in San Francisco. And then they're like, all right, come see me. I keep an office yeah, in no, Virginia. It is, it is very much Set in, in or around D.C. So and I don't know, maybe there are trolleys in D.C., but I think it, it reminds me of an Austin Powers joke where he's driving with uh, the 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 love interest for that movie and he's like you know what is astounding to me is how <laughs> los yeah. angeles in no way or no so you know how, how the uk in no way looks like southern california right all right these these could be dc streets i that i mean that does look the, like a trolley the wooden door there it could just be a bus made up to look christmasy yeah that's what i'm gonna have to go with and maybe the street, streets aren't slanted i just remembered that retroactively um yeah yeah it's, it's a bus it's, it's a, it's, a it's bus. definitely a bus it's yeah just those, a, are, those with, aren't with rails fake, it, it's the, got the thing on the top though i think that's just a fake but yeah well there no, the ground looks grooves. i don't know i mean it's <laughs> i don't know steve it's just the locations thing but it was definitely that's an iconic thing yeah to then also it's so rare yeah. That they tell us where we are. Correct. So for them to choose something that signals where we are to me incorrectly and then tell us where we are, it's like, dude. Okay. Yeah. Here, I'm going to solve it. Okay. Do it. This scene is in San Francisco. Yeah. They grab Tom, take him to DC. <laughs> Let's watch for when that happens. Because I don't remember that I mean, being that's, a... that's not what happens. <laughs> but if you need an explanation that's what happens okay because i know the next scene is supposed to be like a couple minutes later no no it's like it's like 12 hours later tom has been putting up with this for 12 hours before freaking out okay i appreciate i don't know um so so what we're saying is tom's walking down the street when a truck pulls up behind him and is appears to be chasing him It, it does yeah he starts freaking out he starts running but then turns away as they toss a big stack of newspapers. So they right. weren't chasing and they were just dropping off newspapers. And it wasn't like just a little, you know, pickup truck. It was some sort of truck with some, some junk on the back. Sure. It was, yeah, sure. It was um, so typical vehicle. Yeah. So being the, the curious person he is, Tom goes over and grabs one of the papers and on the front page is <laughs> not the curious person. He is Gabe, the predictable, the predictable man. He, <laughs> okay, he could have okay. just not looked at that paper. Yeah. Given that like, Spoilers. Can we, are, we doing, are we doing spoilers or not? You want to keep it in? I. How long do you think we can go without needing to talk a about? A little while. All right. A little while. So there's nothing special about the paper. <laughs> it's just definitely the paper. Go ahead. So uh, it says in, in big letters, it says Senate investigation into military misconduct delayed. He opens it up and hidden agenda is on the front page. That's the photograph that he so took. The photograph this that this is all about. Bewildered Tom, 90 degrees to credits. Very, very short, cold open. It's like he's want, he gives, gives some money to, to St. Nick, runs away from a truck, sees Hidden Agenda, boom, cut to credits. Yeah. Uh, I think more episodes could do. I was going to say, for, 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 for how long it took him to uh, stalk 
uh, the woman to get on the plane and get ethered. <laughs> yes. That took like 10 minutes. If that he could have got ethered faster, we would have talked about it Just less. Start it off with Tom getting ethered. We can work out the details afterwards. <laughs> exactly. We don't need the excessive, oh, this is the reason Tom's getting ethered. We don't right, need it. Right. Um, so Tom's in a phone booth. He dials what I, what I'm guessing is his home number. And oh yeah, this is great. I've I'm getting the impression. I don't think they've ever said this, but uh, I get the impression from the scene that he's called his home number before many times mm. and gotten nothing. Or like a guy picks up and is like, uh, right. hey, "Can I help you?" And he's then uh, up oh, click or whatever. You know, Allison. There's no Allison here. Stop calling. Click whatever. But it's a freaking. Uh, I was gonna say voicemail. It's a freaking answering machine of him and Allison. Yeah. And you get to hear this this message a couple times in this episode. I thought it was cute. Lisa thought it was stupid. Oh. It's it's the two of them being like, okay, we got to record. Oh, no, no. We only have like 30 seconds. Well, what should we say? Um, <laughs> I thought it was in-world stupid and therefore cute. Okay. Well, that, yeah, sure. That's sure. that's Because clearly in-world, I would hate those people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. him having so few moments of normality in his life. Correct. I loved that it was cheesy like that. If it was just... Like boring and flat, yeah, wouldn't have had as much impact since we're gonna hear it a couple of times. You can hear them in love with each other. That's what I love about it. That's what makes me very excited about that message. It was a great little moment. Yeah. So, um, he so he gets his message, and again, he's he's this is probably the first time he's heard he's heard Allison's voice outside of VR in uh in six months. <laughs> I forget. Uh huh. And so, uh, anyway, he he doesn't leave a message. He hangs up. He gets out of the phone booth. And several cars pull up and a bunch of men in suits get out and a man walks forward. And first off, I don't know why Tom isn't running away, but whatever. For the same reason that he didn't run away when he thought someone was following his dad. Sure, sure. Wh- whatever that reason is. Whatever that reason is. And if I, if I could, <laughs> the episode with his dad, he ultimately, despite the fact that he could have had peace there, he ultimately left because he knew that they were still looking for him. They would still find him. He didn't want to put his dad in danger. Yet immediately afterwards, he meets this woman and is like, yeah, okay, I'll stay here. Yep. Again, the only way that works is if you go into the narrative of it being mm-hmm. a romance novel, the time and the – it's never talked about. Yeah. But I have hardcore headcanon that it's just the bullet wound. That like, go for it. That the, 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 the surgery he should have been getting, he instead got in Southern <laughs> Comforts. And, there you and, go. But it had the side effect of him forgetting everything that matters to him. That's, yeah. that's how I justify that episode. Um, anyway, so a guy walks out and he says his name, he introduces himself as Alex Hillier. Uh, he says, we've waited a long time. For We're this. not at the end of the episode. Yeah, I know. It's weird. His name, he gets addressed by name one more time in this episode. I think that's all he does. And that's stop existing. Well, that's it. That's it. If, 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 if you're important, we'll save your name till later. There hold you, back. Hold back. It's like in order of the stick. The the side characters they don't want to say their names or they they don't no, side characters never say their names so like at a climactic moment one of them says like my name is I don't remember what his name my name is Hinjo or something right and then they're like oh my goodness I have a name now that means that I'm gonna live and and he did like he was dying yeah and then he, he stopped suddenly dying. got better and then they're about to go what's your last name he's like no 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 better say yeah that. they get married and he's like okay, we're using her name we don't want to we don't want to <laughs> give out my name yet um so uh so they I guess. I mean, ostensibly, they kidnap Tom. Uh, it's not we don't see it because it's immediately cuts to the next scene. But like, a bunch of guys in suits get out of a car, put Tom in. They have not given him any answers until the event of what immediately happens right after. He, for we, the viewer, it happens immediately. But for Tom, you have to imagine him sitting in a car like 
They got me, right? Yeah. For like three days as they drive from San Francisco <laughs> yes. to D.C. Yes. Talking about <laughs> stuff, getting coffee, going to gas stations, all the stuff they did in the Rob Roy where they were on, yes. on trip. They do with him. Um, but next thing we know, Tom is sitting in a chair under a spotlight in the middle of a dark room. A bunch of people in suits are staring at him. He asks what this is about. They said they were, they're waiting for the boss. Uh, a woman walks into the room, apologizes for being late. She goes to shake Tom's hand and he refuses it. She introduces herself as Sandra Wilson, U.S. Attorney's Office. She turns to the rest of the people in the suits and she's like, is this all necessary? Tom isn't a prisoner. And she gestures to them to turn the lights on. Uh, they turn the lights on. I guess all that was just for whatever. We'll talk about that later because you, you won't let me talk about it now. Okay. Um, so she introduces all the men in suits. They're all like big name political figures. Uh, she apologizes for all the cloak and dagger. She says they've been looking for Tom and they didn't want to lose him. He asks if they're the ones who stole his photograph. He's like, you know, so, you know, they stole his photograph. They killed Larry, blah, 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 all this. Um, and she's like, whoa, whoa, hang on. I don't know what you're talking about. We didn't steal your photograph. We got a copy of the photograph when you had it developed in your lab. Like we had it before you did. Right. You know, we didn't, if you're talking about the one that was stolen from your, uh, from your studio, from your gallery, that was the organization. (laughs) So quick pause here. Yeah. They're actually called the organization. That is what this organization is called. Okay. Okay. So yes, I will circle back. I will just say, unless I'm mistaken, they never get named anything else. It is always just the organization. Yeah. So in this episode, yes, they are not given. A no, I mean, name. I mean, after this episode, okay. I, don't, I don't think for the rest of the I'm pretty sure that's for the rest of the okay. that's their actual name. Um, And so the organization who must not be named. Yeah. So so the the organization like the, the Sandra Wilson says, like, oh, we, we thought they were the reason you went into hiding. And Tom is like, whoa, whoa, whoa went into hiding <laughs> like I've been on the run. Like these things, these people have been trying to kill me. I haven't been like hiding out in a in a in luxury somewhere. I've been living, <laughs> living in hell for the last six months. And, uh, so Tom's upset. Sandra says that they have a house set up for him nearby. They want him to go there, rest and be safe. They'll answer all of his questions on the way. The rest can wait until the hearing. Tom has no idea what this, no idea what any of this is about. And then Sandra's like, well, haven't you been reading the papers or watching the news? You're our missing link. We're going to arrest all of these guys that have put you through all of this. We just need you to authenticate the photograph. And that means go in front of a judge, swear that you took it. Uh, you know, once you do all that, they can put all these men behind bars. Of course, you will have to provide the negatives, but we're going to do everything. You're safe now. I have in my notes, we just need the recipe for concentrated dark matter. That's yeah. all we need. See, and the thing is, like, okay, let's go ahead and spoil it now. Okay. You, whatever you would like to say, go ahead and say it. Well, I don't have anything clever about it. Yeah. But it turns out, no, this was a ruse. Yeah. So everything that we're seeing is a double, is is set up by the organization. So th- that's why when you're saying they're just called the organization, I was like, no, they're calling themselves the organization, game, Right. Because that's what will best play into him. They could be called something. I mean, if they, they have should a na- have picked up different name. If, if someone was like, hey, Gabe, the Brotherhood is after you. I'm going to like. <laughs> no, I know. No, no, they're not. <laughs> I, I understand. I'm saying um, giving them maybe too much credit. Yeah. I'm saying when they talk to themselves about stuff. They maybe don't use the name the organization. Okay. And that this isn't actually a U.S. attorney who's given him the, the, the skinny on stuff. Yeah. He's being given false information. Sure. That's what I'm saying is that they're playing into, you know, ooh, 
the spooky organization. They don't give them any more information than than they need to in the event that they screw it up, which they do. Yeah. So addressing the ending, I want to say I I like this episode except for how the ending is handled. Okay. We'll get to the specifics of the ending and when we get there. But it is all a ruse, but in my opinion, at no point do they give us any reason to think that it is a ruse, aside from the fact that the show has 12 more episodes or 13 more episodes. Sure, yeah. Like, And that he's been swindled many times before. I think what they want us to think is that Tom doesn't trust them, and even when he acts like he's trusting them, he is still suspicious. But Tom does, aside from the getting over the fact that this is all over, Tom never acts like he... Is still, I mean, he does things because he is suspicious, but everything that he does because he thinks he's suspicious is immediately rebuffed with, dude, here's the perfectly logical explanation. Okay. Like, if that the last 30 seconds of this episode did not exist, this could be the last episode of the show. Yes, absolutely. There is no part of this until the very end where they were, where it is found out that this is all a ruse, that there's no point where... You could figure that out aside from the fact that, okay, there's half a season left and this sort of thing has happened to Tom before. But just two episodes ago, he met his actual dad. Yep. He was suspicious of his dad. Turns out for whatever intents and purposes we can discern, that was actually his dad. Right, because the photograph was there. We, we, we the audience, saw exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. This episode does the same thing. If it was that there, like we saw stuff that Tom didn't see, and sure. so we, the audience, were suspicious, mm-hmm. that would be one thing. But we never get that. I really think that this episode drops the ball by making it so obvious that this is not a ruse. Okay. And then at the very last second, they're like, "No, it was a ruse." Yeah. And that 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 bothers me. So if you watch this episode thinking, "Oh, it's all a ruse," then like. Yeah, everything is going to look suspicious. But if you watch it as like, oh, shoot, this, if this were the last episode, you'd be like, oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. This makes sense. This makes sense. That makes sense. Yep. There is nothing you wouldn't if, if this was the last episode, you would not. And it didn't have that last 30 seconds. You would not watch this and be like, no, it's still you see, you can tell it's still it's still root. I so, yes, I definitely was using the <laughs> there are clearly 12 episodes left or 12 or 13 episodes left. Yep. Um for me, the attention I was giving to this episode mm-hmm. was going to be, okay, they're definitely being manipulated somehow. Okay. Who's in on it? Yeah. Who's not? What's it going to, What? how's it, you know, what, what, what is the last frame going to look like? What, it, what Does he get any new, new allies? Yeah. Is everyone against him? You know? Yeah. This, this episode raises so many questions about what a possible end state could be mm. because freaking everyone is in on it. If, if, if this is a ruse, like they're, they are, everything is so out in the open and still a ruse. Does that make any sense? Right. It's not like so many people would have to be in on this ruse for this episode to happen the way that it happens. Right. And there are a lot of things where, like, if this was a ruse, why did they do this? Why did they do that? I'll get to some of those as we get through the episodes. I don't want to get all the specifics Sure, sure. But, like, it so much feels to me like they wrote this to be the last episode. And then they were like, oh, crap, we got we got 13 more episodes, guys. Uh, Quick. It, it It's not. It's a ruse. Okay. Everyone's in on it. I don't think that's the order of operations. Yeah. 
I think what it was was they knew they were going to do do <clears throat> do this twist, mm-hmm. and like many twist authors, they were more about the twist than the episode. Okay, you and I have done this one already. Yeah, we did this with All You Can Wish, right? Originally, yeah. there was going to be a twist in there. We don't talk about it right now. That's fine. But there was going to be a twist. And I was like, don't do this twist for these reasons. And you sure, agreed. Yeah. And, then, and then you said, I think I'm going to still do this anyways, even without the twist, because I think that's a good story. And I was like, that's my point, though, is that you, you have to be able to do it without the twist. Yeah. Or you don't you haven't earned the twist. Um, and also don't do that twist for these other reasons. But, sure, sure. But that was where I don't think this was written like that. I think... Twists are just freaking cocaine to writers. Yeah. It's really, really hard to not like, okay, I'm going to do this twist. It's going to be so good. I can't wait to see their faces. Yeah. I can't wait to see their faces. It's going to be so good. It's going to be such a surprise and miss everything else. It's extremely difficult um, to write something that stands on its own minus the twist. Sure. That if you took the twist out at the end, it's still works properly. Yeah. I just think this wasn't written like that. I just, I just think it was, I th- it was, okay, we're going to do a twist. D- have you seen Bob's Burgers? Uh, an episode or two, yeah. Is That's a joke. You've seen so, a lot yeah, of, I've a seen, lot of Bob's maybe Burgers. Maybe not the last couple seasons, but I've seen like every other episode. Okay. Times. So you know the episode where they do dinner theater at the, the, the burger joint. <laughs> yes. And, Linda says, "Oh, I'm the butler. I, I did. I'm not the murderer. I'm not the murderer." And and then at the end, oh, it turns out I was the murderer. And the whole audience goes, "That's terrible." And they're like, "No, it's a twist because it's, like we, it's a lie, not a twist." Exactly. That is where I'm at. Okay. I don't think they wrote this as the finale and then like scrambled okay, okay. at the end. I think they lied to us. Yeah. And we're like, that's fine. And they had Linda's glibness of, look at how good our twist was. They don't get what yeah. a twist is. A right. twist is not when you lie to us and then just say, oh, this the whole time. Yeah, like this episode does not give you any indication that this is, that there, that like you could not see that this is a twist until the moment when Tom wakes up and it was all a ruse. And I will tell you this, there there is a twist I'll want to talk to you about at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't talk about where it's from, okay. but there is a twist I want you to talk about, talk about at a certain point. And I do know, having rewatched and rewatched, mm-hmm. it's not that you, it's not that there's nothing there, okay. but absolutely you wouldn't see it. Okay. So that- You're not talking about this. You're talking not about this. I'm talking about something else. Okay. I'm, talking, I'm trying to talk in the abstract so I don't give it away when we do this eventually. Sure. Um, there's a, there's a twist mm-hmm. and it was very well thought out. It was very meticulously thought out. And it, you almost have to have it explained to you. I don't think they did a good job of like unveiling th- the twist, okay. but they but they very actively worked to make sure the twist was there. Sure. So there is a difference between and, and the way that I've described it before sometimes is um, I I saw on the the behind the scenes for Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay. That with the twist is that he was actually <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire was actually the father, right? <laughs> Go on. In the movie Mrs. Doubtfire, where you know that the dad is is Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> well, I know it now. He spoiled it. <laughs> they talked. The, the, the makeup artist said, "When mm-hmm. I do these faces, normally my job is to it's a tightrope walk to do because you you have to balance out. It needs to look really fun to justify the price of the ticket. Like, oh, look, someone's in disguise. Yeah, but it also has to look like the actor." To justify the price of the ticket. Sure. Because like, why'd you get Robin Williams if you're going to make him look like not Robin Williams? Exactly. But he said for this, and that that was it. That's basically, so normally the question is why hire Robin Williams Mm -hmm. if you're not going to show Robin Williams most of the movie? Sure. But in this case, it had to be a disguise that would actually 
feasibly fool mm-hmm. a wife who knew him for over a decade yeah. and kids who have seen him every single day and is one of their two primary, you know, relationships that they define their world by. Right. And so that's why the the makeup, you know, it's not actually a mask. It's not like, you know, it's it's in the in the story. Oh, I just put this mask on and I'm Robin Williams. Sure, right? sure. Um, that is how I feel about twists sometimes that I've seen that are that are done where the, a ton of work was put into the twist and it almost feels like you put so much work into this twist and like, it's still very good. Yeah. But, oh man, no one was going to figure it out on their own. And they're like, no, but that's the point. We didn't want people to figure it out on their own. So that's a kind of twist that exists where the, there is a kind of twist that is not as satisfying as one where you kind of figure it out five seconds before it happens. Yeah. But I have seen, well, the, I'm just saying the, the attitude, by the way, the voice you just made, I yeah. know we're taking a break from you doing writing, but the the sound you just made. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to convey when we're talking about twists. It's like, yeah, okay. the audience is going to go, yeah, but I couldn't just, you just give me this? I just feel like even if you're doing that, yeah. there still has to be things that you can look back and be like, oh, and that's, that's and why are. the twist works. And, and and it took a long time for me to understand what those things were. It took more than one reviewing for me to go, oh, I do see it now. Okay. And like I'm on my third or fourth viewing and I'm like, this is so obvious. Yeah. How, how did we think it the first time? But definitely even the second time through, I'm like, is it? Would I? Is it? Is it? Yeah. Did they not just decide at the end to flip the switch? And like, and I watch it a third time. I'm like, oh yeah, sure. And then I get some more thoughts. And I'm like, okay. And the more I'm able to stitch it together, I'm like, all right. Yeah. All right. But again, you're talking about something else. In Nowhere Man, they don't do that. That's though. right. In, In Nowhere, Nowhere Man, Man not... it's just bad. Well, yeah, exactly. The, the, the twist is bad. I, I enjoy this episode. Like, I think I was even telling you like, of these two episodes, I like this one way more than I like the other one. Sure, I know yeah. that's not saying much, but I still think that this is a good episode. I, I think it's an enjoyable episode. Um, I, I kind of like the fact that the twist comes out of... It, it is so incongruent that it does raise all of the... It makes it makes you sure, for better and for worse, that there's no, there's no 100% positive win state for Tom. Mm, there sure, is no way he's sure. going to come out of this a sane person. Yeah. Even if he does take down the organization. There's no possible way that he could do it in such a way that he would feel safe afterwards. Right. Because he, he reunites with Allison as part of this episode. Yeah. And so this is, this is it. If Allison is in league with them, mm-hmm. it would, it would take, I still think there could be a bittersweet win state. I, okay. I, I could be, I don't expect the, there to be. The win state that this episode makes him think he has, there is no possible way right. he could ever have that. That's right. Ever. That's right. He could get to a place where two people who do love each other, like it could still be explained away that like, uh, you know, Allison is still under their, you know, duress and she mm-hmm. is, uh, and, and or they faked her. We'll they talk f- about that later. They faked her handwriting with uh, computer wizardry mm-hmm. or something. Okay. Okay. Right. <laughs> that it could have been not her who sure, writes the thing sure. at the end. It could have been that she... Uh, was unwittingly that she was also lied to them and then was kidnapped. There's definitely ways for it to be that, that, that Allison wasn't in league with them. Yeah. That isn't on, isn't on their side, but definitely that does mean that he's going, he, he would have to be okay with the possibility that Allison is still under the control for the rest of, for the rest of their life. And so it's, it's not an ending that these writers are up for. Sure. It's the it's it, it it could have a sort of really solemn, 
you know, we spend the next 40 years learning to trust one another. Mm-hmm. It's 30, it's 37 years later. And still sometimes I worry about blah, blah, blah. Sure. But, you know, we've grown old together and it's fine. You know, it, it's possible, but it's definitely not going to be a fanfare happy ending. He's he, sure. he is. You're absolutely right. This definitely obliterates the possibility for him to ever be like, yay, we won. It's <laughs> never going to be, yay, we won. It's going to be a cold and broken hallelujah. Yeah. So um, that, that definitely. And the thing is. That is congruent with the freaking tone of this damn show. I suppose. Is that, I, suppose. I mean, like, if this were the end of the series, I will get into this a little bit, but mm-hmm. like, I felt like Starving Man at the Buffet Syndrome while I was watching this. She starts explaining things to him. Yeah. We get details I, and answers I, I to know, her questions. I know. And I just felt sick to my stomach for how much information <laughs> I was digesting. It was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Where has this been? Cut this up and drip it into other episodes they were like no no no, we're gonna keep you in the dark yeah. for 10 solid episodes then give you a ton of information then rip it out from under you um, i strongly believe that starting with this episode is when they started to get an idea of what they actually wanted the show to be oh fascinating um okay i was gonna say this till the end of the episode but like next episode yeah is kind of a very distinct change in the show Ooh, like okay the i think I've, i mentioned I've, i'm sure i've told you i don't know if I'm, I'm pretty sure i mentioned on the show at some point but there was a point in the show where the exec some executives were like hey you have to have some sort of a through line for right, the show right that doesn't start here it starts next episode yeah 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 but i think the fact that they are giving you all of this information now yep shows that like hey let's get out some of the stuff we've already thrown out there and some of it stuck we'll tell you what stuff stuck okay. maybe what didn't okay. and then from this point on we're going in a direction that we know we're going in okay this is the twelfth of twenty five episodes, and that, the, it is the halfway that point. It is the halfway point. Yeah, yeah. And and from from the the metaphors I've been taught for writing, mm-hmm. the second half happens on enemy turf. Okay, that's the yeah. That sorry, I made a face. You like made a face. That, <laughs> that makes sense, considering what I know happens in the next episode. So that, that I'll be sense. curious to see what happens. But that's that's what I'm told. Is that basically the halfway point is you pull the sword from the stone mm-hmm. and you enter enemy territory. Okay, and you enter enemy territory fired up because you're like okay freaking screw it i'm going to go be a capital h hero sure i am not going to get my life back that's part of it is is okay uh, i give up mm-hmm. i clearly can't be the person that i was that i was before i'm gonna go i'm gonna go be this person it's gonna be great and you're wrong okay you are terrible at your job because it is you have just started you are homer simpson going it's my first day you are you are going to be bad at it. you're gonna get your ass kicked and it's not until the three-quarter mark that you actually realize Oh, I'm mortal. Okay. And then the real work starts. That's when in Dark Souls you would get the thing on the floor that says now the real fight begins. That's when sure, that's sure. when you get it. So all okay. right. Okay. I mean that from from what I know of the rest of the series. It's been a long time since I've watched the last uh, you know, seven or eight episodes, but uh I, I think that I think that tracks pretty well. We'll see as we get there. The the first half of the movie is generally you don't know what's going on. The second half is you think you know what's going on, but you're wrong. Okay. So uh, if if there was going to be a time period to give it a through line, mm-hmm. it makes sense to do it at the halfway point because that's when you're like, okay, now I've got a plan. Sure. Like you spend the first half. Do, the first half is all freaking montages. It's all <laughs> montages about how life is terrible and, and, and you accepting your fate. Mm-hmm. And all of these episodes have been about him like just, okay, I'm going to keep going. Ugh, sure. I'm going to keep going to an annoying degree. But uh, I'll, be, I'll be very excited. I'm now very excited to watch the next episodes okay. um, based on like, oh, what is, what are you talking about? What will that be? All right. Cool. Um, so they. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Before we, since, since we have broken this open. Sure. And we're still in this scene. Sure. 
are these senators or are they not? Oh, I'm sure they're not. I'm sure they're just just they're just part of the organization. People. Yeah, because people can't like Google their congressman in '95 and go. <laughs> oh yeah, good point. Good point. I mean, like they would be public might... figures, but it might just be they're relying on the public's ignorance of all of this, all of the congressional. Yeah, leaders. and I mean, it's it's not like oh, here's the president, here's your right, state no, representative. Exactly. It's, it's, it's like it's... this guy works in this office. This person is yeah. the liaison for whatever. Um, people that feasibly could have. A lot of political power, but maybe might aren't wouldn't be as recognizable. Right. Okay. Let's. Uh, <clears throat> this brings up a, a point I'm interested in. I don't yep. think it's an interesting point. I was about to okay. say it's an interesting point. I was like, let's not stretch that. <laughs> okay. Um, it would have been interesting to me for him to have been studying the government. Yeah. Shoot. Why wasn't he? <laughs> because then he wouldn't be. Then he couldn't be hoodwinked during this time well, period. No, it's because he was off having romances with. Women that was just um, an excursion. Usually he's in the freaking city, he said. Yeah, he said he loves the city. That's true. So um, always I feel like the character of Tom mm-hmm. and Tom's actions exist at different intelligence levels. Okay. That the character of Tom is supposed to be really smart and we watch him and occasionally does smart stuff. But the actions he takes are just not preparatory enough. Yeah. He needs to prepare more. He should be studying shit. There's other information than this freaking photograph. That he could be getting, you know, if it's a government execution, yeah. he should he should be able to tell you whether or not these are real people. Sure. It would be nice if it was. You know, that's, that's at the very least, maybe that's what he'll do in the future. Maybe that's the through line as he starts figuring out who the freak the rest of the world is so that he can tell his enemies or not. I mean, I'm not going to. No, no, I don't insane. want you to tell me. I'm saying I'm just speculating so that we have it on tape to go, <laughs> oh, boy, you are so wrong, sir. Sure. Um. The theatrics of it's in the dark and she's like, guys, do we need to do this? Yeah. That's interesting in retrospect since it is a ruse. So like the theatrics that she's talking about is part of their manipulation of him if we want to give them credit. But I mean, like if. Not as a clue that we should have figured it out. Just. If they are trying to tell Tom that they are not the organization. Why are they? Why are they acting like the organization this one time? (laughs) Sure. No, that's no. great. That's a great point. I, 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 it's I'm, just it's weird considering like whether they are the organization under a ruse or they are not the organization. In neither case should they be acting. In like neither this. case do they benefit it's, from it. It's just so that the viewer thinks, oh, oh, Tom got caught. Yeah, you know, music video stuff again. Then sure, it's sure. there for our but be- it's there for the creepiness of our benefit, not grounded in any kind of reality. Right. It was actually fine. And it was just slightly dim lit, but from Tom's perspective. <laughs> It was this dark thing, right? Sure, that's that's sure. what we saw. So yeah, they, they take Tom to a, a safe house. They give him uh, these two two bodyguards, Rick and Roy, according to IMDb. Roy's name is said in the episode later on, but I don't think uh, I don't think Rick's is. So uh, they're kind of like your typical odd couple. They've got sure. uh, Roy is like the the jovial, low. I love the holidays, and then Rick is the more like, oh, this guy again. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> that's totally it yes. him going oh this guy is is absolutely right um so they they give them these two bodyguards or or agents or whatever the heck they are the two of them are arguing over a christmas tree angel yeah roy says that it's perfect rick says it's crooked you know whatever um tom is very standoffish to sandra because to him it's it's not that he disappeared it's that everyone forgot about him he went through hell he wants to know who the organization is she says that they're a well-funded group of political fanatics that have been wreaking havoc on foreign policy for the last four years. Apparently, the men in Tom's photograph, the army men, are not actually military personnel. 
even though the organization wanted it to look that way. At the time the photo was taken, there was a peace treaty being negotiated between, I guess, like the U.S. and the uh, um, revolutionaries that were being hanged. So it fell through and the organization hanged them and then staged the photograph. Like they knew that we know from the Rob Roy episode. Mm. That's why I didn't want to call him. I, I was hesitant to, <laughs> to remember his name as being Roy. Because yeah. anyway, they We know that in that episode, someone was watching Tom take the photo. Yeah. So we knew a little bit that something about it was staged. So they staged this hanging of these revolutionaries so that Tom would take the photo to then make everybody think that the... Wait a minute. This is making less and less sense the more I think about it. Because they wanted to make it seem like the U.S. Army was doing this hanging because they're trying to destabilize the U.S. government. But then why are they trying to stop Tom from getting the photograph out there? Well, they're not trying to stop Tom from getting the photograph out there. They're trying to get Tom's negatives, which is other photographs. Then why do they steal the hidden agenda photo? To get him to give the negatives. Oh, okay. I mean, I think I haven't put a lot of thought into uh, it. <laughs> I thought this if, made perfect sense if, until just now. If what it is, and if you want, we can go and rewatch it. If what it is, I is that. I know. If what it is, is the organization needed a photojournalist there yeah. to take a photo of this hanging. Yeah. But, and they needed, and they needed the photo. They have hidden agenda. True. They, they true. have hidden agenda. What they need is to make sure there's not also any photos that could debunk the hidden agenda photo. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So it's it's really not about the photograph. It's about the other photographs that he didn't publish. That could show backstage. That it's oh, a, okay. So actually now in this moment, in this four minute period, I am now realizing why they would need the negatives. If they've never yeah. seen the negatives, they can't confirm that he doesn't have a photo of them setting it up. And they need him alive so that he can verify whether he gave the negatives oh, to anyone else. They need him alive to verify the photo also. That's useful. Yeah. I okay. Mean, I mean, that's, that's I what I thought you were going to say. I still think that there are problems with this, but it makes enough sense for the show to go on. It, for it to go on, it doesn't make enough sense to be like, no, no, just keep watching. Like when you have to sell yeah. your friends on watching this show, wait till yeah. you get to episode 12, it'll all become crystal clear. Like, no, no. It'll all become clear enough to justify its existence <laughs> that far and that far alone. So, yeah, I would have, I if that's the case, and I think they probably just didn't have it figured out, but if that's, yeah. if, we're, if we're even interpreting it right, and the fact that we had to, right. and we're two smart guys, and you had to double back on it, and I didn't catch it until I heard you talking about it. Right. So, like... They're going to have to go door to door explaining it just like this because clearly we didn't either of us stumble across the answer. Sure. Well, and you've seen this like three times. Yeah. It, I guess the, the issue I'm having now is yeah. like then if Tom had given the, if Tom, cause Tom made a bunch of copies of the, the negatives in the first episode, depending on whether you're watching the DVD or not. But then we see him at the beginning of all the other episodes, sending those to like various places for him to pick up. Right. If he had just like sent out the negatives to a bunch of people. That would have been it. That would have been the end of the show. Like the, the organization couldn't have done anything. That's assuming, a bunch of people. Assuming that this is accurate. If this is not accurate, yeah. then we have learned absolutely nothing sure. from this episode. No, if, 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 if it is accurate, what are you saying? If, if he sent it out to a bunch if, of people, what So like mean? he has a bunch of copies of the negatives because right. we, he made those and sent them out so that he could pick them up at various places if he needed to. Yeah. 
if he had just gone and sent those to like a bunch of people across the world so that there was no way the organization could track and find all of them, then strangers, are you saying, or I mean, strangers or officials or either. Okay. If there were just, if there were enough of copies of these negatives out there that anybody could find them, the organization, it's like they wouldn't even, couldn't even bother chasing him because they would have like a hundred other fires to go stop first. Okay. If he had like sent them to random places and been like, show this to everyone that you know, unless there isn't anything incriminating in the rest of the negatives. Yeah. And th- and I think they just, they don't know, right? They've never seen the negatives. It's yeah. not that they've had the negatives and lost them. They don't, okay. they've never seen the negatives is so I think the idea. Th- this, this is getting more and more. I has hate I hesitant to, I'm hesitant to use the word believable. <laughs> right. But this is getting more and more believable, I guess. It is. It is. Like 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 And this uh, is again assuming that we can believe anything that she's saying because the episode establishes that this is all a ruse. Right. Right. So why would she be telling him anything true? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like it's entirely uh, I I don't necessarily think that what she's saying is true. Okay. About the um, circumstances of the who's being hanged in that in that photograph and, okay. and and who was behind what? Yeah. But if, but I I believe I can now I, I didn't understand it until you brought back the Rob Roy photo uh, uh, from from a few episodes ago yeah. where there is someone who's taken a photo. Someone was of taking him. a picture of him while he was doing that. So uh, the idea that they wanted him there to take exactly one photo that mm-hmm. doesn't incriminate anybody. Yeah. But just incriminates an organization because there's no faces, right? There's no Correct. faces in his Everybody, photo. Everybody's either looking away or has a bag on their head. If there's a face that can be prosecuted, and then that person can sing, and sure. and and right point the finger at the people who hired him, like if he gets killed, like that army guy in episode three, Incredible Derek. Go on. Well, and maybe that's the point of that is that there was one real person. I don't, I don't, I don't freaking know. But if the idea is maybe she, you know, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Does he ever talk? The, the, the reason why I think this is all just moot mm-hmm. and just academic yeah. and we don't actually know is because you said there is a through line that starts after this episode. Yeah. And I've never heard you drop hints that you know what the negatives are and what their relationship to him is. Oh, I, I know what the negatives are. Oh, you do. From, from the end of this, the... From the end of the season, like okay. there, there are, I mean, I guess there are tons of details I don't remember, but like sure. there are some, some, some bangers that are dropped on us okay. close to the end okay, um, that uh, are pretty significant. Mm-hmm. I'm also 100% sure they did not uh, know what that was when they started the show. <laughs> Maybe they knew at this point, but I don't know. Okay. It's hard to say. All right. Well, it's just that from here, when, mm-hmm. you, when you ask me, where should the show go from here? Yeah. He should be able to discern... Oh, they need to see if they screwed up and left any extra, if I have any extra evidence that if they were faking evidence, I believe they were, I can believe the story that they were faking evidence. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I believe the story of what the fake evidence was. There's no reason they would need to tell him real stuff. Yeah. But if they made the mistake, if in order to, to, to make themselves feel trustworthy enough that he goes and gets the negative, Mm -hmm. they revealed too much of what actually happened. Tom Mm. should from this point have a very strong hunch Tom is ostensibly smarter than you and I, according to the yeah. plot. His okay. actions, no. Okay. But according to the plot, he's smarter than you or I. So he well, should have a the... belt around a guy's neck. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, that's just because he's more, you know, 
he's he's a brute. He's he's willing to do the tough things more yeah. than you and I. He's also smarter than us, other than just the beltings. He should be able to figure out what we just figured out. Sure. If he doesn't act with that information, I will put my fist through a wall. <laughs> no, I won't, because I'm sure he doesn't act with that information. Does he? You don't want me to answer that question, okay. Steve. <laughs> All right. So that's why I'm not convinced that we've figured it out, that we've cracked it. Because if that's the case, what should happen is he should now be very focused mm-hmm. on, first of all, for the love of God, the very first thing we goddamn should have seen in episode two, in episode one, really, but in episode two, yeah. is the remaining negatives. Even if it's just him looking over the negatives, right? Yeah. He should have found – he should – he keeps chasing stuff from the photograph. They're right. after the negatives. They're not after the photograph. He should have at least at one point, yeah. by episode 12, by at one point, yeah. had one red herring he was chasing down that was in the negatives. Yep. That's part of the show that should have existed. If, 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 if there's possibly incriminating evidence that shows that they were staging evidence. Yeah. He should have been able to guess that by now. Or in the Rob Roy episode, it should all come together. You know, where he goes, ah, I understand this thing in this photo. You (laughs) telling me that there's stuff in the photos makes me go, has Tom seen the negatives in his belt? Because if there's bombshells in there, if there's some like, whoa, information in there. Every single episode we've seen, he has seen those photographs, right? You would think. <laughs> but I mean, that's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Like, we're going to get to the end of this to this show. We're going to learn about these episodes. And I'm going to be like, if he saw this ep- if he saw this photograph, he would have done this. If he saw this photograph, he would have done this. If he saw this photograph, he would have done that in all these specific episodes we've seen, right? Sure. Now, um, sorry, did I uh, – maybe I'm misunderstanding you. Did you think that I was saying that there are – the other photos are going to be significant in the future. That's what I thought you said. Oh, sorry. Uh, if so, I don't remember. I, I don't. I don't. There. I. I don't necessarily was saying anything about the negative. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Um. Sorry. There are. There are just some. Some. Some like details we learn in the future that. Okay. Change a okay. lot of things. So you don't remember necessarily stuff from the negatives being specifically right, drawn out. Right. Sure. That's good because freaking there can't be anything of value in them because yeah. otherwise he would be basing I, his moves now. I don't think it ever comes down yeah. to okay. like, okay. oh no, this, this here in this photo, you can see the, he took a picture of the blackboard where they're like, this is how we're going to frame Tom. And then we're going <laughs> right. to make erase him and so on. Right. I don't think the other pictures ever like directly if, come out. If he had a picture of the, the people not yet hanged without the cloth sacks on their head. Sure. That's the photo. Okay. Basically, if that photo exists, in his negatives, that's the photo they're worried ex- exists. Sure. Right? Yeah. If that's true, someone should come out and explain it just like that. Yeah. Um, and he should be trying to find those people. Absolutely. He should go back to Venezuela yeah. or wherever this was and be interviewing people again. <sighs> yeah. So – um. It's a great show. We love it. We did a podcast about it. That's how much we were fans of the show. We would not. I don't. We would not be doing this if this show, if we didn't think the show had that's potential. That's true. If we that's true. In, did not enjoy. That's a good point. Watching and talking about this show. This is not uh, right. This is our frustration shows how much we are. We care. Uh, we care. Yeah. It's not indifference. It's uh, it's frustration. Right. 
Okay. So Tom asks where Allison is. Sandra says that she's safe, but they wanted to keep her safe until after the deposition. She assured Tom that they are not them. You know, like, don't worry, we'll we'll get her to you. Just hang on. Yeah. Uh, she hands Tom a note with her name, address, and phone number if he needs to contact her. Um, and then she gets a phone call, so she leaves the room. He snoops through her bag and finds her ID and mm-hmm. notices that the uh, the address on that is different than the one she gave him. In fact, it's in a different state. Um, so he, uh, I think one is in Virginia, the other's in Georgia. So he hears her coming back. He puts his stuff back. Um, she has to leave. We then see Tom trying to call Allison again, like he's getting that voicemail again. Um, the answering machine. The answering machine. Thank you. And, uh, the bodyguards come in to, they bring in groceries to make Christmas dinner. Um, Tom sneaks over to, I, one of their, I don't know which one, one of their, one of their, Coats. One of their coats. He he reaches in and grabs the keys to their car, and then he tells them that the he's, bodyguards you're referring the, to. Right the bodyguards. Just to just to we we took a 20 minute detour. Sure. Yeah. Where the safe uh, house? Rick Rick and Roy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So in the safe house, yeah. Tom sneaks over, steals their car keys, says he's going to go out for a breather, and they're like, "Don't go far." And then he drives away. Which, in the car. if they were real bodyguards, should be fired for that's an okay thing. But they're not real bodyguards, so I'm fine. I guess this is I mean, almost what they. I mean. Gabe, yeah, you know, just is he's that so in- predictable. That's why they were able to ether him with that plane, right? That's the idea. Well, no, they they weren't the ones. Not that them. Ethered. Oh, I'm saying, okay, okay. I'm I saying anybody who spends a little bit of time reading Tom Vale knows exactly how to how to trap him on a plane and ether him. Right? <laughs> They're saying to D, "Are you sure this is going to work on this guy?" And she's like, "Yeah, look, <laughs> this guy. Just trust me. If I had described him in a word, it would be predictable." <laughs> right. My friend Max told me all about it. So um, he steals the car. And um, sorry, there's a little detail here. As Tom is like sneaking out the door to go steal the car, you hear Roy say, hey, I don't think that's such a good idea. And then Tom like looks back. But he no, he's talking about like making dessert Dessert. or something. (laughs) They've eaten too much. Right. So he goes outside. He uh, um, drives away. It we hear some thunder. And then in the next scene, the ground is wet. I don't know if maybe they just, it's weird. Like there's a distinct thunderclap. Okay. But instead of the next scene being raining, it's just that it looks like it has rained. Okay. I almost wonder if they filmed that scene where it had previously rained. Right. And they're like, let's just throw in a thunder. I, I, I would, I, that's easy to imagine. That's the order of operations. Yeah. yeah. So Tom is, he's driving. It's at night. It's wet. He's following a map to the address. One of the addresses, either the address that Sandra gave him or the one that he Stole out of her bag. The reason we don't know is he does not reach his destination. Please continue. Yeah. So he basically he's checking up on her. He's checking to see, do, is she actually, is this for real? He's going to go snoop on the, yeah. Yeah. So a car behind him starts like, they turn on their brights and it has the same sound effect as when someone put a spotlight on Tom in one of the earlier episodes. I don't remember the exact instance, but like it was a distinct <laughs> sound effect that I remember. Yeah. Okay. Um. So this car behind is chasing him. It's like sort of ramming him a little bit, trying to trying to um, knock him off the road. He sideswipes the other car, sending them careen, careening into a parked truck, which then violently <laughs> explodes. As if Extremely it were... Extremely <laughs> violently explodes. We're talking photochemicals explosion, people. Yes, like they had several tanks of gasoline <laughs> just sitting in the back of this truck next to a lit match. <laughs> It explodes. And in a moment or two, there's a there's a, a commercial break. Yeah. And because I'm watching it on YouTube, the bumper for that commercial break is once again this exploding truck. 
They put their money into that exploding truck. And like, yes, they're going to make sure you see it. And originally, I was like, "Did Tom just get a, a passerby killed?" And I'm like, and now looking it over <laughs> again, I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." They're just ethering him. This is exactly what they want to happen. Well, yeah. So that's not a real person in a real truck. So someone, if we are to believe that this is all a ruse, they sent someone to rough him up. Right. And then he killed them. Or they sent someone and they're like, Tom's going to kill you. Just don't worry. Your family's going to be paid for it. Just go ahead. And I don't it. think they got killed. It's a stuntman. He jumps out of the truck or something. It was unattended. No, no, no. Oh, oh. I mean the guy in the car. Oh, well, that he ran jumps into the out. Truck. <laughs> Okay. Right? No, no. The, the truck was just sitting there. You don't drive a truck with that much gasoline in the back, Steve. You leave it there. <laughs> I thought I thought, I, I thought he was driving a car and the car hit into the truck. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that's, what, that's what happened. Okay. Like, he knocked a car into a truck that exploded. The truck, there was nobody in the truck. There was nobody in the truck. It was just a gasoline truck. It was truck. just the guy in the but car. But the car, Tom just killed the dude. Maybe we are meant to think that the reason the fire was so spectacular yeah. was that it was in fact a special effect that the organization set up. Okay. So, so that that guy is perfectly fine. Well, okay. So here's the thing. However they did it in real life that the person didn't die. Right. That's what the organization well, did. But here's the thing. Yeah. Tom sticks around. <laughs> Someone just tried to kill him. Yeah. Organization related. He knocked them into an exploding truck. Right. And then he just parks his car. And waits for the cops. Like, he is waiting there when the cops and an ambulance show up. Yeah. If he does not trust any of this, which we are led to believe by I get, by the, the repercussions of his quote-unquote actions at the end of this episode, okay. um, he still thinks that this is all suspicious. I think you and I have different interpretations okay. of this episode. Then we'll, then we'll, well, we'll get to that. But I, I just want to talk about it like this. Yeah. I don't think he thinks... This is all the organization. I think he hasn't made up his well, mind yet. I mean, that's what I think too. Okay. But if that is the case, then the ending makes no sense. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Oh, okay. we'll get there. That's interesting. I've got a lot of complaints about this. Okay. Ending. Where I'm at in this scene yep. is that Tom caused a massive explosion yep. and is doing that thing of like, maybe I should back off. Maybe. Well, if I'm wrong, I think he's getting the first amount of conscience of like, if this woman isn't about to ether me, I'm yeah. just stalking her into the bathroom. He has True. that thought for the first time in the entire series. That's where I was at, was that he was like, oh, no, something bad happened because of me. When was the last if I time? I had just been trusting. When was the last time Tom had an interaction with the cops? Is it the first episode? I believe it's in the first episode when Allison is in the car and the cop shows up and takes him away. And I guess we haven't gotten to that part yet, but in this, we are led to believe that that was a member of the organization, which right. I, I guess he doesn't know yet. Another thing, um, what happened last time uh, Tom caused a traffic accident? I don't know. what. what I, there's so many. He hit a little girl on a bike and then uh, the paramedics right. ethered him. That's right. That's right. If I was Tom, even if I just, just <laughs> yeah. caused a huge explosion, I'm out. They can find me again. I'm out. Okay. I am not okay. sticking around to wait until who knows what shows up to to ether me again. All right. Do you have more? I do not understand why Tom stuck around. I'm going to counter it and it's going to be strong. Okay. Go for it. Allison. He's been promised oh, that. Oh, boy. It, okay. <laughs> he's been promised that if he, if he's, if he plays nice, he yeah. gets access to Allison yeah. again. That's what I think happened. I think that's okay. giving them more credit than they deserve, but I think that's what happened. Is that I think it's for me, it's very easy to believe that this time 
even the possibility of seeing Allison, even if she is possibly working for them, is more important than than running away again. If he runs away, no Allison. If he sticks around, even if they capture him, maybe Allison still some way or another. Okay. That is that is acceptable. All right. I will I will take that. All right. Um so except for the boning in the last episode, he has full fidelity we'll, to her. We'll, we'll and except for the boning in the other episode. We'll get to that, don't worry. And the almost boning in the other episode. <laughs> so um so Tom's waiting for all the police and whatever. Um Sandra pulls up, she uh she reprimands him for leaving the house. Yeah. He accuses her of lying about her address. You know, that's why he was going, he was checking up on her. And then she very understandably is like, look, dude, I work in this city. I live in this city. I have an apartment in both. So I don't have to drive across states every day I go to work. Right. I'm not going to give you my home address, but I was going to go home. She says like, I, you know, I thought maybe because we're on the brink of, of finally being done with this. I thought I could go home and spend Christmas with my family. Thanks a lot, Tom. Now I'm back here. You just blew up a truck and you wait around for cops afterwards. <laughs> What's going on? So this is another point where like, they're very much telling me, the viewer, that no, no, this is all on the up and up. Yeah. She's got a very good, very plausible, seemingly perfect excuse for this inconsistency. Yeah. Almost as if they purposely had her have two addresses so that Tom could investigate one of them and then they could trick Tom into knocking a car into an exploding truck. But I and... think that's what it is. That's what I'm saying. I think that's the the, okay, the, okay. the only way I'm able to accept this episode because yeah. of the freaking plane ether game that the, uh, the idea is they're so able to predict him that they can put. Listen, we joke a lot that the way that you mollify Tom Vale is yeah. by having him go on a caper. That's how you calm him down. Yeah. That's how you put him into a weak spot is All by right. giving All him right. a caper. You make a great point. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thank you for providing the counterpoint. I, I appreciate that. Okay. So she tells him like, look, just chill out in a few hours. This will all be over. Right. So um, he doesn't go back to the safe house. We don't, we don't, I mean, like it cuts to the next morning. We know that he doesn't go back to the, the safe house because after the next couple scenes is when he comes face to face with the bodyguards again and they're not happy. Okay. What did he do all night? <laughs> They put him in a different safe house. I don't know. Well, let's assume he got far enough close to Georgia that it, that that's that cut half of his night, and then he had to spend the rest of the amount of time driving back. Okay. I mean, Virginia and Georgia are further away, I think, than. I guess. You yeah, could spend I, I a guess whole night. we we don't know how long he was driving before. Right. We think it happened right away, but you know, let's assume that he didn't get like five minutes outside of the city. Easy. Sure, you sure. know. Okay. Um. So. Next morning, it's the courthouse. Tom gets out of a car to go give his uh, deposition. When he hears someone call his name, there's I mean, there's a big crowd of people, but like in particular, oh yeah, 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 Allison is there in the crowd of people. In the That's crowd great. of people, yeah. he sees her. Eye contact. Smash cut to commercial. We get to see the exploding truck again. <laughs> and it's um, not even a hologram of her. It's not even a photorealistic. This is a, a physical, physical, really her. It's not someone that I don't know. They put an Allison disguise on. It's actually her. So come back from commercial. Tom is waiting in the courtroom. They say it's five minutes before his, his thing. Allison walks in. It's just him and her in this empty courtroom. That's a nice set, by the way. Yeah. I loved the set. I, of this. I want to say it was probably an actual courtroom. Yeah. yeah. It it looked like an actual courtroom. Um, Tom's shocked. Of course he's on edge. He, I loved it because I hadn't thought about this. Yeah. But he is grilling her. He's putting her on trial. It's a Very nice, much. It's, it's the reason I like it, I realize now, is it is an appropriate setting for this reunion. Oh, there you go. That's good. Yeah. I didn't even, that, I didn't even make that. I didn't think about it until now. <laughs> I just knew that I liked it. Yeah. 
Um, and he he says that like he says it's too soon. He he just says like it's too soon. I think it's that he's it's too soon for him to welcome her back with open arms right, or whatever. Right. He starts asking her like you're saying. He starts grilling her. He asks her why she did it. And she says, you know, you know what they're like. They can be terrifying. They forced her to act the way that she did. She asks if Tom can give her a chance. She says that, you know, he said he says that she'll have to go over everything, every little bit, starting with when they left his studio in episode one. What? The the thing, the way he says it is nice. I don't have the wording, but the way he said it was like it was it was a nice. I've not been married, but it was a nice marital moment. Okay. It was a nice, listen, I need you to give me your best right now. Sure. I am sure if, you, if this is real, you have been through hell. I, I apologize, but I promise I have been through worse. Yeah. I need you to give me the benefit of the doubt and be the one to explain right now. The way that he explained it was in that sort of tone of like, if we're going to do this for this to work, if we're going to try, if I'm going to trust you, I I need this first. And sure. it was just, it was just a nice appeal. It was, it was a nice appeal. So he asks her, you know, you don't see again, not to overgeneralize, but there's not a ton of opportunities that I have seen in film and television where like the guy is the one who knows exactly what he needs from 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 the woman in the relationship where sure. like he was so clear about like, listen, these are the boundaries. This is what I need to go forward. It was just it was just a nice moment. It's it, it made me <clears throat> it put very needed points back in Tom's corner for me for okay. liking the character because there's so many times that we whittle away where it's like tom 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 <laughs> we got a lot of these left stop being a dumbass yeah it was one of those things that was like oh, i love tom there's okay. very th- okay. and those are so needed at this point yeah so for me that was a really nice um, i mean it's, given st- what- it's stuff like that that makes me really like this episode except the questions at the ending raises sure which yeah i will raise when we get to the ending <laughs> yes sir um so yeah he asked allison like start at the beginning when we left my studio what happened? The gallery, yeah. The gallery. Leaving the gallery. Um, so she says they went to the bullpen for steaks. They talked. She said something about his mother, and he got upset. Uh, so we went to the men's room. She was actually afraid she had ruined the moment, which is a nice little detail it in is. this story because it's like she's not just reading off cue cards. She's like, this happened, this happened, this happened, and this is the emotional reaction that I had to this happening. So when I, you I, say I she's it. not just reading off cue cards, are you talking about organization cue cards or the actress is actually acting? Oh, I meant like organ. I meant like it. It's, it, it's not like the character was told. Okay, this event, this event, this event. It feels like she was actually there when all this happened. Yeah, like like she's actually t- t- saying the truth. And is your position that she is lying right now? Yes. Okay. Hundred percent. Okay. That's that's my that's my position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. So just 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 a counterpoint. Yeah. I am not a hundred percent. I don't know where my percentage is, except that I definitely lean in. She is, I, I, if it's possible to fool one person, yeah, I think it's possible to fool two well, okay. people. We'll get to why I yeah, think, absolutely. why I think. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, no, I'm curious to say, I just want to, I just want to clarify for, for the coming comments. That's where I'm going to be coming from is I think it's entirely, everything I've seen so far. Sure. I'll hear your arguments, but everything I've seen so far, I still think it's possible. Okay. It's, she's it's all just... stuff from the last 30 seconds of the episode. We'll, okay. We'll get there. So, um, so yeah, what the way she speaks is really nice because whether or not she's telling the truth, it It feels feels like like she's telling the truth. Yeah. Um, so she says after a few minutes, a man came and told her that he'd been taken ill in the men's room. The man said Tom was taken outside. So they took her outside. When they got out there, they shoved her in a van and interrogated her, telling her that if she didn't cooperate, they would kill Tom. Now, this is probably just similar writing or whatever, but I think it is very 
peculiar. Okay. That they use the same phrase that uh, Tom, not Tom, what's his face? The guy in uh, in New Phoenix. Okay. I don't remember the guy. Uh, but the, I, the guy who runs the The guy the in place. charge. Paul? He, Paul. That's the fr- Taken ill is the phrase that they use to refer to people who were silenced in New Phoenix. Oh, okay. I've never heard that. Fr- I mean, I know it's a phrase, but sure. I've never heard someone actually use you never that encountered phrase it. outside of this show. Yeah. So the fact that she uses it to, so someone from the organization said this to her, and it is the exact same terminology used by someone who ostensibly is not part of the organization, but was becoming just as bad as the organization. Okay. If it were intentional, you could say, oh, maybe that uh, opens up new questions about the actual nature of New Phoenix. However, I don't think it was intentional. It's just weird that they used the same phrase. Yeah. Uh, th- this show is very is pretty clear about telegraphing its... Yeah. This is, this is a callback to a previous thing, like with its cigars. Right. And with its stuff falling on the floor, which is why th- when he finds his dad and there is a guy who maybe is from the organization... But he doesn't have a cigar, Gabe, so he's probably okay. <laughs> right. So, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I thought it was, I, I it caught my ear, but I don't think it's significant, but it's it's a weird, maybe maybe use a different turn of phrase. I agree with you. The, in, in acting, they the, the teacher said, you got to get control of any nervous tics you have yeah. and weird stuff that you say. Because the audience is going to assume everything that you say is deliberate. Is, is deliberate. And yeah. so... You know, I'm watching this scene, he said, and I'm like, why is Juliet swaying back and forth? Oh, she's not swaying back and forth. The actress doesn't know that she sways back and forth sure. and that I'm going to read that as Juliet swaying back and forth. Yeah. Um. So similarly, I do think plenty of good chance that it's just you can't say take an ill. No one says take an ill. Yeah. And I mean, hey, in my own writing, I'm always a fr- be like. There's a lot of phrases that I use that I'm always afraid someone is going to be like, he keeps using the same freaking every every story uses this phrase at some point. And I don't know. And you're pretty meticulous about not duplicating writing. Even within a piece of writing, you'll be like, I said this exact same thing a paragraph ago. Let's find a different way to say it. So, yeah, it's definitely a thing to worth to worth worth watching for. But, yeah, I doubt like if it was intentional, I think that would be a really interesting thing to raise. But. Yeah. It never gets brought up. So yeah. um, Tom doesn't believe her because of how she acted in the car when he uh, showed up in her backseat the next day. And she says it's because the in, police in the first episode, in the first episode. Yeah. Sorry. It, because the policeman that came to the window wasn't a policeman. It was the man that uh, that took her outside and threw her in the van. Yeah. So, like, of course, she had to act like Tom was a madman or whatever. Tom says that he saw her at Callaway Mental Hospital talking to Bellamy. She went there to try and see if there was anything that she could do to help them. She And this is all great stuff. Like, again, if they want us to believe that this is all real, they're doing a great job. Yeah. This was the point where I was just like, oh, I'm stuffed. So much exposition. Yeah. So much yeah. freaking information we haven't known. So, like, she didn't know. The real thing is she didn't know Bellamy was in on it. This place has existed for 50 years. You right. know, this, this mental hospital. There was no way she could have known that they were all in on this organization thing. She went there to talk to Bellamy to be like, my husband isn't crazy. You got to let him out. What be- can I do to help? Because until you have experienced the level of ubiquity in this organization. Yeah. You just assume that they don't have that reach of power. Surely not everyone in the world is in on this. To, to, to her credit, Tom also thought that it was a real mental hospital. To be fair, 
when I watched this episode for the first time, I didn't think all of these people were in on it because right. surely not everyone could be in on it. Yeah. And Apparently. we still don't know, but but I it's guess. but it's definitely easy to fall into. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We don't think that these are the bad guys because we haven't right. learned to distrust everybody yet. Right. So Bellamy told her that he would examine Tom and if Tom was sane, they let him out. And, you know, Tom is sane, so surely they'll let him out, right? Yeah. She was expecting Tom to be out the next day, but obviously, as we know, that didn't happen. Right. She says ever since she got up from the table that night, she worried about him and looked for him. She thought that she would die. She didn't think she could make it without him. She didn't want to make it without him. Then I have in my notes. Meanwhile, Tom was boning at least two chicks and strangling guys with belts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a woman interrupts saying that they need Tom in the other room. So we cut to after the deposition. It's all like it's over. You know, as far as we know, Tom's part is done, I guess, except for giving them the negatives. But like it went well. He told them all the stuff. He's got Allison. She's fine. Sandra says they, they do need the negatives to make the arrests. Tom says, I'll give you the negatives once they've been arrested. And that's his deal. Take it or leave it. I don't really think that's how law works. I don't think that you can say like, uh, hey, I'll tell you where the bodies are hidden after I'm free from prison. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. Um, Whatever the case, back at the safe house, uh, this is where he see, he's he's face to face with the bodyguards again. Yeah. And they, they are unhappy. And then uh, Roy comes up and he's like, I was going to make you hot chocolate with peppermint sticks. You should have stuck around. <laughs> it's like he's so in love with Christmas. Yeah. Uh, Tom doesn't apologize. He makes a quip about messing up their car. and then I don't know if Tom has ever apologized now that you mention it. Just in the whole series. That's not his style to apologize. I've said in my notes a couple times, like, he said it. He, he sounded like he was making an apology, <laughs> but he didn't actually apologize. Um, Tom says he's going to need some privacy with Allison. So it cuts to uh, the two of them there. In front of a fire, they're, you know, very close, face-to-face. Tom talks about how upset he was when he saw Allison with some other guy. It's like he didn't exist. Meanwhile, Tom went off and boned a couple chicks. Allison says... <laughs> not the next day, oh, game. <laughs> But yesterday, <laughs> the previous episode... Anyway, yeah. um, Allison says, next time this happens, remember that I only have one man in my life. And then Tom says, next time? Is this a joke or not? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, so Tom and Allison kiss, and I wonder if he's going to tell her about the two plus chicks he boned. <laughs> he starts inspecting Allison's I mean, body. I I thought about that a lot. Yeah. And I assumed that, you know, no, he's not. Go- not not <laughs> of never. Course, of course no, not. But just that, you know, I'm sure it is actually something that he is very torn up about. Sure, sure. And like, I, I'm pretty sure in a minute he rebuffs a sexual advance from her. Doesn't he? He goes, uh, does he not? He does. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so I think, you know. Is not called out, but I. it's easy for me to insert the idea of like, okay, in addition to him not being sure if this is Allison, also there's some information you might want, Allison. You might want to stick around for a little bit before we, I mean, they Just still go for it, but. Two lines of dialogue. Have Tom say, look, Allison, there's a lot of things that I did during the last six months. That's great. And then have Allison say, it doesn't matter. Okay. That's in the past. Okay. Or, so, or something. Yeah, yeah, something to that effect. You know, whatever. Um, or we'll talk about it. Exactly. Once. We have all the time in the world for, for you to, to, to exactly. tell me about it. So um, he starts inspecting Allison's body, possibly to make sure it's all familiar, I think is is kind of what. I mean, he's looking for a birthmark. Well, yeah. So 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 to to inspect to make sure that it's her. Yeah, I guess. Um, Allison suggests they go upstairs and he can inspect her more closely. <laughs> nudge, nudge. <laughs> Tom is hesitant. He says he needs time. Allison says, well, you just said they have all the time in the world. Uh, cut to commercial. 
I guess. Um, so it's morning. Tom wakes up. The bed is empty. He starts freaking out. He calls out for Allison. Right. He hears nothing. He runs around the house, eventually does run into her coming out of the kitchen. And she says, Tom, you woke the kids, the bodyguards. Actually, that moment was fascinating. Yeah. Because for a second, I thought we were going down a different path. Yeah. Where they had kids. Like for like a split second, I was like, oh, is this a new warped reality for him? I think, yeah, I think each time that I've watched this episode, I have forgotten what comes after that. And I've been like, whoa, whoa, what just happened? Right. Like, yeah, what if? It's like, wait, we have kids? And so it's a completely, so like she's there and it's a just, it's not, she's, like, she's ignoring him. It's a different warped reality. I mean, if this, if this were supernatural, like I thought it was the first time I ever watched it, mm-hmm. that would be such a great fake out. Like, yeah, I like I'm thinking of their episodes of Star Trek where like a character yeah, yeah. suddenly finds himself in an alternate universe where like, wait a minute, honey, we're married. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, what are you talking about? We just, you know, whatever. But uh, no, that is not this show. She's just making a joke. Um, So Tom tells her you can't just go disappearing on him like that. She says she's going to go back into the kitchen to make breakfast. She can leave a trail of breadcrumbs or something. <laughs> so, OK. Um, It's clear they were made for each other. Right. Quip so, style. As this episode, this episode does the same thing the episode with his father did, where it really shows us how hard it would be for Tom to acclimate to being with something familiar again. Yeah. And then the end of this episode is going to make that all but impossible. Yeah. So if not impossible. So the next scene is in like a curio shop of some sort. It's real hard to determine what this shop exactly was for. On a shelf, they had glasses and plates. They had perfumes and oils african tribal masks on i've the wall. never thought about this ridiculous store it's real weird and there's they were... no reason for them to be there at all no like, like it's the, it's the, the only of, yeah the only thing is to i think lead us to what we see in yep. the next scene yeah. we'll get to that so mm-hmm. they're in this store and we see a suspicious looking man kind of following tom around but it's also winter and he could just be wearing a long coat he could, but it's he, hard to know. He he yeah, he sort of he's wearing a long coat, sort of looks like he's hiding something under it, but he's like paying a lot of attention to Tom and Allison. We don't see it, but the bodyguards are also here. We see them in a moment, but like if you saw them before that, I wouldn't feel concerned. Right. But they probably they kind of obfuscate the fact that they are also five feet away yeah. at this time. But anyway, um the guy whips something out of his jacket and Tom, seeing quick motion, he freaks out. He grabs Allison, pulls her out of the way, knocks over a plate, or not a plate, uh, uh, a table, a table of of oils or something. And it turns out the guy was just taking photos. He's a photographer taking photos, paparazzi taking yeah. photos for this news thing that's going on. At which point the bodyguards like show up out of nowhere and appear to beat the guy up as Tom <laughs> and Allison like book it out of the store. Okay. Um. So then that means that. That guy surely was part of the organization, right? I think so. Um, it's just weird to me that... It's got to be, because there is no pro- real... Pro- probably. It, ha- it has to be, because there's no... Well, I suppose civilians could read the newspaper and think... Here's the thing. I don't actually think yep. all of the newspapers look like that, necessarily. This okay. truck showed up and dropped down a pack of newspapers. True. But in a moment, there will be a crowd of people outside standing around the TV, which watches what this whole thing, going out to the store, all of this was for. So all are all those people also working for I think the organization? It could be. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I guess we don't I we, I don't know. I mean, the other how many option is were, some random people learn about Tom Vale. Like like there's all there's True. so I mean, you know, it would be a 
But Tom, we know Tom Vale is a person that exists in the world. Yep. He has not been erased from the world. Or at least, I guess, I guess that was just, well, that was just his dad's memory. Because I remembered in the episode with his dad, I was, I, I made a point of mentioning that it was the first time someone has mentioned remembering Tom, like Tom's exploits in the past. Okay. Because his dad like read about Tom in the newspaper and stuff back when he was a photojournalist. I guess this isn't exactly, this isn't the same thing. Okay. So anyway. Tom and Allison, they go outside, they they go down the street, there is a TV playing where we see In a in a shop window. In a shop window. There's a yeah, TV's playing where we see Sandra being interviewed. They have just arrested all of the members of the organization. They are, have a bunch of guys, police are putting them in a police van or whatever. And she's being interviewed and she's like, Yep, it's all over. Tom Vale can go home and be in, and rest easy. And he can give them those, give us those negatives too, because it's all over. <laughs> And, uh, the next, so I always, I always put like titles for the scenes, usually based right. on what, uh, what the, where it takes place. Scene 10 is, uh, why are there still 15 minutes left in the episode? <laughs> so they're back at the safe house. <laughs> Tom is opening Christmas presents, including one from Sandra. Cause she's in the room. Oh, right. Inside is a huge file all about Tom. Apparently all the organization people, they just arrested. All of them were willing to give up information in order to save their hides. Yeah. And this is. Their entire file on him. It's nice. There's a photo of, uh, he's like, oh, I've been here. We see uh, Max Webb. We see um, the facility from episode two where yep, he yep. poses Dr. Bellin. Yeah, yeah. So like callbacks to earlier episodes. That's really cool. That's that's one of the reasons why I think that like this is where they, they knew that they knew where they were going. So they were like, okay, this episode's canon. This other episode is canon. <laughs> Maybe forget about New Phoenix. Maybe forget about the psychic kid. Forget about when he was going to become a, for- a farmer. Okay, yeah. No, I think you're, I mean, that's pretty much correct. Yeah. They are, like, the, <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. That's funny. Yes. So, um, so anyway, like, this is the file he was trying to get back in episode two and, and in, in the Max Webb episode. Like, he was trying sure. to get his yeah. file yeah. in those episodes and this is it. So, um, this is ostensibly it. Ostensibly it. Right, right. So, Sandra it's just said, as much a Laura Mipsum text on all the other ones. <laughs> right. So, Sandra says, like, you know, okay, we made the arrests. You said you'd give us the negatives after the arrests at your leisure. <laughs> Please get us the negatives whenever you can. Until then, have a good, have a happy, Merry Christmas. You know, you're, you're free. You're safe. She says, a, I don't know if this is in your notes, but she says a nice thing about like, if you get it done in time, maybe we can get you guys home for the new year. Yes. There you go. That's a, this would be a nice way to start over again, wouldn't it? It's like, yeah. oh, that's a nice idea. Like, yeah, new year, new, not having to run from secret shadow organization. Yeah. You know, New Year's resolution. To, I, I don't know what it would <laughs> new be. New Year's resolution, stop boning other chicks. <laughs> and belting people. Yes. Um, may, maybe light a couple of people on fire. We'll see. We'll see, we'll see about that. Um, so... Uh, so Tom is taken aback a bit, but he understands. He says he doesn't have them here. He'll have to go get them, yep. but he says he'll do it. A buzzer goes off. Uh, Allison apparently made Christmas dinner and Tom didn't realize it. We find out in a moment because Roy helped her out. Oh yeah. Um, as she leaves the room, Sandra asks how things are with Allison. Tom says there's, they're good. There's still some adjustment that needs to be done. She wishes him a Merry Christmas and she leaves. Um, in the other room, Allison is basting a turkey. I know a lot about uh, medicine. <laughs> I also know a lot about you know a ton about about cooking, turkeys. particularly making turkeys. Uh, he's real good. These these are solidly. Uh, Gabe makes good turkey. If I if I could say so myself, I think they they are pretty good. Uh, don't baste a turkey. Oh, just don't do it because here's, <laughs> okay. here's the thing. So when you baste a turkey, the idea is 
you are picking up the juices, squirting them on it, so the you know the juices can can absorb back in. Okay. The problem though is that every time you open the oven, you are letting out so much heat mm. that you are making it so that the turkey is going to have to be in there longer before it's oh. fully cooked, and therefore it's all just going to evaporate out anyway. Okay. So what you should do instead is brine your turkey. Oh, that yeah, way, right, right. it's all got liquid in there to begin with and then cover the turkey so that if it does evaporate it's still trapped in the in the pan mm. so like it doesn't just escape it's not gonna so it doesn't escape every time you open the oven and also don't be constantly opening the oven and brining so, is that's when you like stick it in a bucket overnight you right? soak it in salt water for i do it over like i do it for at least 24 hours yeah um there's other ways to do it too but like it's it's great and like it's so easy it's so everybody talks about how hard it is to make a turkey mm-hmm. Um, once I learned how to do it, like it's once, once, even if you just read instructions on how to do it the way I do it, it's real easy. So you're saying if by brining it, it also makes it easier because when you're not opening and closing the, the door, you're able to much more reliably know how long to keep it in the oven for. Is that part of it too? Uh, Yes, that that is part of it. So when you're brining it, you're, you're filling it with liquid. So it will, it will be juicy. Right. You're also making it so that you're not, it doesn't doesn't have to cook as long because you are, you're not letting out the heat all the time. Yeah. Okay. Cause I know from, from my mom, Mm -hmm. like it's a stressful thing to build a turkey dinner because it's hard to know when it's going to be done. I just follow the the time it tells me on the package for that wait. For that like wait. four hours or whatever. I set it for so, that amount of time. Perfect. Every so time. what I'm wondering now is, is opening and closing the door what's causing the variable temperature? So that's fascinating. Maybe. That, Maybe. that because you don't have to do that because you brine it, yeah. you're 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 able to to get a consistent time. That's fascinating. Maybe, yeah. So like, um, I mean, this is a huge tangent it's or whatever. It's a huge but, uh, tangent. Like, but... like when, when I was going to make a turkey for the first time, I watched a bunch of videos. I uh-huh. watched Alton Brown and he was like, you always see people basting turkeys. Right. You don't need to do it. It's, it is actually bad for making the turkey. Okay. So like, just do it this other way. You don't even have to do it. It's, it's on the show that we talked about tetanus not being from nails, right? Correct. Okay, so we learned about that. Yep. We learned about turkeys. We learned about IVs. There's not actually a needle in there. There's just a shunt. Correct. Oh, we, I, we've learned so much. Yep, that's it's an edu- educational podcast that we've <laughs> got is. going on here. So anyway, Allison uh, tells Tom that she has a surprise for him and that he'll like it. So he says, okay, well, you know, let me just go. Let me go run out for a minute and I'll be back. And he, she asks what he's going out for. And he's like, well, I'm going to get us our ticket out of here. He's going to go get the negatives. Yeah. So we see him leave. Um, as he's, as he's getting ready to leave, we see Roy and Rick are leaving as well. Uh, they wish Tom a Merry Christmas. They have, they have families to get to. It's, it's all over. So he doesn't need body, bodyguards anymore. So they're, they're heading out. So Tom watches them leave. As Tom goes to leave himself, he hears a crash from the other room. He like stops and looks over, ignores it and leaves. Yeah. I guess, let me just pose the thing. If, if this was... Never mind. I'll get. To, I'll get. Sure? I'll get. To okay. Right. I. This isn't something I wrote in my notes. It's just like I thought that was going to be something. I thought it was that the one time he decides not to go freak out about a breaking noise, he the should or- have gone. He should. The organization they just kidnapped so Allison or something. So but it turns out it's nothing. Yeah. So anyway, uh, cut to commercial. We come back. The next scene I have titled "Huh." Still ten minutes left. <laughs> Uh, so Tom is back. It's nighttime. He came back in a cab. Um, music is playing in the house. It smells good. Allison's making gravy. They're all lovey-dovey in the kitchen. Tom goes to get washed up. Um, Allison, it looks like she's sort of like, she, she looks kind of preoccupied with something. Um, Tom asks her where the surprise is. And then he walks into the dining room and his mother is there. I think, I think last time we recorded, I said I was going to 
go back and find out if his mother died in the first episode because I thought she did. Yeah, I thought so too. I didn't go back to watch it. I don't think she did. Okay. Just the way that they talk, he's not like, Mom, you're alive. It's, right. It's just, I, but, but she had she had had a stroke and she said that she had no son, Yeah, I guess. Because, yeah, he would have told his dad like, Mom, Oh, mom's dead. Yeah, 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 that's a good point. Um, anyway, so his mom is there. She's alive and well. She does not look, I mean, she, she, I was going to say she doesn't look like she had a stroke. She, in, in fiction, she, it's sound, they, they act like she has recovered from her stroke, at least. Right. You know, so she apologizes to Tom for what happened because like, you know, it's not that she was coerced. It's that she, she disowned him basically. And because of the circumstances around it, like it didn't help anything. It made everything worse. Yeah. So she apologizes. She says it took a stroke and 10 years of loneliness to make her realize how wrong she was about a lot of things. She wants to know if Tom will let her make things right. And he wishes her Merry Christmas and he gives her a hug and he, he, he's tearful. So um, scene 11 is titled, Really? Do they think I don't know how TV works? They're talking about Father Carney, which if you recall in the first episode, that was the, she was very close with this pastor when Tom showed up and she had been sick or she had had her stroke. He was like, well, what happened to Father Carney? He should be here. And they're like, oh, Father Carney died. And then here you find out, yeah, he did. Um, he died some sometime before the first episode started, like a couple months ago. Tom says that she looks pretty good. And she says it was difficult, but they're a family of fighters, which definitely Tom is. Tom brings up the nurse and the police officer. He brings up a bunch of the, the stuff from the first episode, like, you know, you know, they kind of, we all freaked out and some punches were thrown and cars were stolen and guns were fired. Uh, she says that he made a big impression on them. The town talked about him as an escaped lunatic for some time. Yeah. Shouldn't they still? Because that was about six months ago. Um, but anyway... Tom's still a bit, f- bit fuzzy on the details, but mom admits that she didn't exactly help by disowning him. She heard himself saying the words, but she said them anyway. Like she she knew that it wasn't right, but she still said it. She's still tearful. She hopes Tom can forgive her. He laughs and he goes over and gives her a kiss. And then he says, you know, maybe this will just be a new start for all of us. And then I wrote in my notes, you got, to- you got five minutes left for that new start, Tom. <laughs> Scene 12. And there's only five minutes left until there's half a season. No! <laughs> Tom and Allison start making out. He feels for a birthmark on her thigh. He finds it. Tom asks uh, Tom asks if everything else is still there. And she says, last time I looked. And he says, well, he's going to look for himself. Scene 13. Here we go. The next morning. So presumably they just boned. Yeah. Um, yeah. The next morning, as the scene starts, we hear a car drive away. Tom wakes up and everything is ransacked. His back his back is open. What? His bag is open. <laughs> His bag is open. All the pictures on the walls are like tilted, like somebody looked behind them. Couch cushions are cut open. Back in the father episode, I mentioned there was a sound effect that they used in the background. Yeah. That was like a, a megaphone, like a distorted voice mm-hmm. saying something real. Just It was real creepy in the background. Yeah. That is in full force during this scene, and it is very unnerving. Mm-hmm. The whole house is empty. Everything's in disarray. It's just Tom. Everything is gone. Yep. Everything's gone. Allison, mom, everyone, everything. Tom notices there's a VHS tape with his name on it. Puts in the VCR. He plays it. It's a recording of the news broadcast of all of the organization members being arrested, except this is, they're doing take 47. So obviously this is all staged. They're all actors. This isn't real. 
This was all set up to get Tom to give them the negatives. And then there's a Christmas card right above the, the TV or the mantle or whatever with in Allison's writing credited as Allison. And it says, where did you put the negatives? How did you figure it out? And so while this is the weird noise is going on, Tom kneels down next to this like little Chris, rotating Christmas light display thing. And the negatives are in there. He takes them out. Uh, the camera slowly trucks back. We then see cut to Tom on the road, walking off in the distance as We Wish You a Merry Christmas is sung by Men's Choir. And the that's not really a huge detail, but like given the circumstances, it felt very sinister to me. Okay. Just these men singing We Wish You a Merry Christmas. Okay. Like they're singing this happy, jolly song juxtaposed to someone juxtaposed with. with the horror that has just happened. Yeah. So cut to credits. That's the end of the episode. That's the episode. I have a lot to say. The big question is, Steve... What happened? Like, first off. Yeah. Got a, got a few different points. Yes, here. sir. First yeah. off, as far as we know, Tom didn't figure it out. At no point did Tom make it seem like he had figured it out. It didn't seem like, okay, he still doesn't trust them. So he's not going to give them the negatives. The The language you just used was at no point. Okay. You, well, you, I mean, you clearly don't mean that. So let's re- I reframe mean, that because clearly he went to Georgia okay. under the so, assumption the point we are left at the immediately before that scene, when he has gone to bed with Allison, yeah, everything that he has tried to determine, yeah, has turned out. It's all legit. Yeah, there was no point where I felt okay. Tom still doesn't believe them. It's like last ditch effort. Feel for that mole. It's there. Hey, let's go bone. I really didn't feel like Tom was still distrusting at the end of the episode. Maybe wary, but. There was no point where he had the decision, I can give them the negatives or not give them the negatives. Okay. It just goes from everything seems fine and good. They've given up on him. I guess let me let me get to, this might yep, make, yep, make yep, more sense ahead, as I get to my others. Second, why did they burn the whole mission? Even if they thought Tom was onto them since he did hide the negatives, he mm-hmm. didn't, you know, he got the negatives and hid them or whatever. We didn't see him hide them. Why did they trash Wait, everything? Wait, sorry. Go back and say that again? We didn't We didn't see him hide the negatives. Right. He went to go get them. Right. And then next thing we know, it's the next morning and they are hidden in this thing. Right. What was your point about that? If they thought, even if they thought Tom was onto them, why did they trash everything? Why did they reveal that Allison was in on it by having her write the letter? Why didn't they trash everything and then have her still be there and then have her be like, oh my God, Tom, what's, what's happening? They've trashed the house. I just woke up just like you did. Why didn't they leave her as a mole? Okay. No pun intended, I guess, because uh-huh. she had the mole. The birthday thing. Why yeah. not act like she was still on his side so that then, now that he has her, she can then be their leverage to get the negatives. She can get the negatives from him. Why was it worth scrapping everything? Third, if the negatives were in the living room, why didn't they find them? They trashed everything. It's not like where he hid them was some super secret thing. If there had been a scene where, or like maybe even an earlier episode, I don't know, where he was like, okay, I've got this hiding space. Nobody will ever find it. It's Mm -hmm. in my belt or something. If it was in his belt, I'll believe it because that's something he always has on him. Sure. It's just in this piece of furniture. It's in this decoration that's like right in the middle of the room that everything that why why do they search everywhere else but not that one thing the one place where the negatives were and then next when did he hide the negatives there if this was all a ruse 
the safe house is presumably not a safe house, correct? Okay. Why did they not have cameras watching every inch of the safe house? Sure. Not the least of which being the living room. <laughs> yeah. If Tom went and hid the negatives in the living room, why didn't they see it? Sure. And if it wasn't that he hid them in the house, maybe he left, came back. Here's what they could have done. Yeah. When he left to go get the negatives, have him come back with that decoration. But they didn't do that. He came back with nothing. So if he hid them in the safe house while it was a safe house from the organization, there is no reason they did not see every inch of what was going on while he was in there. Okay. That makes no sense to me. So they told Tom, whenever it's convenient for you, yeah. give us the negatives. Yeah. Without even giving him time. Yeah. There wasn't a point where he was like, okay, I'm going to go get the negatives. And then he meets Sandra and she's like, hey, give me the negatives. And he's like, oh, I, uh, I can't just yet. That sure. didn't happen. Sure. He went to go get the negatives. For all we know, he was going to give them the negatives because they haven't given us any indication that he wasn't. Yeah. Just first chance. They have said, salt the earth. This is all pointless. There is no chance he's going to give us the negatives. Get out of here, Allison. Our our one pawn that is Tom's weakness, as you have have established, you're you're worthless. You are not even worthwhile as a pawn to us. Get out of here. Scrap the whole thing. There is no chance whatsoever Tom was going to give us the negatives, even though... We didn't give him the chance. Let's get out of here. Let's not even look in on the videos we surely took of this place. Yeah. What happened? It is so abrupt that it goes from everything is okay. Yeah. Everything is legit. Yeah. Everything is on board. Suddenly they have scrapped everything and they're laughing in his face with their deception. Yeah. What there is. I feel like there's a scene missing here. Okay. That's why I say it feels like they wrote this as an end to the se- to the series, and then they were like, "Oh crap, we got thirteen. You know, we got we got green lighted for the next uh, the next half of the season. Um, um, we already shot the whole episode. Uh, that does happen. Second scene. That's an interesting point. That does happen, and I have seen where at at this point in a series, the show takes a noticeable dip in quality because yeah. it's sort of like they didn't have time to prepare for the next episodes. They needed to I do. mean, there are times when TV that- shows. Film an episode thinking it's the final episode, yeah. and then at the last minute they get more episodes. So yeah. they're like, cut out that last scene. So Let's when you say it like that, that's an interesting point, and maybe it is. Maybe that that's the, that's the first time I've been convinced by the concept that maybe it was written as the finale. Yeah, and they had to shoehorn this in here. I don't know. I, I don't. I've never seen anything that says that it is. But the episode is so in earnest, showing that this is all finally over, right up until that very last scene. You can't. I feel that you can't, we, we talked about some stuff that looks sinister if you know that this is a ruse. Sure. But I don't feel like there's anything that you can really confidently point to and say that is evidence that this is a ruse. Mm-hmm. The best twists are ones that you can then look back and be like, oh my goodness, right. it was there the whole time. Right. When you go back to episode one of a show and you're like, oh my goodness, you can watch and you can say, when you watch Clue. You can yeah. go back to the scenes where you can go back to the scene where Professor Plum was supposedly not there. Ki- he was he right. was killing the cook because that is in that scene. He's not actually there. Right. You can go back and you can see he's not there. Just there will be listeners who will want me to correct that. It's not Professor Plum. Whoever who there's yeah, there's a scene just, where I, it's not, not the important. Cook. Now, who was it? Who was it that killed the cook? Mrs. Peacock. Maybe that's what it's I'm her of. cook. I thought there was a scene where Professor Plum is missing. I mean, Shoot, I'm maybe, sure there maybe, is at maybe some point. I'm wrong about no, this. I don't know. But, but yeah, 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 yeah. Just 
if this was meant to be a ruse, yeah. if, if, if the writers meant it to be a ruse all along, right. I see no evidence of that. I only see things that look sinister because you are viewing them under a sinister light. Sure. As we learned with with many of the previous episodes, with even like Dr. Bellamy, if he is genuine, mm -hmm. all of his lines are happy and friendly. If he is sinister, all of his lines are sinister. Talking with with the, uh, Tom's father two episodes ago. And the father's doctor. And the that, father's doctor. That, that was, the, that, that that was the best place, right? That's the standard to, to measure against. Yes. This does not feel like that scene at right. all. Right. In terms of in terms of that was the one that did a really good job with with the twist. Yeah. This is not up to that standard. I have no problem conceding that. It doesn't even feel like they did it poorly. It feels like they didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, maybe if you feel differently, please tell me. So I don't know. I, I didn't get the idea that this was a last minute decision. Okay. And even today when you were saying you thought they just added this in at the end. I, I mean, I don't, I don't actually think they did, but it you feels don't? like they, that might've been it. It sure. feels like it could it, have. It feels like it's possible now. I, when you talk about, you know, they could have gotten picked up and didn't know that, that they were going to be able to keep going. Um, What it feels like is... Again, I feel like this show is meant to just be tormenting Tom. Yeah. That that the the writers do not feel a sense of duty to make it make sense. Okay. That that they that if if they have to choose, they will choose thing that totally messes with Tom and therefore the audience over thing that makes any kind of sense. Sure. So that's where I come from is that if the writers delight in going, didn't see that twist coming, did you? And it's like that wasn't a twist; that was a lie. Yeah, like like from Bob's Burgers. It's like lie no, isn't no, a twist. It's not. You, you think you were clever just now? You weren't. Yeah, I think they thought they were clever, yeah. and just couldn't see that they weren't. That's where I'm coming from. Do you want some of the head cannon, or go ahead? You, you have um, some look on your face. Go ahead. I just it it feels like there's either it was attacked on last minute thing they uh -huh. they made. Or there's scenes missing that we didn't get that that make it seem like Tom was not about to give away the negatives. Okay. I don't see any indication at that point in the episode that he sure. is let me give not you, let going me give to give away. Let me give you my thing. Sure. Okay. Uh, I think the, the way I'm headcanoning it, yeah. he was unsure okay. until he ran into his mom. Okay. So when he comes home... He d he didn't do this. Yeah. He we see him come in the door, right? Right. Are we sure? Um, I don't want to do the energy for it. What What are you? What are you saying? When, when he comes back home after having gotten the negatives, mm -hmm. we watch him go in the door. We watch him come home. Um. If I there's mean, for, a for what purpose? Because that's when he would have put the negatives in the thing. Okay. I guess let me, let me let's take it. let's take a quick look just to just to be sure. I think he was suspicious even when he came home, and then meeting and then spending the time with his mom and and with Allison is when he drops his guard but he hadn't all right so this is him coming back is that it yeah oh yeah yeah gives the thing to the guy without skipping can you speed it up just so that we can see if there's ever a moment where he's on his own I don't think he is at this point uh, no and like she is basically overseeing the yeah yeah if it would have had to have happened then is what I'm saying like like that's that's when he could have done it yeah if they had made room for it there in this little scene where where he comes home yeah neither of them are at the door his right. mom's in the dining room his wife's in the kitchen so just now like because we we just watched that little bit of the scene yeah if 
when he came in the door, we saw him go off screen yes, for like 10 that's, seconds that's what I'm saying. and then come back. It would justify it I, being I could, in that I thing. Could, I could buy it. Yeah. I could, it's giving him a little bit of credit, but I could buy it. Yeah. But that doesn't happen. He pretty right, much right, goes straight right. to the kitchen and then straight to the dining room and then his mother. Yep. And I feel like that's when we are meant to think he did it, even though there is no actual shot of that happening. Yeah. That's, so that's where I'm headcanoning that bit. Him actually seeing his mother is what I'm headcanoning. He he makes the shift that he's deciding that, that he's going to let his guard down. Yeah. And I'm just going to assume that in 95, you can create a perfect photo duplicate of Allison with computer wizardry, but cameras are too big to hide <laughs> in a safe house. You made up a wonder, you made it, you brought up a wonderful point that if this is their safe house, yeah. um, they absolutely should have cameras. Yeah. They absolutely should Everything have Everything that went on in this house should have been documented, even yeah. the boning, I guess. But <laughs> like, they, this is Tom. They have been trying to get these negative. They've been trying to find out where he's hiding the negatives this whole yeah. time. And- even if they didn't have the cameras, yeah, him pulling out the negatives and mm-hmm. then leaving, they should accost him at that point and see if he has them on his, on Absolutely. his person. Um, now, here's here's what here's what could have happened that would have made the ending as we see it perfect. Because because I am thinking it's just gaffes. Is that where you're going? Like like ways to just do this based on what they are pretending happened? And I I think so. Okay, if if instead of, I don't know how they would, I've got sure. two ideas. Yep. One, one is better than the other. I'll do the, the worst one first. Okay. I don't know how exactly they would convey this, but if they could convey that Tom did not actually go get negatives. Okay. If the, or just if the negatives are not here. Sure. Then that would show that Tom did not trust them to bring the negatives, even though he went to go get the negatives and then came back. Yeah. Or here, I think could have been really good if they found the negatives and they're not the real negatives. Oh. Like. Tom goes over to the, you know, the Christmas decoration or whatever, and he sees that they have pulled out and then dumped on the ground negatives. He picks them up and you see, like, he just went out and got some pictures taken while he was out. And then those are the negatives. But it's not that the negatives aren't there. So they missed the negatives. The negatives were within arm's reach and they missed them, which is ridiculous to me. (laughs) And number two, like, he just... Picks them up. He verifies, yes, they are right here. Yeah. They were right here the whole time. Right. I hid them in just an ordinary spot. And then that's the end of the episode. Yeah. We have talked in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. About role playing a character who is smarter than you. Yeah. That a dragon who has lived for a few hundred years shouldn't actually be the challenge rating that it is. Because sure. it should have had enough to, if, if we in our teenage years were able to figure out this plan that the drag that you as the dungeon master are able to come up with a plan yeah. for, you know, yeah. and, and the, the heroes are able to come up with a way to thwart it. A dragon in its elder years should have had plenty of time to come up with that on, on their own. Yeah. They basically should be Sandra Bullock from oceans eight where they've had time to think about everything. And yeah. it's just, and it all just goes perfectly to plan. And the, 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 it's difficult writing a character who has that amount of forethought. Yeah. It's difficult making it feel believable that a character is that smart mm-hmm. because it sort of just goes beyond what we're able to connect with. Sure. And when a character is so smart that it goes beyond what we're able to connect with, we get bored. Yeah. We get bored fast. If a character just knows what what's going on, the 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 spoilers for the end of, for the end of Watchmen, the character who who screws everybody over is able to tell people how he screwed them over 
because he does it after he completed his plan. Yeah. And it's still kind of a satisfying ending, but it's a downer ending to this, to this movie. It's atypical of the genre. Tom is supposed to be super duper smart. They didn't sell me on it. Yeah. But I believe they believe that they showed how smart Tom is by hiding them in this freaking thing. Sure. This this very obvious place to hide some negatives. That And it's not even like it's the thing itself is hidden. It's just right in the middle of the it's room. Right there. So the idea being, right, like clever mystery writers. Yeah. Right? Like I'm pretty sure there is a Sherlock Holmes where a, a spoilers for Sherlock Holmes stories that were written a hundred years ago. More than. Yeah. Um I'm pretty sure there's one where where everybody's looking for a letter and is literally the same letter flipped inside out on somebody's desk because it's easier to hide it in plain sight. And like that is satisfying, whatever that story is. I don't remember it. But like the idea was it's not on his person. It's not, you know, it's not hidden anywhere. It's hidden in plain sight. It's not where you would think to look for it. It's ballsy. Right. That's what this is supposed to feel like is my is my contention is that we're supposed to feel like, wow. Good job, writers. Tom is so smart. Then that makes the organization feel completely inept because they they ransacked. They looked in the cushions and behind the the paintings, but they didn't look in the thing in the middle of the room. Sure. What I'm saying is you're supposed to modulate yourself not on how dumb they are, but how much smarter Tom is than them. That is how we're supposed to feel. We are supposed to feel that they have so much power. They control Allison. Yeah. Tom's even smarter than them. That's what I'm fairly certain we're supposed to feel at the end of this episode. Did they do it? Not even remotely. And this was an important one. They fucked it up. Yeah. But that's what I think it is, uh, is it's just supposed to be seen where Tom triumphs, even though it was all a ruse, is what the title of this scene is supposed to be. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Allison before we go? Because I don't necessarily know that that was Allison's handwriting. You're 100% sure that was Allison's I handwriting. Mean, he would recognize Allison's handwriting, right? I don't think – if they can, if they have the resources to do all this, I don't think it's that hard to – I don't know. I feel like there's no reason unless they are just trying to – I – The reason I think the okay, – Go ahead. No, no, go, go on. The reason I think there is a note from Allison yeah. is not plot related. Okay. It is tormenting to Tom. The way these right. writers work is look at this terrible haha thing we put you and Tom through is what it feels like. So so you're saying that- I think it's a middle finger to the audience. I don't think it's actually Allison. I think it's them writing it because they know that it will trigger an emotional response stronger than, you know, being signed by the, the, the DA lady. So you're saying that they are deliberately lying to the audience in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like not just lying to Tom, lying to the audience. Or that we, the audience are, I don't know. I don't. Yes. I mean, yes, like, yes. Yes. I am. I, I think so. I don't like that. I mean, maybe, I don't maybe, know. maybe that's what I it is. I don't know. I, I still, what I'm saying is that I, I still either that or mm-hmm. this. It is Allison's handwriting. Let's, let's let's say it's Allison's handwriting. That's probably the easier way to go. Yeah. Let's say it's Allison's handwriting. I don't think it's her message. I think it's her message under duress, maybe. I don't know, but... See, okay. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, yeah, go. Please, please. I actually think that I do agree with you that that, that is meant to hurt Tom and to lie to the... And to, to hurt the audience. Yeah. But I think that it's not doing so by faking Allison's handwriting. I think it's hurting Tom by saying... You idiot. 
either we have Allison and she Allison is on our side, or we tricked you into thinking someone else was Allison. Oh, I don't. Mm. I don't know. No, I mean, I guess he goes for the birthmark a couple of times. So maybe, yeah. the, I mean, they went for that so specifically. I kept wondering, is it is it Allison? Or is it like, you know, Mission Impossible masks where like a person can just be any other person in any Mission Impossible movie? Yeah. But they haven't done masks yet, so I didn't think it was an imposter. <laughs> sure. They have all sorts of stuff like, uh, you know, holograms and crap. So I think it's possible that, that, that Allison was telling the truth when... All this was going on, and yeah. she just also got hoodwinked into thinking that things were safe. So I think they could have hoodwinked Allison as easily as Tom. Yeah. Because Tom believed that she was a real DA. Tom believed that these were real hearings. Um, so I think that all I'm saying is it's possible for them to have uh, made her, you know, lull her into a false sense of security about everything. So much so that she went and got Tom's mom and brought her, brought her around. Yeah. Right. And that Tom's mom would have believed that, you know, all all of these things were true. Like like if if they fooled Tom, the smartest man in the I mean, truly. Sure. Tom is the smartest man in the world in this world. Just that's accept what, that. that's just that's there's no one smarter than Tom. That's the Max Webb episode is tells us no one's smarter than Tom, even as yeah. predictable as you think he is. He's the smartest man. So if they fooled him. They could easily fool, um, I guess, his his wife and mother. So that's that's what I th- was thinking. Um, I, I guess, and then maybe they forced her to do the thing with the handwriting, you know, at, yeah. at the end. I don't as a way to torment. Her. I don't know. I don't know. I just, um, I mean, I, I guess it, it might fit that. Just for, I, I now that I really think about it, I don't know where I'm getting this from. Okay. But the way that it is just signed dash Allison, like. It feels like she is laughing at him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. The note is written as it, a it, laugh at him. Yeah. So unless it is someone else writing it either through her words or through her, her handwriting or by mimicking her. Or, or I mean, like either by making her write it right. or by copying, copying it her handwriting. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess that's why I just assumed that it was Allison and that she was in on all of this. Yeah. I just um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'll be very curious to see what his attitude about Allison is in the following episodes, because up till this point, he's been assuming very staunchly that she minus the boning. He's been yeah. very staunch about. No, I I think she she just loves him. And the thing is, because of the way that's written. Yeah, I don't. Here's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I don't know. You do know or have some idea. So that'll be interesting. We'll, we'll see. see. I am expecting this is a fake out so that later on they mm-hmm. can go and use Allison again. If Allison never shows up again after this point, then it doesn't really matter if it was real or not. Yeah. What matters is what's his relationship to Allison now? That's what we should be talking about is okay. from here on, this has major impact on his relationship to Allison, which is his driving force. Yeah. He can just go back to Blondie. He could go back to his dad. Blondie's pretty safe, actually, because no one shows up to maybe, you know, discover him in this tiny little town full of farmers. It'd be very easy for him to disappear there. He could go back to New Phoenix. Of course, he doesn't know where New Phoenix is. So, no, he can't go back to New (laughs) Phoenix. He just has to. He just just has to chloroform, (laughs) get chloroformed on an airplane. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, the important thing now is what is he what does he believe? And I don't know. And if he if he believes that Allison was against him the whole time or maybe was against him, you know, I, it's going to his character is driven by this idea of I, I know he said it somewhere. I think it's in the Max Webb episode. 
I think Allison does what she does because she really loves him and she's trying to protect him. And so that's where I thought this was going was, was that this was meant to be, if they did anything less than this, Mm -hmm. the audience, let me put it this way. Yeah. I think the audience is absolutely supposed to think at this point that Allison is with them. Okay. I think this is an intentional, and I am trying to outmaneuver them. That's where I'm at. Sure. That's something I should have explained properly. I absolutely think you are supposed to think Allison is with them. I just don't believe it. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. I'm not saying we're, you're, you, the audience member, are supposed to go, no. No, absolutely. You're supposed to think Tom is completely 100% screwed over. Yeah. I just think that's a crap fake out that this this show loves their twists too much and that later on yeah. he's going to be confronted with Allison again at some point or sure. confronted with the idea of Allison and he's going to have to grapple with, was I wrong to believe for those 12 episodes that she was, she was in love with me? You know, like – one of the, in addition, or, or have I been, or did they just trick me again and she's still on my side? Right, exactly. Is it, maybe she really is? There's totally room, and I don't know what he'll do. Yeah, I'm just saying, were I him, I would still at this point have trouble accepting that this note means for sure Allison has been against me this whole time. Okay, because he does not have anything else. Sure. He literally, like like we've talked about it. It'd be nice if he had some other things. He doesn't. He (laughs) literally doesn't have any, because if Allison is working for them and he dismantles them, what does he get? Nothing. Nothing. He gets nothing. At this point, he would be better off taking uh, Rob or the, whatever that guy's name was, uh, just, just giving in because like, then you'll go home. Yeah. You'll at least get Allison back. Even if she is working for them, it's better than not having Allison. Or, Yeah. You know, exactly. What is his end game at this point from yeah. here on out? And it would be so nice to hear him talk about it with another person and not on a voiceover. And I don't expect to be satisfied by that in the next episode. But you tell me things will change soon. So I don't know. Who can say? But the two main things are I would love to have seen him. We, we talk about what I think is going next. I'll tell you where I hope it goes. Yeah. That's kind of what I mean. When I when I ask what do you, what do you think where do I where I hope I'm, it goes yeah sure I hope it goes he finally realizes that they aren't after the photograph that they're after the negatives and looks into the negatives to get some clues that yeah. he uses his possession of the negatives to try to figure out what could even be incriminating in there that'd be nice wouldn't it that would be real nice <laughs> and now given this ending. I want to know what is it. I want to hear him talk about what is his relationship with Allison. I do not expect to get that for four more episodes because it's so spotty when he actually stops and talks about Allison. Yeah. We'll see. But I think, and I think four episodes in, they're going to be like, yeah, this was soon enough. That's, that's how I expect <laughs> it to go. It's like, yeah, this is about when we should address the fact that Allison has maybe probably super betrayed him. Yeah. According to what you're supposed to feel as the audience member. Um, so just one more thing before we finish talking about ahead, the, yeah. the ending, because um, yeah. I, I don't want to harp on the stuff that did bother me anymore. Just just one All more right. thing. Um, if maybe we already ta- said everything we're going to say about it, but like just one more thing. Yeah. So because the note from, from Allison, it says to ask two questions. Okay. Where'd you put the negatives? We know where he put the negatives. I guess the organization was just too dumb to notice that it was in that thing right there. Yeah. But the second part is how did you figure it out? What I what I would like to if there's anything left to discuss. Sure. What made them think he had figured it out? That's another thing that I, that's another one of my sticking. That's one of my sticking points that I, I brought up is okay. like there wasn't a scene that made us think that he had figured right that it they out. should go scorched earth. Yes, that's, that's 
Exactly. Right. Right. If and I actually, I realize another thing that could have happened. Yeah. Um, if there was a scene where like he comes in, we see he has the negatives, and then he has the choice to either set the negatives on the counter or put them in the mail or whatever. Sure. Or not. I, I don't know what what the alternative or go hide them. I don't, I don't know. Right. But there wasn't a point where he actively made the decision not to give over the negatives. So what made them think, and if they had seen that, because I still feel like there should be cameras in there, if they saw he had the choice to give us the negatives and he chose not to, scorched earth, he's not going to do it. Right. But like, he went to go get them, and then before he had a chance to give them over, whether he would have or not, before he had a chance to, Mm -hmm. they gave up, destroyed everything. Was there something that I just missed? No. Okay. No, I, I, there's nothing I can think of that is in the actual footage that makes me think, oh, no, Gabe, this is this. I can with some very heavy handed head cannon. No, there's there's no point in which um, the, here, here's here is where the, the way I, I've been interpreting it. Sure. I hadn't even thought about if they had just freaking kept their calm. Yeah. They, they told Tom, the negatives. in just a few hours, this will all be over. Someone should have said that to them. Wait until he has interacted with you again and see if he gives over the negatives. I, I'm i fairly certain, fairly, but I don't know. So certain's too far. Again, Tom is the smartest person in this world. Yeah. Not us or the organization. Yeah. Is it too far to assume that the idea is they got cocky and assumed that they did such a good job of making him believe their ruse that definitely he has the the, the negatives in the house? Let's not give him the chance. Let's not give him the chances where I'm coming from. That's where I think that's the best description I can come up with. So like, let's not give him the chance to make a choice about it. If he's if 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 he. So, like, we're not going to wait until he gives them to us. We're just going to take them. We're not going to wait until he decides to give them to us. If he left to go get the negatives, the negatives yeah. should be in the house. We did such a good job. I'm sure I'm sure the negatives are in there and we'll find them. And then, much like a Disney villain, yeah. they brought about their own demise by burning the thing. I don't think... It's just like, then the only... Th- they had everything right, except they just... Forgot to look right there. <laughs> they did everything else right, and then they just completely biffed the last, the last foot of it, <laughs> while push and, and, while pushing the other person to the the end of the race. They were like, "Oh, we got this race here. We'll push you. We'll push you past it." Oh, wait a minute. Again, I I think the 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 negatives being in that little light thing, yeah, is meant to be interpreted as a smarter thing than is logical. True or false? When we first see the negatives in his belt, other than the ridiculous other circumstances of when we see the (laughs) negatives in his belt, you think that's so freaking smart. Yeah. I don't think they had two in them, the writers. (laughs) And they were like, just, I I think that little, you know, do you remember, I don't remember what I said last time in the father episode, but I was like, I think there's a sign that says this on this box of things that broke or whatever, like priceless Thing, I think that little color light thing yeah. had painted on it as good as Tom's belt. That's what I think it says. Okay. That's that's okay. how I'm interpreting it. Yeah. Not that it was because it super freaking wasn't. Right. But imagine if it were as good as the belt. 
Imagine that. Okay. I mean, well, because because I am thinking to myself, it could have been if it was this other thing that was like, oh, they're definitely not going to look at that. Right. That's right. That would have made saying, more sense. I'm saying imagine that it is good as the thing you're imagining in that sure, spot. Sure. Because like the other two times he has gone for the negatives, uh, right, was the belt. And then the, in the first episode when Bellamy's in his, stu- in his studio uh, gallery. Yeah. And like – he, like in the wall vent or something. Right. Like like he went to go he, – he does a fake out, right? He does Where a he, fake out, yeah. Right? And that's when it's really smart, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, man, that's so smart. I think any time Tom hides the negatives, we're supposed to think it's as cool as that. This show has a track record of deciding a thing is cool without checking if a thing is cool. <laughs> Good point. They have Good a track point. record. So that's, that's what – so I have a filter in my head for – this was supposed to be cooler than it was. When he shows the thing for the audience, that's actually them being kind to the audience to let the audience know, hey, the, the, the they didn't get the negatives. The negatives are safe. Sure. That's what it, that's what I absolutely – that's the first thought I had was like, oh, okay, fine. They, they didn't get them. And I moved on from they should have been able to find them because if they hadn't shown them, if it was in some other, you know – location or something Mm -hmm. they would have had to pay to go and get another location and they were in both san francisco and dc in this episode it was an (laughs) expensive episode so no like like for example let's say he hit it inside the angel that the guys were arguing about at the beginning of the episode brilliant you know but then that does raise the question of why weren't they watching everything happens in the house whatever so no matter how you look at this i I, i'm sorry i don't i don't want to keep harping on this well that's okay but 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 also imagine that he Imagine he he hit it in some place that was outside. Yeah. Imagine it doesn't cost a ton of money for him to 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 hide it like outside somewhere for them to shoot that. Here's what they could have done. Okay. He goes out to get the negatives, comes back, seen with Allison, seen with his mom. When he sees the note that's like you know the, from Allison, um, instead of him just like picking it up off the floor and be like, oh, I was right here the whole time. Instead, when he is walking away, he is like at a safety deposit box, taking the negatives out then, and then then leaves. That shows that they know he went out to get the negatives and they know he didn't come back with them. So that's how they would, if, if okay, because they looked through everything. They didn't find the negatives. Right, they right. know he didn't get the negatives, but he made it look like he was. So clearly right. he made a decision. Yeah, it would have been better for him not to have had the negatives on him because then he doesn't have to hide them there. Then it makes... So, so if the last scene, instead of just him walking away, it's showing... I could have got the negatives, but I didn't. They're still hidden here in the same place they were hidden before. Right. If it outside, outside of the house, somewhere outside of the house. Yeah. Um, the thing that came to mind for me was pick up the phone and go, "Hi, this is Tom Vale. I left a bag in your taxi cab. Can I come down to the dispatch? Like that? That, okay. he, that he hit it in the taxi cab or something? You know? Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Right. Like, I feel like when I when I watched this for the first time like a few weeks ago, yeah. first time after not having seen it for a long time, yeah. my first thought was that they got the negatives. Mm. That's why everything is trash. That's why they left him in the lurch. They got what they wanted, oh. and now they were out of it. You missed the part where he goes and grabs the, the negatives. And well, the, no, I mean b- before before, before he moment. picks him up. You were in like, the moment oh when no, he wakes they've got up. it. That yeah, that would have been my first the total thought. Total balance of power has shifted now. They have what they need. That's the only. That's the only thing that merits that waking up to that. <laughs> okay, it's that. They got what they wanted. They're trashing everything. They're out of here. Sucks to be you, Tom. But then, no. And the thing is, they could have if if they could have ripped all that to 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 shreds without him noticing. They should have put everything back. Yeah. 
There's 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 absolutely plenty he, of and yeah. There's the sound of a car driving away, which implies he woke up the moment they had everything done and they left. <laughs> but slept through all of it. The... He slept through all of it. If they had like knocked him out, yeah. and he was out for hours, and he well, woke up and it was like, "Whoa, I've been going to sleep three days." Sure, that would have been yeah. one thing yeah. that didn't happen. It's it's just the it all feels so. Rushed. Yes, I'll agree with that completely. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is that this last scene feels very much like you have to watch it, assuming you have to watch it under the lens of what you're supposed to. F- I When I watch this scene, I'm mm-hmm. not confused about what I'm supposed to feel. Yeah. It's just that what you actually feel is very different from it. And I have done that so many times for so many other episodes that were just not great to begin with. Yeah. That I'm over it. Yeah. <laughs> that I yeah. just, I the, the the difference here is I think I'm at the point where they can't betray me because I don't trust them to do a good job anymore. And you loved this episode so much that you were trusting them to do a good job. And, and, and we're just like, because the level of, of frustration you're having suggests, guys, you had me. What? Yeah. But this makes no sense. I thought we. I thought now the show was logical. It's right. like no, Gabe. It's still the same show. <laughs> it's logical when they can afford it, and when they can't, it's dumb as shit. <laughs> I mean, I love the show, but when they can't afford, there's a difference between the show they wanted to make and the show they could afford to make. Yeah. And sometimes it's glaring. And I just think this is one of those scenes where, yeah, if he had hidden the negative, the negative someplace else. Uh, if he had done, if he had done something smart, yeah, it would have been a different ending. Yeah, and I just think that what they showed him do has a little sign on it that says, "Please imagine that he does something smart here." <laughs> and I said, "Okay, yeah. That, that, yeah, that's that's where I'm at." Okay, all right. Well, enough talk about yeah, the uh, ending. All right. Um. So, do you have a silliest moment? Uh, <laughs> that maybe the show was set in half San Francisco. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I don't know. If that's the silliest thing, but, uh, well, no, I, I know what it was. That store that they go to for no reason is the silliest thing. Sure. There is no reason for them to be in a curio shop while people are maybe trying to kill them. Stay home. Yeah. I know there's no Netflix, but read a book, <laughs> have a glass of wine. If you need something from the curio shop, send, send one, one of, of your, your bodyguards. Guards, yeah. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I've got exploding truck, definitely. <laughs> I um, forgot about that. It's it's so exploding. Yeah. It's so much fire. Um, also, I was going to make cocoa with peppermint sticks. <laughs> it's pretty good. I liked that, yeah. And then also the organization and how they... Uh, the organization, sorry. The organization, capital right. T, capital O. right. Uh, and how they bungled the plot when they were so close. And then uh, do you have a cleverest moment? You can say no, <laughs> but I preferably if you have something. I don't have a real one. My answer is the thing that they think that they had Tom do at the end that justifies the ending being the way that it is. That's it. That was so clever. The big red square that says the cleverest the, thing you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a uh, feeling for birthmarks, I guess, was sure. pretty clever. Sure. You know, if you are suspicious of this person. Even if they got a woman that looks like Allison and sounds like Allison, she's going to have the same birthmark. All right. So um, the next episode is titled Contact. Ooh. You, already, you already said what where you hope the show goes next. That's right. Next episode is called Contact. Uh, Tom gets abducted by aliens. I'm joking. That's not. 
It's not real. I'm I believed joking. you for a I'm second. Joking. I was I know, looking I down at this thing that I'm holding, <laughs> and I totally thought you were for serious for a second. I was like, no. We I'm have joking. The, yeah, I'm no, joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no. Someone from within the organization contacts Vale and offers him assistance in return for killing someone. Whoa. The man who erased Tom's old life. Whoa. All right. That's an so, intriguing premise. So it goes in a different in a direction. The... I would say most of the previous episodes were nothing like that. Yeah. Um, and and I it doesn't say what it is in that, but uh, that is going to start a chunk of episodes that all have some sort of a through line. Yep. Not necessarily like the plot goes from one to another, but right. by the end of the next episode, you'll have an idea. Of- it's less anthological is uh, what I'm hoping you're saying. It's less of an yes. anthology at this yes. point and more of episodes that feel like they're part of the same show and not... X, not X Files, excuse me, uh, Twilight Zone that continues to have one character common to them. Because that's what the show feels like sure, a lot of the time. Sure. Is just one weird Twilight Zone short story that happens to still star Tom Vale. Now, the episodes will, uh, um, they will still be episodic. Okay. Like, they, w- that's not like they're all going to be the same type of episode yeah. as each other. Um, but there will be something that's like, well, this week I'm doing this because blank. And then the next week, okay. this week I'm doing this because blank. Okay. And the next week I'm doing this because of that same so blank. So instead of the opening being random crap every single time, the openings will at least be linked together. Yeah, I mean, sort of. So- we'll, 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 we'll get there. I don't want you to get your hopes exactly. up too much is what exactly. I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, no, the look on your face was, all right. <laughs> Tone it down, Steve. It's right. still the same show. Don't start thinking the show is going to be the show you want it to be. Exactly, exactly. It just changes a little bit. All right. All right. So I think that'll that'll do it for today. Um, it was a big, long episode. Thank you all for, for joining Thank us. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, keep watching the skies for aliens. <laughs> <laughs> what if it actually was aliens? But it's not. Isn't it? <laughs> To contact us, send us an email at NowhereMenPodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at NowhereMenPod for updates. For more content created by Steve, go to bit.ly slash NowhereWizard. And if you want to hear me talk about tabletop role-playing games, check out my main podcast, Interparty Conflict, found wherever podcasts are sold. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And thanks for listening. <laughs>